Friday, July the 30th, 2021. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of That's What G Said Podcast. We are just loaded with information for you today as it is a MLB trade deadline. Huge news for the Dodgers. Max Scherzer, Trey Turner coming to LA and big trades all over. We're going to get into... Uh, some of the trade deadline stuff. Uh, we get Dodgers uh, weekly with Ben. As uh, it was so funny, Ben and I were talking right as the trade was like turned from. It looked like the Padres were getting Scherzer to the Dodgers. So you hear Ben and me like reacting towards the end of that. It's a ton of fun. Um, uh, ben Keenly joins uh, for that one. We go NBA with Eric. The Lakers make a huge trade. They acquire Russell Westbrook. We talk all about that. And then we recap round one of the NBA draft. Then we get into Saturday Saratoga with John Stetton. We get into Saturday Del Mar with Scott Shapiro. With John Stetton, we talk about the three graded stakes races for Saturday. With Scott, we talk about four races on the Saturday card, two early maiden special weight races, and then two later on the card. We'll talk some stable duel, um, and then wrestling with Chad Cooper. We recap SmackDown, Raw, NXT, AEW. So you're going to get baseball, basketball, horse racing for Saturday Two different racetracks, uh, Saratoga and Del Mar with guests, and then wrestling uh, for all of the major wrestling organizations as we just bounce around tonight here on That's What G Said, brought to you by Better Than Dot Vegas. Better Than Dot Vegas is a website that is focused all around providing you with free gambling and wagering content and analysis. Hundreds of handicappers from all over the world post videos sharing their daily best bets, the props they're betting, the uh, totals, the spreads, any kind of uh, future wagers, uh, any tournaments, um, and all sports. For me, I focus a lot on baseball, basketball, football. You'll get some horse racing stuff for me on there, but you get soccer, tennis, anything Olympic-related right now, all hours of the night from people all over the world, and it is totally free, and it's free because that content is brought to you by Manscaped.com. When you use the promo code 2IDIOTS, T-W-O-I-D-I-O-T-S, it'll get you 20% off and free shipping. Also, if you follow on Twitter, at BTVBets, every single night their Twitter will put out a bunch of polls for different options of uh, wagers to vote on. And then after all the polls uh, get tallied, Better than Vegas, BTV Bets will put together uh, either a wager or a parlay, and they will give it out to one of you. So that way you get the wager for free, giving away hundreds of dollars. Usually it's going to be back somewhere in the couple hundred dollar range for nothing. All you have to do is follow along, help retweet, help share the poll, and... (laughs) Better than Dot Vegas is literally giving away money, folks. They are giving money away. And at the MLB trade deadline, a lot of teams were just giving players away. And we're going to get into our Dodgers uh, segment that started out a little glum because we're talking about how the Dodgers just lost two out of three from the Giants. And then by the end of our conversation with Ben, we're all excited because we. Get the feeling that the Dodgers are about to acquire Scherzer and Trey Turner, and they did. Los Angeles Dodgers uh, have acquired 
all-star right-hander Max Scherzer and star shortstop Trey Turner from the Washington Nationals for a massive prospect haul. Dodgers will send four prospects, uh, including right-handed pitcher uh, Josiah Gray, who has been pitching in the big leagues uh, just recently, and he's got some good stuff. And uh, Kiebert Ruiz, who is one of the Dodgers' most highly regarded prospects and an excellent catcher who's been tearing the cover off the ball. They also give up right-handed pitcher uh, Gerardo Carrillo and outfielder Donovan Casey. Gray and Ruiz were the Dodgers' top two prospects entering the season. Both of them top 75 prospects in the MLB 100. Scherzer's numbers this year incredible: two seven six ERA um, in nineteen starts, eight and four. He's a three time Cy Young Award winner. He had a, a good start on Thursday, and he will be headed to the Dodgers. Eight-time All-Star, 92 and 70, uh, 92 and 47 in seven seasons with Washington. He was 3-0 in six starts during the 2019 postseason to help them win their first World Series. Trey Turner, All-Star this year, hitting 322 with 18 home runs, 49 RBIs. Now in his seventh season, He's 28 years old. He's a career 300 hitter. Now, the uh, unfortunate news for him is he did test positive for COVID on Tuesday. So we'll uh, keep our fingers crossed that everything is okay with with Trey. But I don't think people quite understand how good he is. He is phenomenal. And he is one of the fastest players in the league. He is He's on first. He's on second. Base hit or a walk turns into a double. He can steal instantly. And he's going to give the Dodgers a lineup now that will be pretty incredible. Uh, When all healthy, the Dodgers will have Mookie Betts, Trey Turner, Justin Turner, Max Muncy, Corey Seager, Cody Bellinger, Will Smith, AJ Pollock, and Chris Taylor. That's a one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, one through nine hitters. They'll have a pitching staff now that will consist of Bueller, Kershaw, Scherzer, and Urias with Gonsolin behind them. The Dodgers also made a trade, and we'll talk about it in just a minute, for veteran pitcher Danny Duffy, who's been having a really solid year. He's a good veteran, and he's a lefty who can help you start some games right now and then maybe transition to the bullpen if need be. This gives the Dodgers the option of moving Urias maybe to the bullpen if they have to come playoff time. Dodgers also have a reliever, Corey Kniebel, who was one of their better relievers to start the year. He just had a rehab start. So now, all of a sudden, the Dodgers could have that 1-9 through that we talked about. They could have Bueller, Kershaw, and Scherzer. You could move Urias to the bullpen and add him, maybe even with Duffy, Kniebel. Now you've got a couple different bullpen pieces. Gonsolin's another arm. And you put them with Kenley Jensen, Blake Trinan, and Joe Kelly. Gotta get there, but the Dodgers look to be in excellent shape right now. As a fan, I could not be happier that the Dodgers again decided to go all in and realize, hey, we gotta go all in right now. Let's go make a move. Let's. The, the Padres were reported to have all been done with this deal. But the Dodgers continue to sweeten the deal. They continue to offer Washington major, uh, you know, a couple other prospects and major prospects. And this is one of those situations where the the Nationals get a lot out of it, but the Dodgers get what they wanted. And Trey Turner is someone, if Seager leaves, he can play there. He can play the outfield. 
Uh, very excited for this as a Dodger fan. Let's talk about some of the other big moves over the last couple of days in uh, in baseball. Some of the other trade deadline moves. Looking at Ken Rosenthal's Twitter um, from the last few days, Tyler Anderson was acquired by the Mariners from the Pirates. Um, Tyler Anderson is a, a, a solid, solid lefty. Reds get relief uh, uh, pitchers Luis Sessa and Justin Wilson from the Yankees. The Yankees needed to make some room because they uh, were going to bring a couple other players in uh, in that Anderson trade. Tyler Anderson goes to Seattle um, in exchange for Carter Bins and uh, uh, Joaquin Tejada. You've got um, the A's picking up Starling Marte, trading uh, Jesus Lazardo to the uh, to the Marlins. So the Marlins now have really good young pitching in the next few years with uh, Alcantara. You got Rogers, you got Sixto, you got Lopez, and now you add uh, Lazardo there. So lots of young, good arms. Reds get a uh, right-handed pitcher Michael Givens in exchange for Noah Davis, Case Williams. We. Uh, the Astros picked up a couple relievers, Yimi Garcia and Kendall Graveman. Uh, so they strengthen their bullpen a little bit there. That'll help. Uh, that'll help Houston. And the let's see other trades. Eduardo Escobar goes to the Brewers. That'll help give them a little bit more pop and depth to go along with their excellent pitching staff. Joey Gallo goes to the New York Yankees. That's a big deal for them because they get Joey Gallo. They also get all-star first baseman Anthony Rizzo. And uh, so Rizzo and Gallo. Rizzo's got 14 home runs. He's a three-time all-star um, and 40 RBIs this year. He's only hitting 248, but he will really help. You add Rizzo, who has got experience. He's a good hitter. And he can give you some good at-bats. You put him in the mix with uh, Joey Gallo now too. And all of a sudden that lineup is much, much better. Can the Yankees make up the ground they need to win that division? Are they going to be a wild card team? If so, I think they're going to be a much tougher out come playoff time now with uh, with the additions of, uh, of Gallo and of Rizzo. Where else are we headed? Let's see. Uh, Dodgers. We talked about Danny Duffy, veteran pitcher, four and three with a two fifty one ERA and sixty five strikeouts this year in sixty one innings. He's a career three nine five ERA, and he's currently on the injured list with a flexor strain. But I don't think it's supposed to be too serious. He waived his no trade clause. He's been, you know, on and off the injured list a couple times this year. But when he's pitched, he's done very very well, and he's someone who could help the Dodgers quite a bit. Where else we headed in the last couple days? Other moves, other moves. Um, let's see here. We got a White Sox uh, acquiring Cesar Hernandez, um, second baseman, and they also got uh, uh, right-handed reliever uh, Tapera from the Cubs. So they bring in a second baseman who has been playing really well for the Indians actually um and he's got 18 home runs and he's in 231 so power bat middle of the infield very good defensively he helps he's give, gives them a little bit of versatility they lost Nick Madrigal so this helps them to pair out with the 291 ERA um so the White Sox a team that continues to add cuz they're going to be a, a major uh, player and, and they will uh, be a, a playoff contender Let's see, anything else? Brad Hand goes to the Blue Jays. 
So that helps uh, them get some bullpen depth. That's a big piece for them. Yeah, it was funny. It looked, and then this was right here. Was it Padres close to acquiring Scherzer? But other teams are still trying on top. And that's when we heard Dodgers acquiring Danny Duffy. It's when Rizzo went to the Yankees. Um, that's when uh, the Rays trade Diego Castillo to the Mariners. So the Mariners get back some relief help. And JT Chagua and Austin Shenton um, go to the Mariners for. Uh, Go from the Mariners to uh, to Toronto, or excuse me, from the Mariners to uh, to Tampa to the Rays. And uh, let's see, so that the deal was done for the Dodgers, blockbuster deal there. That was one of the more recent um, trades that we saw. Kyle Schwarber heading to the Boston Red Sox. That's a big one. And the Padres working to acquire reliever Daniel Hudson. Who will help the the Padres bullpen depth? A busy, busy trade deadline in baseball. Lots of teams going all in. And now we check in with uh, with Ben for some Dodger talk. This was funny, as you know, we started. Like I said, we were recording this at five o'clock Pacific time. So just as the news was starting to to break from. Oh, Scherzer's going to the Padres too. Scherzer's going to the Dodgers. You can hear me and Ben start to change. Uh, the attitude start to change and some excitement in our voice as we uh, we talk Dodgers. We talk about some of the struggles recently. And then we get into the, uh, the what-ifs and the possibilities. So Dodger Talk with Ben. Coming right up on the trade deadline. Actually recording this on uh, Thursday evening at around 8 o'clock Eastern time with uh, Ben Coonley. Dodger Ben is back again here for a little Dodger talk on That's What G Said. Ben, I wish we had a, a little uh, a little more uh, positives to talk about. We were so excited coming out of the All-Star break with the, the Dodgers and uh, all the games uh, ahead against the Giants. And we're sort of right back where we were. We're still three games behind the Giants. I think in the seven games we've played against them, they uh, they won five. And more than them winning, it felt like a lot of these were us losing. Yeah, gee, uh, thanks so much. It, it's keenly, I'll let it slide. I, I did no it one, again, right? Did, I did it okay. again. I think you got it right the first time. I, I just want to start uh, by giving my former roommate, Joey Cleveland, a shout out for the uh, theme song to That's oh, What great. G Said. It's great. Uh, I'm very, very connected uh, with That's What G Said in, in you different are. ways. I didn't even think about that. You're right. That's <laughs> funny. I didn't even put two and two together on there. It, nice. I mean, it may have been it may have been recorded in my house. Who knows? Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, but anyway, so, yeah, I mean, this the stretch with the Dodgers is uh, – been underwhelming um so uh, to your point of the bad losses tuesday belly you know throwing it to alameda uh from first base was just like unacceptable like i don't even know if you could have got him at third the losses last week um you know kenley really getting beat up but uh you know the the game on thursday night the check swing should have been a strike three and to end the game and I mean, there's just so many, so many close things. And it kind of goes back to our last conversation with the, the one run games and the extra inning games that they just aren't winning them. And uh, it's to a place where when you go seven, six and seven in a 13 game stretch, like you're not going to do well in the playoffs. You have to win more than you lose. Uh, you know, that's a pro tip right there. We're actually a little lucky, the Dodgers, as the Pirates helped us out over the weekend. 
you know, yeah. we kind of projected looking at the series and thinking, oh, no, the Giants will go and beat three, win three from the Pirates. But they end up losing two out of three and sort of keep us still within striking range. So, I mean, the three game deficit isn't one that that's insurmountable, but it, it's just frustrating because you had the opportunity with these games in front of you to really make up the ground and not have to, you know, root for other teams to do the dirty work for you. Um, and Mookie, we'll start with Mookie. He got to the point where he was playing the best baseball he had all year. And mm-hmm. he was really looking like he was going to be a guy to help kind of carry us through the second half. And then, unfortunately, you see him come up, and it's the hip again. And so he's sent to the uh, to the IL. It's just, if it's not one thing, it's something else, which is, it's funny. We're, we're complaining about a team that's still got right. one of the best records in baseball and got a lot of going for them. But it just is, every time this team's got a little momentum this year, it's been like two steps forward, one step backwards. Yeah, uh, you know, with with bets on the shelf, and he really, I mean, you could argue he hasn't been right all year, right? Like he, yep. you know, had some stuff really early in the year that shut him down. And, you know, in a 162-game season, you want to make sure that people are starting to, to pick it up, you know, in at least beginning of September. So you have that full month of continuity. Uh, this Dodger team hasn't had all their stars at once. Seager is, I think, still scheduled to come back or at least uh, mm-hmm. get off the IL this weekend. Um, so hopefully they're, you know, careful with him. You know, you have Taylor playing short and he's still doing really well. Um, so it's the guys like, you know, Betts and Bellinger trying to hit their stride and just staying healthy, just staying in the lineup. Um, that is going to, it's going to allow the Dodgers to, you know, get to the playoffs. And, you know, again, 58 games left after today, still a good amount of baseball. Um, you, you know, you got to go, you're, you, they got, they got Houston coming up next week, which is going to be a big emotional oh, yeah. A uh, couple of games, I'll make it for one of them and probably lose my voice. Um, just you know, really. And, may, and maybe that's that's kind of what the Dodgers need because yeah. don't, doesn't it feel like? Um, and and I think and I I give them a little credit because like it's hard being a team that's very good every year that every time you go and play anyone they want to beat you. You're the right. defending champs. You're really good. You know, you've got a couple different rivals now. You're not just you got yeah. one. You've got like, three or four all over. Right. But it feels like when we play the the um, the Padres and the Giants, it's like they get up a little more for those games than we do. Um, yeah. I almost wonder if maybe these Astro games will bring a little something out of the Dodgers that we could we could use maybe a little bit of a, a catalyst or a spark moving forward. You know. Yeah, and you know, so they uh, you look at the next eight games. They have three against Arizona. They got, I mean, they just got to wipe the deck with with Arizona. Pollock's going to do what he does against the Diamondbacks that we talked about last time. So hopefully they sweep the weekend. Um, and then you got two at home against Houston and three at home against the Angels. And so those are those are big games in in Los Angeles and should have packed houses. And uh, then you go on the road to to Philly and against the Mets, and then they play the Mets at home the next week too. Um, so it, there's really like, you can't, you can't go 500 baseball uh, during this stretch. You got to go 600, 650 baseball to get that momentum back. And hopefully the giants start to falter, but I don't see it happening. Like these guys, Lamont Wade jr. I didn't know who he was up until yeah, probably no clue. early June. Uh, and you know, they're, do- they're getting it done. Crawford is, is amazing. He's timeless. Posey is, is getting it done. Um, their pitching is rock solid. Like it, it's just one of those things where the Dodgers have to focus on themselves and not, and not look for any help. Um, which, you know, help can come from, uh, the trade deadline, which is fast approaching or help can come from people losing. Um, so a lot of, a lot of activity, uh, today on, on that front, which is uh, pretty exciting for, for the, for the sport, for sure. 
So uh, as we are talking right now, there was a report that Max Scherzer was close to signing a deal, uh, was close to being traded to the Padres, but it has not been official yet because uh, Ken Rosenthal that there were some said that there were some lats stitch efforts from teams like the Dodgers, the Red Sox, the Giants, and maybe even one other team um, that are are still trying to sweeten the deal. Uh, This is something that we saw the Dodgers actually do last year with Bauer. Remember that it got reported that that he was going to go to the Mets, and then we wake up in the morning, and all of a sudden— He's a Dodger now because they uh, they offered a little more or they made the deal a little bit better for him. So uh, we could maybe wake up tomorrow or, or find out Friday and 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 maybe uh, Scherzer is a is a Dodger. Who knows? If he's not, that's a that's a big move for the Padres because that could be someone you have to uh, end up facing in a playoff series or or in a big game. Um, so I'm uh, you know we'll keep our fingers crossed. But the Dodgers did make a move, Ben, and this is a very Dodger move. Um, I, I still think they're going to be you know. Doing what they can with Scherzer and can keep an uh, an ear out for Jose Barrios, who is actually a, a very good pitcher from the Twins, who the Dodgers have been reported to. He's the type of guy who could start like a game three for you mm-hmm. if you wanted to maybe move Urias back into the bullpen or, or get a little bit flexible. But the Dodgers acquired Danny Duffy, and mm-hmm. you know he's not a household name. He's not someone that everybody knows. But when you really look into Duffy, he was actually highly regarded a couple years ago. Uh, he's 32 years old. He has a career ERA of uh, of under four. And this year, he had an incredible start to the year. His first seven starts, he had a 194 ERA and a 222 batting average against through 41 innings pitched. He had 48 strikeouts and uh, just 12 walks. He only gave up two home runs. Which I love seeing because this is a guy as a left-handed pitcher. We were speaking about, you know, the Dodgers perhaps needing another strong lefty just somewhere. He's a guy who, you know, for the next month and a half, two months, he's starting games for you and going as far as he can. Um, but he could be a very nice piece come playoff time out of the bullpen, maybe get you an inning or two there. This guy is sneaky. He's got some good stuff, and he's a total. You take a shot on him if it doesn't work. Okay. This feels like one of those Dodger moneyballish kind of moves, you know? Yeah, and I think um, you know, I actually I, you know, was watching the game for a little bit and then got back into to the work day and, and missed this. Um, but you know, pulling up his uh baseball reference page, like localish guy born in Goleta, which is right next to Santa Barbara, went to mm-hmm. Lompoc High or Cabrillo High School in Lompoc. So uh we love local guys coming home and he probably was a Dodger fan growing up. Uh, and yeah, like I, I think you know, a, a can, someone who can eat innings down the stretch while Kershaw's getting right, uh, while you know you, you can you know sit Bauer a start, you can who's been amazing, and you and you want to save those bullets for you know that playing game or, or the postseason. Um, so yeah, this is a this is a solid Dever, definitely a Dodgerish move mm-hmm. um, to to get a guy like this um, toward the tail end of his career, but like you know he'll still he'll still give you what you need in uh in big time games yeah this will be a good a good like rejuvenation time for him to come he got hurt in the middle of the year so he missed like a month from may to june and then he came back he's come back and i think they had plans on dealing him so they didn't start him recently over the last couple days but they were just getting him built back up and and even since he's returned from his injury he had you know one bad outing against the red Sox, which yeah that's one of the best Offenses in baseball that's not really Anything to to get too hard on him About and his last three games Haven't been all that awful so 
I could see him being someone who the Dodgers, uh, you know, get a lot out of. And let's hope that maybe they're still in conversations to get, uh, you know, one or two more. But I think you hit on it. Like for the Dodgers, they have enough with what they have. It's just, are we going to get these guys all right and healthy at the same time, which has just been so frustrating this year. If you got a lineup back with Seager and with Mookie, even if you weren't getting the best version of Bellinger, you know, you'd still be a very difficult lineup to get through. If you had Kershaw and Bueller and uh, Urias, and now you add a Duffy and you're bull- and you bring Knable back into the bullpen and you bring up maybe one other Kid or two from the the miners like There's enough there it's just We gotta get it all at the same time Yeah and you know It's really it's frustrating to Watch you know Bellinger having a bat today Bases loaded three guys on the right side of the infield Down (sighs) four and you're still trying to pull the ball Like I I just I am officially Old Gino uh, because I mean And because in the first inning what did Crawford do That's how the game got blown it was two there was Nobody no zero zero First inning two outs and there's bases Loaded and then it could be 0-0 zero, zero. Uh, Dodgers are shifted over a little bit And Crawford just squeaks a ball down the line That ends up turning into a double Yeah, and I think, you know I, I'm not paid to be a hitting coach Nor have I really ever been Except for on the uh, freshman baseball coaching level <laughs> uh, But, like, you take what's given to you Like, if you're trying to get right And you're hitting 150 Like, you need to get on base Like, it is it is not time to hit one Especially of the day Like speed. he did the night before Yeah, he's a, he, he just needs to He's putting the ball, ball in play, and that's kind of been the, the the name of the game. You know, when the Dodgers lost to the Rockies over the weekend, and they had bases loaded, nobody outs in a tie game, and you lose that game. Like it, you don't, you can't, you can't. Like I can guarantee you, Gino. Like we like to uh, to put a put a couple shekels on on some games. Like live betting, that game was off the board. You couldn't have bet that game either way in that scenario because it was a foregone conclusion conclusion that the Dodgers were going to win. Wow is beyond me Huge news too Um, In the last seven minutes Ken Rosenthal, the Dodgers are working to get both Max Scherzer and Trey Turner from the Nationals Deal is not done, hurdles remain First to mention development, Jeff Passan This was seven minutes ago Uh, Just after five Refreshing refreshing my uh, And then the Laker deal is official too The Lakers trade with the Westbrook deal So the Lakers get Westbrook uh, For uh, Kuzma, KCP, Harrell, and number twenty-two. So, wow, that's could be a big night. That's a lot happening in, in just a few <laughs> minutes. Um, and if we'll we'll keep monitoring that because that's the kind of deal where you know what if you give up a Kaibar or or uh, the Kai, uh, keep uh, Ruiz, um, mm-hmm. if you have to give up some of the big prospects and you get back Scherzer and someone like Turner, right. then then I'm okay with that. Because, and what does that mean for and what does that mean for Seager, right? So like yeah. you, like for Seager, it's like okay, like if you're trading for Trey Turner, I don't know his contract, uh, his length. If he's a rental too, I don't think he is. I hope no. that he wouldn't be. Um, but yeah, I mean Ruiz is tearing it up, but like Will Smith, who's hit uh, north of one uh, and, and is slugging since the All Star break, one point one eight six since uh, the All Star <laughs> yeah. break, four dinger, sixteen RBIs. I don't really think we need to worry about that position for the next, I don't know, half decade yeah. at least. Um, so maybe you, you, you know, that, that, um, that, that trade piece makes a ton of sense. Um, but yeah, the, the trade Turner thing is really interesting because he can play outfield as well. He has yeah. center field experience, um, you know, bellies, <laughs> hamstrings, ailing him and fast so, too, man. Yeah. You know, he gets hurt and he gets banged up sometimes, but 
the dude is he's a 300 lifetime hitter yeah he's hitting 322 this year you know and he's um, been around i mean he's been in the league since he was like 20 you know this is probably his fifth or sixth season in like full season in the in the majors um yeah 2015 was his first major league season so like he's been in playoff baseball the the lights are not too bright like it's uh that would be that would be a great uh he's an all-star this year like you mentioned you know he's hitting 322 and has a little bit of pop 18 dingers like i mean that's a great it's a great piece to add to your lineup with two months left wow there is a lot happening right now and uh it's crazy man because this has never happened before there's never been a day when the the trade deadline for baseball mm-hmm. was also on the day when the NBA draft was because normally sure. the NBA draft would have been a few weeks ago, you know, because right. the season got pushed back. So we're getting just rumor, rumor, trade, all this stuff happening. And man, that would be uh, that would be a massive deal for the Dodgers getting yeah. two, two players like that a top of the line because you you imagine, um, let's say hypothetically now that the Dodgers do make the, this deal and they do get who knows what they're giving up. But they, let's say they, they get the deal and they get back. A Scherzer and a Turner And now you have a, a Scherzer, Bueller you, you probably go something like Bueller, Kershaw, Scherzer mm-hmm. Just to kind of go righty, lefty Left, you know, like mm-hmm. um, That'd be amazing Can you imagine Scherzer yeah. starting game three For you in a playoff series, like on the road Where you're going, and then You've got Urias um, So yeah, this is still not Official or anything, you know, because this thing has bounced Back and forth throughout the day, but uh a fun just, time. Yeah. yeah, I just saw Angels are in the mix for Scherzer. I mean, every, there's always the mystery team, right? Like, yeah. there's, always, there's always the team that, that comes in. Um, but, yeah, I mean, Scherzer was absolutely amazing two years ago in the playoffs. I went to the one game uh, that that he battled uh, in the NLDS, and he's just, you know, he's a workhorse. He, he's going to want the ball, uh, and he would be an amazing number two, number three uh, when, when the lights are, are the brightest. Ben Keenly. Ben Thank Keenly. You. There we go. There we Nailed go. Has helping uh, helping us out here with Dodger Talk. We had to check in today because uh yeah, there's so much bouncing around. And you know, again, it's a bummer. It 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 feels like the Dodgers are more like ten games behind because they've just been behind for so long. I mean, there's any weekend right now, the, the end of this weekend, the Dodgers could be tied again for first. They just gotta keep playing good ball. They just gotta keep beating up on the teams that they're supposed to, and now hope that if they do bring in a new, whether it is by trade or whether it's just, hey, Kershaw's healthy again, Seager's healthy again, Mookie's coming back, those guys are going to inject a little life into this roster too. Yeah, and you know Turner's gonna Turner's gonna be the mainstay. I, I think you know it, obviously if Mookie can just get healthy um, and just string a couple wins together, we you know last time we talked they, they've been just really streaky. Um, but it's definitely getting to a place where it, it all needs to come together pretty quickly or, you know, the, the playing game, which who knows what can happen in that scenario. And, you know, like we talked about, like it's a one game, any, literally anything can happen. So you have to stay out of that as best you can. Um, but yeah, it, it's been, you know, the, the losses have felt bigger in July yeah. because they've been, like we talked about the, they've been very winnable games that's the, uh, the Dodgers could be could have easily gone five and two against the Giants instead of two and five over these last couple of weeks um so it, it is really frustrating to kind of just see it right there and and really miss this pretty pretty substantial opportunity in July 
one of the last things uh, to to note is that the, the last thing from uh, Rosenthal at 525, if the Dodgers complete the deal with the Nationals for Scherzer and Trey Turner, uh, it will Kaibart Ruiz will be one of the key players, which you would have ha- assumed. And um, he's the number 16 prospect, according to Baseball America. Keep refreshing all night. It's going to be that kind of a night over the next few days. Uh, keep refreshing. Uh, lots of news happening. And uh, we'll see if the Dodgers add. Can somebody jump in and steal it? Then uh, we'll have to catch back up with you again in uh, in another week or two and see. Uh, did they make any moves? How how have these acquisitions helped uh, or unfor- hopefully not hurt the Dodgers? And, uh, yeah, we'll keep checking in throughout the, the year as we head into the playoffs, as we head into defending our World Series title again this year. Ben Dodger Ben back again. Uh, thank you so much, buddy. And uh, we'll have to check in with you again uh, coming up soon. Anytime, G. I'll always make time for that's what you said. Okay, folks, uh, do not go anywhere. We got plenty more still here to talk on that's what you said. Ooh, a big day for the Dodgers, and uh, will be a lot of fun moving forward. Can't wait to talk again with Ben uh, in uh, in another week or two and see how uh, a lot of the new pieces have helped this Dodger team and, and where they stand. So big thank you to Ben for helping us out again, and we're going to get into NBA in just a minute. But first, we want to let you know about our uh, friend and longtime sponsor, Cindy Carava, full-service realtor Cindy Carava. Her website is uh, cindycarava.com, C-I-N-D-Y-C-A-R-A-V-A.com. And as a full-service realtor, she can help you out in many different ways. That means buying, selling, leasing. She can help connect you with vendors, you know, the type of people that can help with home improvement. She can help you with lenders if you are someone who is curious about a, a loan. Maybe you just want to find out how much your home is worth. She'll do a free market analysis of your home's value. Anything in Southern California, San Gabriel Valley, uh, North San Diego, and maybe you're outside of the state of California, but you need some help. Don't worry. She can connect you with people in your area that she knows, that she trusts. She will make life easier for you. On that website, cindycaraba.com, you'll get all of the listings, all the projects, um, uh, previous projects, and any information that you need there. Reviews on Yelp and Zillow. She's all over social media there. Cindy Carava, full service realtor. Let's get on into NBA with Eric. Huge trade. Russell Westbrook heading to the Lakers. How do I feel? You're going to hear all about it in just a minute. Eric talks with us about that. Then we recap round one of the NBA draft. About 45 minutes of NBA talk coming up right here with Eric. NBA. Who's hot? Who's hot? Who's hot? Who's hot? Crazy big news day today in the world of uh, baseball and in basketball. And in basketball, there was a big trades happening there was all sorts of news leading up to the nba draft and then round one of the nba draft so uh, i talked to eric as as the draft had started and as the news was pouring in and we decided yeah you know what let's do a little instant reaction to a big day in the nba and eric we're going to get into the draft and kind of recap what happened in round one of it in just a minute but first uh, a huge trade in in, uh, in the nba as the lakers make a deal to acquire Russell Westbrook and the Lakers will be sending Kyle Kuzma, Montrez Harrell, KCP, and the number 22 pick from tonight's draft to Washington. And uh, 
the Wizards are sending Westbrook uh, 2024 and a 2028 second round pick to complete the deal. Harrell had opted in uh, to his $9.7 million player option and then gets traded. So this is this had come right after it looked like the Lakers were going to make a deal to trade for Buddy Heald. And who who knows if that's an option now because they got rid of some of their assets. But um, we'll, we'll react to this for a little while. What did you think initially when you saw this trade? I... My first initiate, my first thing was LeBron obviously has talked to Westbrook and told him, hey, you know, if you come here, this is what I expect. And I just really think Westbrook is a competitive guy. He wants to win. And whatever LeBron said to him, he he agreed to because a trade of this like this, Panenka is not going to do unless he talks to LeBron. You know what I mean? Yeah, 100%. You know, the thing with Westbrook is he he does get a lot of shit from people, but I mean the guy he does a lot of things tri- well. Yeah, he's a walking tri- triple double. Um, he can score thirty points a night if LeBron like needs to gets banged up again or um, you know has to take a day off. He can carry the load. Uh, same thing with AD. You can rely on him as a number two. But I think the team still lacks shooting. Absolutely, if they don't have the shooters. It's just going to clog up the floor. So it's really tough to kind of give it. A draft grade, like if they add some guys, it's it's a home run for them. It's it's yeah, it's it's hard because as of this moment, the Lakers roster consists of LeBron, AD, Westbrook, um, THT, and Gasol. Like that's it. <laughs> that that's their roster right now. So they've got a lot of spots to fill. They should over uh, they should be able to sign Caruso because he's their own guy so they can they can pay him and, and not have to worry about it being as big of a deal with the salary cap they can you know get a couple veteran minimum guys that you assume will come in there's still the possibility of something with a Dennis Schroeder sign and trade which would which is really what Rob is going to have to try to do to try to get a way to use that uh money to get something back and it's I'm, I'm so conflicted it with this uh because I've actually always been a really big fan of Westbrook just as a fan of the NBA. Um, and he, he plays hard every night. He wants to win. He's legitimately a tough, tough guy. He will go right at you. He's not scared of anything. Um, so there's like, there's a lot of positives to him. Um, he does have many flaws though. And I'm a little concerned about the fit with this team. Like you said, the, the shooting, you look at the Lakers' three best players right now, and none of them are above-average shooters. And Westbrook's been like a, oh, we can leave him open from three in the playoffs bad kind of shooter in, in some years. I mean, he, yeah, he's an awful shooter. Like, no, no, um, no two things about it. I mean, the guy can't yeah. shoot at all. And in this day and age of the NBA, you have to have those guys that create space. And if you do come off of them, like pay and make the three. That's why I thought that Brooklyn had a chance, but when everyone got hurt, they they weren't running twos at everybody. When you have Westbrook, AD, and LeBron, you have three guys you have to run twos at. Guys in the NBA can shoot, man. You know what I mean? Like, so if you have someone like a Wayne Ellington, like just someone off the top of my head in the corner, yeah. that guy's a good three-point shooter. He can definitely, like someone like that, like hit a three or a Gary Template or a um, temple yeah temple a uh, tony snell tony snell would be great for you guys Defense, and, and, the three like those are the type of guys you need to have in this roster to make it work and 
you need you need a roster because you guys what have eight players right now and not even at five six at the most with yeah we, we counted through and and like so now you have a starting lineup of you know you have Westbrook you have LeBron you have AD it'll probably be Gasol or if you go if you go smaller or bigger you have you know AD at the five if you want and um, they can have a little versatility there but I I think during the regular season I think this is going to be really like helpful for LeBron and this might be a good thing. For the Lakers because Westbrook When when He's able to get out in transition He's he and AD he'll probably Have a good because Westbrook's not a bad passer Either he's not like it's funny because People think he's a selfish player because He kind of stat hunts a little bit but The guy is a real is a pretty good passer And and you know he'll he'll get The he'll spread the ball around he just Has the ball in his hand a lot of the time that's Kind of um what what I'm I'm not concerned about but I'm Curious because I, maybe LeBron will just be happy for a while to kind of get off the ball here and there, and then playoff time, LeBron will say, "Okay, you know, I'll I'll dominate the ball a little bit more." That that's that it's hard to not think about playoffs with the team like the Lakers and and how this is going to fit, and that's where I'm worried. I really think in the regular season, um, this could be great for for you know them, and they'll win a lot of games and they'll look good. It's just when things slow down, right? And like you said, let's say that uh. LeBron and AD, you're running twos at one of them, and now Westbrook is one of the other guys in the corner. Are you just gonna? And he's not hitting that three enough to keep you honest. Does he have it? Is he worth as much late in the fourth quarter in a playoff game to a team like this? You know, he'll help you get there. He'll help you throughout the game, and he'll help you throughout the seasons a lot of the time. But when it's all, you know, five minutes left in the game. When you know you got LeBron that's going to be having the ball in his hand down the court anyways, is it best to have Westbrook just standing off the ball in the corner? I don't know. And that's the million-dollar question, you know, because the worst thing that can happen in the playoffs and the thing that I rewatched all the finals games, the Suns stopped moving on the perimeter. And that's actually when their offense started going to shit. They just started relying on Booker. And no one was moving. And that's the worst thing that can happen to the Lakers. Have it be in Westbrook's hand or LeBron's hand. And you have four stagnant guys not moving at all. And that's the worst thing you can do in playoff basketball. And that would be the fear because you two, you have two ball-centric guys that like to dribble a lot, the majority of the shot clock, then get to the rim. That would be the big worry. But, I mean, just thinking about free agent signings, I mean, Duncan Robinson is Price himself out of your guys's range. I mean, I think Wayne Ellington's a free agent. That would be the kind of guy you would need. See if they could, if and I think what what he was trying, what they were trying, and and I, and I give Rob a lot of credit, Rob Palinka, who you know he got crap a couple years ago, and they were making people were making fun of him and saying he doesn't even know the salary cap and look what he's doing. And it was always funny. It's like you think Kobe had an agent that didn't know what he was doing. You know, I was I always laughed at those reports when some stuff like that came out. It's like, yeah, you think he was just with a guy who was just a sh- like had no clue. Kobe used to say and he wouldn't say things like that. He was like he knows the salary cap better than anyone. And he did some finagling the last couple years. In fact, the Lakers roster, I think we talked about it. Like last year, I honestly think they had a better roster than the year that they won the title. They just got hurt. They weren't going to win with without AD at full strength without LeBron at full strength They weren't going to win you know At the time the short time off the quick Turnaround all those things played into it but I don't think it was a bad roster For them there were just guys that 
all sort of simultaneously were hurt and kind of didn't didn't play at their best at the same time. Heck, they were up two to one in, against the Suns, even with all of that. It, it's quick. It's funny how quick things turn, you know. And like guys like Rob, even though I hate him because I'm a Michigan State guy and he went to Michigan. <laughs> uh, yeah, he he's definitely has something planned. You're not yes. going to make this move. You're not 100 percent agree. I think unless you have different you know, different things planned out. So he's got, obviously has a vision of plan. It's going to be interesting to see like how he play it plans out and how is he going to build this roster? Cause if the, the, I think they were hoping to try to, to do basically this trade that they, they made and, and like sign and trade Schroeder and try to get both Westbrook and buddy healed out of that. And if they were able to do something like that, that would have been incredible. Um, and I, and I, I don't know if he can still, as far as the money is concerned, like the money that Schroeder would, it might get could be pretty close to matching something for healed. I just don't know if that's even a possibility or if the Kings would be interested. The Kings aren't, or the Kings aren't interested because they just have to another point guard. They've already got three of them, but it would have to, it, they were going to have to need to, to include Washington in that mix, you know? And, and so I don't think that's a possibility anymore, but it's all going to be about how the rest of the roster fills out. They have to get some legitimate shooting. They have to, I mean, there, there's a lot of holes now. And what, what the problem is, is you've got Westbrook who th- this, this is, I guess what my problem is. This isn't like, oh yeah, the the Lakers got Westbrook coming over on like a, his, he's a free agent and he's coming over on like a team friendly deal to like, you know, to help to, to win. Westbrook's coming here. You traded three rotation players for him, and he's making $44 million. So what's a little scary about that is it gives the Lakers a lot less of a margin for error and a lot less of wiggle room is to how to build the rest of their roster. For as much as people wanted to crap on KCP and Kuzma and Montrez, Montrez is a great regular season player. He he has a lot of really good nights. He he gets you know difficult when things slow down in the playoffs. Kuzma... Is a six nine wing that can guard multiple positions. Got better on defense. Got better as a rebounder. Got better as a passer. Did everything that you asked of him as a guy that was just a late first round pick and never supposed to be a big deal. And KCP, KCP was like the third best player on the Lakers when they won the title last year. He was excellent. So um, those are guys that you know they're not stars, but they're they're definitely rotation players even on a very good team so you lose 3 of them now and the the you know devils ad, the the devils advocate the guy the scary the scary thought that i have is you know you've got Russell Westbrook who how many of these last few years has he made it through without serious injuries um lebron's now a year older anthony davis i i always say i don't think he's as injury prone as other people think but it still wouldn't be a surprise to see Anthony Davis get hurt, and you're in the, you're in a spot now where if one of those three guys isn't in there, we just saw what it what it happens with the Nets. You don't have enough on the rest of your roster to really put out a a contending team because you can do it right now with Anthony Davis and LeBron and and you know four or five other nice role players, but you're not going to be getting the pick of the litter anymore. You're getting who is willing to take less money to come over and win? What kind of scraps? And then, um, you know, hopefully uh, some some sort of a buyout, you know, in the, in the in the season. You have to have that. I mean, that was the main thing. As much as everyone 
rats on the Bucks for, you know, winning it and like getting lucky because everyone had injuries. They were a deep unit. I mean, Portis came in, um, Connington off the bench. Forbes, Forbes they, they had options. Forbes outscored Jimmy Butler in the first round of the series. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. First round. And like, those are the type of guys, like, you don't need Forbes like every single game. Lopez, like, you know? Yeah, you just need guys like that. And like, they really don't, they just, that's what they need. And like, by taking a guy like Westbrook, the big question is can his ego take the blow? of being the man to being number three in the pecking order. Is he going to mentally be able to do that? And then, like you said, you're losing three pieces. Like you got to replace those. And I mean, as much as, like you said, like, um, KCP could check Kuzma did a lot of the dirty things, you know, like Montrez Harold, like in the regular season, he was able to eat up minutes from those other guys. The guy grand in the playoffs, he's, because of his style, he's not that good, but in the regular season, mm-hmm. he can eat up minutes and all those minutes, add up so i mean that's that's less like banging three, on ad right less yeah, less bump three, bruise three minutes that that's three guys that you have to somehow somehow replace and you look at this free agent market the thing is is a lot of the better ones are all restricted so that means if hypothetically someone offers a player a um a contract whatever their team is they have an opportunity to match it and that the lakers aren't going to be able to outpay anybody not at all. So, I mean, that's going to be like, that's going to be the big thing. So it's, it's, it's who in what's it's right now. It's going to be LeBron, AD, Russell Westbrook, Marcus all. You've got THT. think they have McKinney think they, and they will have to just hope to hope and pray. And this is what's going to happen too. like, if I was somebody else, that's not that good of a team or somebody that just doesn't like the Lakers. I would really go out and, and over offer Alex Caruso because Caruso is going to be, is restricted. And I'm sure the I'm sure Caruso would love to come back for to the Lakers, especially looking at the way this roster is right now. Like right now, Caruso would be your starting shooting guard. You know, yeah, like, yeah. You know, he, because it, Caruso would be great. Cause he'll play some defense and do, but the problem is you need more. You, he's a, he's a great off the bench guy that, that can, Kind of maybe close some games for you when you need or help you out. Like you don't Caruso's a guy that you don't want to have to count on for 35 minutes. You like it when you can have him, you know, at 20, 25, and then if you need him to to finish. So you, you know, you're gonna pay Caruso. You're gonna have THT. They're both guys that I like quite a bit. I think they'll help. But now again, we're looking at Caruso, THT, Russell Westbrook, um, LeBron, and Anthony Davis. There's five guys. And then Marc Gasol is six. Gasol would be the only one that you would say is like an above average three-point shooter. And that's because he's a big man. Like, he's not even going to be like shooting seven threes a game at a high clip. He's going to shoot two a game or one and a half a game. Yeah, I mean, definitely in this day and age, you have to have spacing and, you know, three three-point shooting. And when Marcus Gasol is one of your better options, that's just not going to cut it. What they need to do is they need to find a player that is coming off of um, a bad year, like the Bucks yep. along with Portis. Yep. I mean, that Bobby Portis contract is $2.5 million. I mean, that is a insanely low with the player option. So obviously Portis had a great, great run in the playoffs. He's going to opt out. He did his thing and made money. And like you and I have talked about when we talk about fantasy stuff, nothing motivates people more than money. So they need to find, and I don't know one off the top of my head, a player like that in terms of your Caruso point, 
everyone in the NBA has a role. Caruso's role isn't a starting off guard. His role is to come in, be an energy guy, hit some threes off the um, off the bench. And, and he can he finish. Yeah, if he does get hot one night, yep. because he can hit a three and play. He, he's then playing he great D. Yeah. yeah. But, but he's just not a dependable starter. Like, I, you can't, in my eyes, you can't win a ship if Caruso is your starting off guard. I don't think he, yeah, and I don't think that's, that's, you're right. Like, it's just not his role because you need, you need more scoring from that position. You know, you just need a little bit more. He, you need someone that can hit the three because he's going to be whoever is, is in that spot has to be like a pretty consistent 35 to 40% three point shooter. And, and honestly, that has to be one of their major strengths. They have to be consistent that you feel like they're going to knock it down because whoever is in that position, them, and if it's Gasol or the other big man, if it's if you choose to, what is nice when you have Anthony Davis and LeBron who can play, you know, LeBron can play three or four and AD can play four or five. It gives you some some flexibility there, you know, for as much as both of them aren't great three-point shooters, they both can shoot and stretch the court, but you don't want to have, if you have another big traditional big in there, now you're clogging the lane for what Russell Westbrook and LeBron do best drive. Yeah. Yeah. You got, like I said, like in this day of NBA, it's all about floor space and a guy that can make a three. And if you have these guys that you can just sag off of, I mean, you're in trouble. I mean, even someone like um, the guy from the Warriors, Green, I mean, at least he has somewhat of a jump shot where you can't Mm -hmm. stay off of him anymore. Yeah. And, I mean, that's going to be the thing with Westbrook. Is Westbrook consistently going to be able to step in and make that jump shot? And, I mean, there's, like I said, you're not, A, you're not going to make this trade unless you talk to LeBron, and LeBron and Westbrook are on the same page and they understand Mm -hmm. what's going on. And Plank is not going to make the trade unless he has a blueprint of, hey, this is what we're doing. This is Very what much. we're going to do. Because you Very can't, much. you know what I mean? You can't just, like, pull something like this. Mm-hmm. But on the flip side, I mean, all we've heard about is Bradley Beal. I mean, and I know, like, from people I've talked to, like, how much Beal loves the D.C. area. He loves the D.C. fans and everything. He's really grown to the fans in the community. I mean, this kind of has to be like, he's got to be out of there, no? Yeah. Like, I feel like how he stays there, when you just lost Westbrook, the uncertainty of the coach, don't get me wrong, West Unsell, great assistant coach, but can he lead a group of 12 men? That's the million-dollar question. Um, Maybe he goes we're, yeah. we're, for Beal, like uh, yeah, Philly. Something with Simmons, or, you know, maybe uh, Boston. So unrealistic. Did you hear, like, they wanted. Oh the, my gosh, what they asked like for Golden Wiseman, State? Wiggins, the two first rounders, and then two, two more futures. That is insane. That's just like so unrealistic. Like I said before, like if I was Portland, I would offer. Um, oh my God, I'm spacing on McCollum. Yeah, McCollum and, and um, Covington. No, I wouldn't even order for McCollum. I'd offer Covington and Powell. I mean, like, or. um from Minnesota, D, uh, D'Angelo, D'Angelo, yeah, D'Angelo Russell, and um, Beasley, like players like that. But to assume, like, like what kind of crack are you smoking to think like anyone would accept that trade? Un- unbelievable. One thing is, is like you have to, on the flip side of that though. Um, NBA is all about generating money, 
and you need someone that the fans will want to see. At least if they do make that trade for Simmons, that's somebody that the fans will come into the building to see as opposed to like three, as opposed to like a Wiggins and uh Wiseman hypothetically. You know what I mean? Like yep. at least Simmons is somewhat that can bring fans in and will keep a little bit of excitement going in DC. I, that would be the only reason you make that trade. But I just, I don't know off the top of my head what a realistic thing was for Beal. Cause I think Beal is like one of the better players in the league. He's vastly underrated. I don't think Miami has that much because they lose Duncan Robinson. That's a huge asset. You know, I don't really know off the top of my head, like a trade package that would, uh, would work and be sufficient enough to um, cover what Washington is looking for. Crazy uh, news in the NBA on the NBA draft day. We'll see if what about if, what about the Pistons? I mean, they, they moved Mason Plumley, got some extra picks from the Hornets. Man, they're making there. You go, big deal. But hey, let's uh, let's transition on over because it was a big day for your Pistons, who uh, grabbed a player who was very excited to come to Detroit. There was actually some uh, some rumblings over the last couple of days that they they kind of were pretty high on Mobley. Even and and we're we're possibly even thinking about trading down, but they uh, they stay as put and uh, they select Cunningham at one, and then as we were talking about, Jalen Green ended up going to the Rockets at two. Mobley, as you had said, probably one of the uh, the bigs that could play most with Allen if need be next to him. Um, he goes at three. So uh, you know now that now that he's a, a piston, what do you think about Cade? And uh, not a whole lot surprising in those first three picks. I'm not going to lie. I am ecstatic. I mean, the one thing about Detroit, and I love Detroit. Maybe I'm biased because I'm, I'm from Michigan. It's such an underrated city. It gets such a bad rap. Um, and Cade really seems like he wants to be there with the type of personality he is and, the part, you know, and everything he said. So, I mean, I couldn't be happier and he, with the way he plays. I think he's going to be able to get that fringe guy like a John, hypothetically, I'm just using this type of player, but a John Collins type guy to come to Detroit. That guy that can, like, when you have that good young nucleus, push you up and over the edge. So uh, we got Cunningham at one, Jalen Green at two, Evan Mobley at three, and then things pretty quickly got it um, uh, got interesting. At, at pick number four, things went off the rails a bit. Uh, the Raptors picked Scotty Barnes, who. You know, a lot of people had projected a, a, at least one pick lower, maybe a couple lower. And a lot of folks had Jalen Suggs as someone probably going to Toronto. And now you wonder, does this mean Toronto thinks they're going to get Lowry back because they didn't end up getting the guard? Do they even care? Because, you know, they have Van Fleet anyways, if need be. They, they've got sort of someone that can be their lead guard. And maybe they just liked Scotty Barnes quite a bit. I he he's not one of the players I was as high on. I just, I feel like you got to have a little bit. I, I want to see a little bit more offensively from some of these players coming in as such high picks. And um, this, this surprised me a little. I was like, what the hell? You know what I mean? That one yeah. legitimately shocked me because like I said, NBA is all about shooting in space. Barnes isn't that good of a shooter. I'm not saying he can develop into one, but when you look at someone like Suggs and everything he did in his first year at Gonzaga and someone, I think he's going to have the best rookie year. I mean, that is a, you know, that is, it was a mind boggling pick for me that the Raptors would pass him up and moving forward, the Raptors could have Suggs uh, and Siakam and Van, 
Van V Van Fleet to build around. I mean, that would have been huge. It just, I don't know. It just is a, um, it was just a weird pick for me um, in terms of the magic. Magic now have like half, I mean, how many they got? Six point guards now? I mean, it's just they right. have Archie Hampton, um, Markel Fultz, Cole Anthony. Um, I'm, I'm sure I'm spacing a couple more, but they have like all these guards. So they're going to be shipping them. And I mean, hell, like maybe your Lakers can get Mark Fultz on a discount. Or Something like Archie that. And- on a discount. Someone like that, like a young player on a discount. That could be a viable option for me because the Magic have like, 50 of them. It was just a weird, weird thing. I wonder if something came up with him, but I don't, right? I don't know because he's like such he, everything you read, he's like a good kid. I mean, like, I know it, it, it makes sense to me. I've and and he's even already said, like, any of the teams that miss on me, they're gonna really regret it. You know, he's already given that, like, he's got a chip on his shoulder thing before he even dropped. And so, like, I think if you're Orlando, you're probably very surprised in a good way. At, at how you're you're walking away after that number eight pick because they, they everybody had them projected to get maybe you know at least one of these more defensive oriented kind of project players they might have got two of the the most ready to contribute offensive players right now in this draft now who knows how that's going to be for their future going forward but they they just could use some guys to put the ball in the basket on that team and i think they did a pretty good job walking away with with Suggs and 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 Wagner you know like you said they maybe they had a couple other pe- uh, players at that position but they look at Suggs and go this guy could be a winner he could be a guy that could be a leader for your team you know and maybe he's not the best player on a championship team but he might be able to be like your second or third best and a Kyle Lowry kind of guy you know yeah, Teams in Florida, no, no, no tax, you yep. know, no, no income tax. I mean, you just get someone there that people want to play with and just hit on a couple of these young picks. You're going to get those free agents that are on their second contract that will go to Orlando because they will be able to make more money. But you at least have to have something there. Like right now, like with how their roster is, no one is going to want to go there because you can't win. But if Suggs goes there and does what I think he's capable of, then you're at least going to have some sort of free agent drawing power because of the tax situation you're going to be able to get people because they're going to be able to make more money i mean that's a home run pick for um for the magic for not for the magic i don't know like i'm not again i'm a michigan state guy i just i think wagner's game is really going to struggle to translate to the nba i don't think he's going to be a rotational guy and if he is i think he's going to be like a nine I don't really think he's going to be a core rotational piece. I'm really not that high in the Wagner pick, but Suggs, they hit a home run with. Yeah, and, and I don't like I, said, I don't know how good Wagner is going to be. Um, I just think where they were in that spot, um, kind of looking around, I, I if they would have gotten Mitchell, um, I, I would have liked Mitchell if they didn't just get Suggs, you know? And so at, at least with, with Wagner, you've got... Um, you know, now I think if you put maybe he he reminds me of like a ceiling for him is maybe like a Bogdanovich, you know, and I don't think he's going to be that good. But like I could see him being like um, either one of those guys or someone who can not not be your your lead handler, but can handle the ball a little bit off, can hit shots. What's nice about him is if you take the ball out of the out of his hand, too, he can hit a three. So um, I'm I'm not. I don't think he's going to be an all-star, but I think I might be higher on him than you as just 
Maybe at least he can shoot, which Orlando just could use. They've they've had so many guys that are just not scorers or not really perimeter shooters. And like oh, like we said, always kind of that forward-ish who's like six nine Aaron Gordon template. That's kind of who we were thinking they were gonna maybe go with again here. So um I, I was just surprised in kind of a good way. Like, whoa, these didn't seem like anyone I was expecting to go to Orlando. And uh maybe and they can get a yeah, go ahead. I, I think it's a great pick. I think he's a winner. And you want to have that guy that's a winner. Like he to me, like I said, he reminds me of Chauncey Billups. Yeah. A leader, a winner. And if Wagner can come in and knock down some threes, that's great because he's not going to be relied on to be the number one. But if he can be in for four on the court, that's an open, make two, two to three, two to three threes a game. That's perfect for him. And just not be, you know, he's, he's okay enough on defense too. He's got some nice size. Like what I like about um, his brother too, uh, Mo is um, they've got like a, um, a, a good, a good attitude and like a good spirit. You know, like he, they, they're into the game. They care. They want to win. They'll, they'll battle with you. Um, they're not just pushovers or like soft, soft players on the court. But um, yeah, cool, cool. I thought uh, a draft early on from um, from Orlando, uh, ending up with Suggs and with uh, with Wagner. Then we got Giddy going to OKC. So they take a shot here um, on the uh, the. Uh, um, on Josh Giddy, um, shooting guard, and then the the one that I'm still scratching my head on is Kuminga because Kuminga going to Golden State as someone who's probably not quite as much of a contribute now type player. I thought Wagner or Mitchell, Boat Knight, like any of them, felt like they made a lot more sense for Golden State. If you're looking for a guy who could be your seventh guy in the rotation and help you right now. But I mean, like, Golden State's also, like, at that weird stage where it's, like, we need to start planning for something in the future. That's true. And maybe they guard, maybe they graded him out as someone that could be, like, an all-star. And Golden State, under Kerr, has an insane developmental system. So maybe they were shocked that he fell that, that low and were like, hey, you know, let's take him. But it does make you wonder, like, because I don't think he's going to be able to be, like, I don't think he's going to contribute as much as Mitchell to your point, but long-term, I think he's going to be a better player in the NBA than Mitchell. So that might be, yeah. Him grade him, graded him a little bit higher and he was there and they, they took a swing at him. He might have a higher upside too. He's more of those like higher ceiling guys. Um, but they, yeah, they're a type of team that you sort of trust in, in, in what they do. So Kaminga going to golden state, we talked about Wagner to, um, Orlando and then Mitchell to Sacramento, I thought was also interesting because You've already got Fox, and then you drafted Halliburton last year, and now you pick Mitchell. You still got Heal there, so I mean, you're gonna get rid of somebody, and then even if even when you do, you're still gonna have a couple players that you used a lot of high draft capital on that you want to see a lot out of. Um, are they gonna go like super small with with three of those guys on the court at the same time? I think that the Kings were just so effing bad on defense. They just took the best defensive player. Like, I, as much as I think about it, I mean, I have no idea what they're thinking having Mitchell, Fox, and Halberg, like you said. But, I mean, that's the only way this pick makes sense to me. Or they have one of those under-the-table deals that this pick's going to be moved to that no one has said. So, I don't, I don't know. Pick was a little bit confusing. 
Yeah, I, I didn't, I didn't, yeah, I didn't make sense. It didn't make a whole lot of sense to me. And then, uh, and then we get to Zaire Williams at ten. Um, Boat Knight, who dropped a little bit, he's but down to the a- Williams pick. I like that's the one where I was kind of like, what the hell? I mean, because they, you could have got him like back at um, like back later in the draft. You know what I mean? Like because that's the pick that was being traded to the um. To the Pelic, not the Pelicans. Memphis. Memphis. Memphis could have got him at seventeen. There was no one, no one taking him before then. And if that was a part of the reason that you made this deal to move up, it's very weird that that was the the pick that you had at that draft at that spot because you could have just sat there sat there and made the same pick. Makes zero sense at all. And I've said it before. My buddy worked at a camp um, where Cam Reddish. Came in, always hurt during um, during drills. Game time can play. He sent me a text message right after the Williams pick. He goes, awful pick. Kid doesn't have the best work ethic. And, I mean, this guy does basketball camps all over the place. So, I mean, if the kid's not going to come in and do the work, you're kind of like, you know, what what the hell is going on? Like, I don't – because NBA, there's just so much – there's not too much difference between – like the level of players and if you're not just willing to do the work you're just never going to take that next step and i just from everything my friend said you know he doesn't think williams is going to make it and to trade valentunas and you get zaire williams like what the hell are you doing you yeah. know sense to me no. wasn't a big fan of uh of that pick either at number 10 um it was number 11 um, that was where are we up to eleven? Uh, boat. Oh, that's where boat night went. Yeah. yeah, and so he's at, he went to what the Hornets? There they got another guy. I think the Hornets just a the Hornets need size, and I mean I understand like you get Bull right and like you bring him in, but I mean I know Graham's a free agent. I'm not sure if he's a restricted one or or what contract he's on off the top of my head. But you already have Terry Rozier. You already have Gordon Hayward. I mean, you already have the wing players. You need some meat and potatoes. You know what I mean? You need a big. So I get it. You know, he fell there and you took him because he was probably the best one on your board. But in terms of quote unquote need, that really, I don't know. I really don't like that. I really don't think that makes the roster better overall with what you need to win a playoff game. And then something real quick, like I was listening to, um, who's the guy, Jay Billis. And how getting people like that, um, people are going to want to come play with um, LaMelo and everything. Something to remember with LaMelo, he hasn't won anything. The only time he won anything was when he was a freshman and Lonzo At Chino Hills, yeah. I mean, this kid, like, like ultra-talented with the ball. All these insane passes. But you saw in the playoff game, single game elimination, he shit the fucking bed. I mean, this kid, and I may be wrong, but he hasn't shown me anything where he's a winner and hasn't done any winning at all. So, I mean, I would kind of pump my brakes on him elevating the Hornets to that next level. He went, uh, yeah, the Hornets went with, uh, with, with boat nine at 11 and then, uh, the Spurs get primo from Alabama. What the hell? Like, you know what I mean? Like they have all these wing players, you know what I mean? Like that kid from Turkey who won the Turkish league MVP is just sitting on the board. Sangoon. How do you not take that guy? You know, what he I mean? seemed like such a spur. He seemed yeah. like the exact. They they're so into the international players too, and they've had very good success with them. He he felt like such a spur kind of player. 
But he ends up dropping all the way down to 16 Which, I mean, it absolutely makes sense if you're OKC Because you just keep taking anyone that you think Has the opportunity to be a star If you're them You just keep stacking picks, stacking picks, stacking picks And, um, you know, the thing with OKC is somebody And they, they add a couple more here They picked at 16 and 18 with Singoon and then Trey Mann um, The thing with them is you is you wonder because you know, they, they've got a couple players on their team right now um, With Shea Gilles-Sandesander and, um, and Dort Who, like, Shea is like an all-star caliber player And they're not going to try to win again this year Because they're set up the next couple years with a lot of picks And, and it's going to be weird come the, you know, after the all-star break When they want to shut him down again Because if you're someone like him, you're going to want to play soon you're not going to want to have the couple years in a row now where you're just being shut down repeatedly. And and he might have been a guy that you wanted to build around, but you might be still so far away that he might not be with you when you go. Like someone like Lou Dort is a really good defender. He might be able to go to another team and help them play defense and and be like at least a like a wing rotational player. I just I start to wonder with teams like this, it's kind of like the Sixers with the process. You know, the process goes on for so long that some of those players you you have with you, you early on, you have to start shipping out because they they don't really fit the timeline anymore. The fact that they were offering him and the six pick to the Pistons kind of tells you they know he's not going to be there in the long term, mm-hmm. and yeah. that's kind of like. A telling card and I said it the last time We talked like you're gonna have to keep This kid happy and obviously The fact that they offered It a trade kind of tips The hat to where that uh, relationship is I thought the uh, the Picks 13 14 and 15 All could be really good uh, players Right now too uh, in the League um, you've got uh, Chris Dorte from Oregon Moody and Kispert and maybe That's why um, you know when you look around and and you see that uh, Golden State ended up getting Moody too, that's the, that's not a bad spot. That's like that's someone going to be able to come in and help. Right yes, now. right, like that. So with their two picks, they ended up probably getting what they needed. We just might have thought they would have gotten them in different spots, but getting someone like Moody who could come in and maybe be your second guy off the bench and be about and and, and help score a, a little bit when you need when you know uh, some of your you know. When Clay comes out for a little bit, or when Steph needs a, a you know a, a break, you can go to him for a bit, or you can get just get a little offense from him. He probably you know he's more of a I don't want to say for sure, but he feels like a safer to be able to play right now. Whereas you can then I don't want to say waste, but you can take a little bit more of a shot on the pick with Kuminga because you got what you needed with rotation player plus project that could be very good for the future. I mean, there's certain guys that you just have to take swings at. And the more and more I think about it, Kaminga's just kind of that dude you just got to take a swing at. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? How with everything he's showing you and the potential he showed you, you just got to kind of take a swing at him. I mean, will Moody, does Moody's ceiling, is it is high? No. But his floor is a lot higher than Kaminga's floor, if that makes sense to everybody. Yes, so, yes. You know, Moody's going to be that guy who's going to be able to come in, contribute right away, and have a long career regardless of what happens. Minga, you don't know if he's going to be an all-star, all-NBA player in like six years, or he's just going to be, I hate to say it, Stanley Johnson on his fourth team in, what, six years? So, you know, it, it can go one of two ways with him. 
and that so it's just kind of interesting. I love love what uh, the the Wizards did because they couldn't space the floor at all, and getting that kid from Gonzaga, and oh my God, his girlfriend is a smoke show. Good for him. <laughs> She oh is. She like, is. And uh, you know, but it, you add him in on the too, which is great it, on the night. So on the night they add him, um, KCP and Kuzma. No, the, it, whether or not you like you, you though you put him, those two, and Harold, like those are four guys who should be rotation players for you. And you, I mean, you look at their roster like right now, assuming Beal stays. So you got um, uh, Harold. Um, Kuzma, um, CP3, Beal, Hamortinori, uh, Joe Bryant coming back, and the kid from Gonzaga. That's not that bad. You know what I mean? They definitely yeah. have to get a starting point guard. But, you know, that team can compete for one of the, the playing game in the East. Crazy and if they as trade Beal, they're <sighs> going to be getting back young talent, too. And so if they do that, if they end up trading Beal... They get somebody either a like young package back with a couple other pieces. Like they have the they have the pieces, right? They have good pieces around right now. They've got like players that you could have as like your maybe your fourth through eighth or ninth guys on the team. They just need they and, and they've got like someone who could probably be a a one a to a two. They just need like one or two more. Or like one more high caliber player, or you get rid of Beal and then you take shots at a couple other young ones to piece around. But they're a little bit fun. They're a little bit interesting. A lot of my Lakers the last couple of years because Mo Wagner went there for a little while before he left, and um, uh, Bongo was another one who was over there too. And so they've ended up there uh, between Washington and the Pelicans. I'll, I'll be, uh, you know, um, we've talked about them a, a little tonight too. As someone, I'll be very sad to see both. Kuzma and KCP go. Um, they were were guys who were like super maligned for Laker fans, um, ups and downs, but they were really big pieces of a of a winning team, you know. And um, the, Kuzma is gonna go and like he'll he'll have like a Jordan Clarkson kind of a year, you know. He'll go and score eighteen points, play really well, have a good offensive year, shoot way better from the three, and people will say, "Oh, look, Kuzma got away from the Lakers." But um, you know, those two guys. I hope they do well. I'm gonna, you know, you, Kispert's fun. I'll I'll watch uh probably some uh more Washington Wizards games this year on League Pass than I did before being my, being a Laker fan. And I'm kind of crazy, like like that team could have a good League Pass because you never know where that stuff is gonna like like come out with the league with the League Pass stuff. You know, yeah. I thought the Hornets would be like a fun team to watch. Yeah, exactly. Like, I don't know. Like, it's always kind of fun and crazy, like, how everything in the NBA, like, always pans out. And it's always, like, entertaining with everything. We uh, got to Sengun, who was picked 16 by uh, OKC, Trey Murphy. But Sengun's going to the Rockets, though. Yeah, yeah, thank you. Sengun is uh, being traded. And then they tra- that trade was for... Um, which did I, they- I think they just they, they got two more future picks from them. Like, okay, they- okay. Yeah. Picks, yeah. Traded into number 16 to uh to select Singun. Thunder acquired this pick from Boston in exchange for absorbing the more than 30 million in uh in guaranteed salary between Horford and Kemba. There we go. So that that's what it was. It was basically just the uh, the absorbing there. Uh Thunder traded this pick to Houston for two future first round picks from Wizards and the Pistons according to Tim McMahon. So uh, they added Jalen Green to the backcourt and uh they'll uh get uh, a place for uh, a big here. So back 
back to the Wizards. I hate to interrupt, but yeah, go ahead. You know, Wizards selected Isaiah Jackson, who was traded for the 33rd, 31st pick, and Aaron Holiday. So, I mean, right there, boom, they have the young point guard now. So, I mean, they're so the Wizards added that point guard we we're just talking about. There we go. They're they're putting some uh, pieces around now. They they could be fun to watch. There, yeah. Um, there we go. Is uh, that was a uh, twenty-two? That was the pick that was a uh, uh, traded from the Lakers. Um, Murphy was at seventeen to the Grizz. Man was to OKC at eighteen. Kai Jones to the Knicks at nineteen, and then Jalen Johnson was the one who was sort of a kind of a polarizing player. He was the guy for from Duke last year who ended up um, opting out uh, because of COVID. And and didn't finish the season. A lot of people said they thought it, they quit on he quit on the team. He was very highly regarded coming into college, and so uh, Atlanta, the Hawks, take a shot at him on twenty. Anything uh, from seventeen through twenty jump out at you? The thing, the thing with Johnson is, I mean, now the Hawks have Johnson, Herder, Reddish, and oh my God, Hunter, mm-hmm. all play the same position. You know what I mean? And like it just goes back to what we talked about before. Like you got to trade one of these guys because you're just not going to be able to develop them. Yeah. And and afford them. You know what I mean? Doesn't make sense. Hunter, Herder and Reddish are all coming off the books at the same time. So, I mean, you just can't operate like that. And then you add someone else in there. I really I don't know. Like I get it. He's like, he's a high upside guy. One of the better prospects in. But I don't want someone that quit on the team in the locker room. That's just me as a coach. Um, Trey man. I love the kid at Florida. I think he's a good backup in the league. I don't think he's a good starter. Um, the Knicks pick in Kai Jones that actually was traded to the Hornets. So the Hornets did get some size. I like that kid a lot. I think that's a better pick for their team and their development. Um, than the boat, right? Pick um, the boat, right? Pick earlier. Uh, Trey Murphy. I mean, if he can create some Ford force plays for John Morant, not for in um, for John Morant, for um, the Pelicans, that's great. But I mean, the Pelicans, you and I were messaging back and forth earlier. That move they made to free up that much cap, there's got to be somebody they're going after. But the question is, has to be another one on the on the has to be same thing with what we're saying with Palinka. Like it's like you don't make that move unless you got another thing coming. But yeah. sort of strange. Um, and then you just get some some shots. Um, uh, Houston had a couple picks here back to back. Uh, what? But I, I don't know. If, uh, they they selected Garba, uh, Garuba. Um, this was, uh, you know, you take a swing here. Uh, Josh Christopher went after that, but that one was in a uh, that was from Milwaukee. Um, then Quentin Grimes goes to the Clippers. Um, you got Highland who goes to the Nuggets, Cam Thomas from LSU to the Nets. He's kind of interesting to the Nets. He might be yeah. someone who could play right away for them and help them yeah. out because they are a team that very much like the Lakers, they could use any type of players that can, can go right now. Yeah. You have, if you can come into the league and get a bucket, you're going to play. And this guy can get a bucket multiple ways. He's a high volume score, energy piece. That's a great pickup. I also like I like the Clippers pick at 20, 21 via the Nets. Um, Johnson, the, the off guard from Tennessee, wing player, always moving, cutting. 
we need to remember Kawhi's probably not going to play next year because of that ACL injury. Um, you need a cutter, someone slashing that George can dish it to when he's cut into the rim. I think that's a great pickup. Um, I really think that's that's one of the ones you're going to look back and you're like, oh, that that panned out later down the road. Um, yeah, but the Nets pick was was great. I really think that's going to help them, you know, get some points, get some scoring and everything. And then they also got my boy Jason Preston from Ohio. I love that kid. So great story. I like how he made it to the NBA in, uh, in 33. Um, Pelicans took Herbert Jones another 3 and D guy from Alabama at um, 35. I like that pick too. I think that that's the type of guy that's just going to come in, be a pit bull, compete on the defensive end, and can make a three. And I think you were pretty spot on with what you said uh, earlier on when we were talking about the uh, the Lakers with the Westbrook trade because I, I sent you a, a picture of the, the Instagram post that LeBron put up, and he had already – Put up a a post of uh, a picture of Westbrook in a Laker jersey with him and AD right behind pointing at him. So he's he's always like, this is the the one thing I can can guarantee you with the Lakers. You may not like the moves they make, and I I've said I don't necessarily like this move, and I think that this might I, it, it's hard for me to completely judge it yet because we haven't seen the rest of the roster. So uh, that that's what I'll wait for is seeing what the rest of the roster looks like. But LeBron is this is never going to be a Green Bay Packers situation. LeBron is always going to know what's going on, what moves are being made. He's always going to be talked to. They're always going to treat him like he has a huge, huge say in everything that goes on, as he should with a lot of these decisions. And sometimes he's going to sign off on things or, or want things that don't work out. But you know what? I'd rather have my star. Involved than what the hell I I heard Aaron Rodgers saying yesterday, where he just seemed like he seemed like just sad more than anything, like offended that they didn't want to involve him. So hey, you know what? You were right. Like this was obviously something LeBron put his stamp on right off the bat. He's pumped, and so now it's it's going to come down to Rob figuring the rest of this thing out. Yeah, and I mean I for how smart Rob is, and that pains me to say that. Like I said. There's got to be a plan A, a plan B, a plan C, a plan D. He's got to have everything in line because it's like you're just not going to do something like that unless unless you have a plan. And back to um, back to the Rogers thing. Like when you have a guy that's a transcending talent like LeBron, you have to keep him involved, even if he's like he LeBron's not the pain in the ass Rogers is, but Rogers is a pain in the ass. You got to keep keep him involved, like. But this is a dude who like like got rid of his family, you know. Like, I, like kind of shows like I'll be honest. Like, I really don't think like if anything, like his little holdout or everything, it made the like I think the Packers won it. You know what I mean? Just because now they're not going to have that huge ass cap hit at the end of next year. They're able to get out of it with zero money and. Part of the thing was you had to bring in Randall Cobb, so now they have a viable number two. You know what I mean? Like, you look at it and you're like, did you really even accomplish anything by doing this? You just made the Packers getting out of your contract a lot easier. So, I don't know. When you look back at it, it kind of as a head-scratcher. We will uh, get into some NFL uh, maybe next week, uh, within the next week or two here on That's What She Said. Before we let you go, anything else uh, NBA or NBA draft-related you want to hit on? Um, Get those bets in where the Pistons uh, – Pistons make the playoffs. Pistons winning it all, baby. <laughs> and, uh, 
back to the thing, like I'll like rookie of the year is always a fun prop bet to bet mm-hmm. on. Um, there's going to be a lot of people that rush to um, to Kate Cunningham to bet him and everything. I mean, Gino and I both love Jalen Suggs. He's I love Suggs. Like the fourth guy on the board. Yep. I mean, that's going to be the value the value pick for rookie of the year. I think he's going to get all the opportunity in the world, especially in Orlando, where there's like really no other no other dude there. Yeah. So I mean, he's definitely would be a value guy to throw throw some money on. Eric Etoff two one sports. Give him a follow on Twitter and on Instagram. Um, Eric, what do you uh, have coming up this week as far as uh, your podcast and some of the content that you're going to be pumping out? Um, I am going to be previewing, giving out uh, my top five wide receivers on my podcast in terms of fantasy, and do a little NASCAR's backs, so do a little betting NASCAR preview. And uh, guys, draft guide goes out August. First, I finally finished proofreading it. 44 pages long with so much info would blow your mind. So if you guys are interested in that, just shoot me a DM. And it is $8.99 on pre-sale right now. Make sure to do that. It will 100% help you in uh, your fantasy drafts. It'll help you in your weekly gambling and, and just everything. Just great information um, for you there from Eric. Thanks so much, buddy. Uh, we'll talk again real soon. All right. Sounds good, man. Have a good uh, rest of your weekend. That's Eric Etoff, 2-1 Sports. Make sure to give him a follow. Uh, Don't go anywhere, folks. We've got plenty more on a loaded episode of That's What She Said. Horse racing fans, many of us have been using the DRF, the daily racing form, for years. Studying the races, keeping up to date on news with all the articles. I remember looking for a copy at the local liquor store or picking one up at the local racetrack, wherever I was going. Now it's even easier and cheaper than ever to use DRF with DRF.com and the newly optimized DRF mobile. You can get all the tracks that you want to bet and handicap, past performances that are mobile optimized for on-the-go handicapping on your phone. So you go to DRF.com from your mobile device, no additional cost. Tap the calendar icon on the top left. It opens all of the options for past performances and for the tools that are available. One click to bet now and DRF bets. Get real-time odds and scratches on race day. You can tap on any horse and you get those same DRF past performances that you're familiar with with a larger font for your mobile display. One click to formulator for charts for replays if you get the formulator version. And even on the classic past performances, you get the home screen with horses, with odds, with buyers. You get a lifetime buyer speed figure graph. You can rotate your phone for the best view. And any horse that you click on, you'll see the running lines. You can easily move from horse to horse. The same data as those traditional classic DRF past performances. You get an interactive format, which is... Very similar to the DRF Classic version that you're used to on the desktop. Every card includes live data updated instantly with those scratches. And so you get the accessibility from desktop to phone. Cross-device functionality. You can take your notes and save them from one device to the next. And then access your account on any of your devices. On-the-go handicapping and wagering multiple formats to view you got the overview page with recent speed figures current days odds easy access to expert selections and analysis you got the buyer speed figure graph with lifetime buyer speed figures and chart notes for every horse 
and you got those traditional DRF pass performances that are just newly optimized for your mobile phones. They are constantly upgrading, improving, and making everything easier for you to get your handicapping done at DRF.com. Big thank you to Eric for helping us out. We uh, we just put out the bat signal, and Eric jumped up uh, to help for uh, a live reaction to uh, emergency segment, emergency podcast. Stephanie loves it when I say emergency podcast or when somebody has an emergency podcast. So had to have one of them today to respond to everything going on in the NBA. But you know when you hear that DRF commercial, that means we're going to transition on over and start talking a little horse racing. And uh, we want to let you know about the big schedule this weekend for Stable Duel. StableDuel.com where you can get all the information. Download that Stable Duel app on your phone, on your iPad. Totally free to download. And you will just pay the entry fee for the contest that you want to, that you want to get in. The contest that you want to play. This weekend on Sunday, there's actually a free ride. doesn't cost you anything. It's a great way to test the game out if you've never played it before. But on Friday, we actually have a live stream. If you follow me on Twitter, it's me, Gino B. Or if you follow Stable Duel, if you follow me on Facebook, I also post it on uh, YouTube. Any of our any of those links we do from uh, 5 o'clock Eastern Time to 6 o'clock Eastern Time for about an hour. We have a live stream that covers the entire Friday Del Mar card. Remember, Del Mar doesn't start till 7 Eastern on Friday, so they have that late Friday post. So I've, there's a couple guests that join me. We talk about all the races. We talk about horses that we are going to use in our stable dual lineups, and we give you information about how to build your lineup. It's a great thing to have on in the background uh, if you're going to be playing Stable Duel, if you're interested in Stable Duel, or if you're just playing the Del Mar races for Friday and you want some help. Because I'm only going to talk Saturday races on this show because we're going to have a lot of uh, content out there doing the Friday races uh, for Del Mar. So just follow me on social media, and if you want some help with the Friday racing, uh, we will get you all set up talking some Del Mar full card because there are a couple of different options for Del Mar for Stable Duel on Friday. There's a $50 game, there's a $250 triple up, and then there's a $10 contest. Ellis Park has a $25 contest. Woodbine has a $100 winner-take-all. Gulfstream has a $7 game and then a $25 game. And then Penn National has a $50 double up. On Saturday, the 31st, Del Mar has a $10 game, a $100 game worth $7,500 in prizes, and then a $500 double up. Pimlico has two different games, a $7 and $100 uh, entries. Gulfstream has a $75 winner-take-all. And then Ellis with a $25 and the $250 game. Emerald Downs with a $50 game. Can you believe Sunday we're already into August? August the 1st, Del Mar with a, a free ride and a $10 game, and a $50 game, and a $500 double up. Golfstream with a $25 contest. Ellis has a $10 and a $25 winner take all. Pimlico with a $10 10 times booster, and Emerald with a $50 game. Huge, huge games all weekend long. StableDuel.com. Get those entries in and play, race, win. Big money up for grabs. And big money, big racing on Saturday at Saratoga. John Stetton from Past the Wire joins me to discuss the three graded stakes races on the card. So uh, if you're following along with us, we're going to talk about Saturday, Saratoga, and we're going to be looking at races 8, 9, and 10. Race 8 is the grade 1 Vanderbilt. 
Race 9 is the Grade 2 Jim Dandy, and Race 10, the Grade 2 Bowling Green. John Stetton joins me for about a half an hour to discuss the three graded stakes races on the Saturday Saratoga card. So kick back and enjoy. Get those past performances out so you can follow along. With a big Saratoga Saturday coming up, we had to get the help of a good friend of the show and one of the better horse racing handicappers out there that you'll ever find. Uh, excellent gambler, excellent writer, and he has put together quite a website over at Past the Wire that has really become much more than just a website. Uh, channels on YouTube, social media platforms, um, there are articles, columns, interviews, um, gambling selections. Thoughts from all sorts of different major figures in horse racing. Um, you name it, they've got it over at Pass the Wire. And uh, the man who created all of that it used to really just be John doing some of his uh, writing, some tracking trips. And now it's just become a huge phenomenon, PassTheWire.com. And John Stetton joined me. John, buddy, how you doing? I'm doing well, and thank you for having me. But I don't know that if we, 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 I don't know that we could get to phenomenon. <laughs> Not quite yet. We'll get there. We'll get there. Um, <laughs> but we, we are doing well. The YouTube channel's really, really taken off. Uh, I've been doing something uh, new. I've been doing a, a show every morning, Saratoga Today, kind of like a 10, 15-minute show where I'll talk about a couple of angles, a couple of horses I got my eye on, or maybe a couple of horses I think are vulnerable. Uh, and it's been fun. We had a couple of bombs that run really well, uh, but we caught a little case of seconditis. So <laughs> we're hoping to turn that around soon. Like always, you know, it'll it'll linger for a little bit, and then boom, one hits, and it'll uh it'll all start to turn. And then with someone like John, it'll definitely even out uh, with the way that John plays. And uh, we've got a couple fun uh, stakes races to talk about this weekend coming up at Saratoga. Um, we'll you know a, a one or two look like they are. Probably pretty good betting races and then we'll get a chance To look at Essential Quality who has Been just a such a nice horse From the very beginning when he started so um, I think you know right now When the summer opens up you think Saratoga you think Del Mar and uh, Saratoga as far as like the Quality and the depth is concerned They they always seem to um, Be very consistent with that And I think Del Mar um, you know for as Many problems as Southern California has had Over the last couple years with field sizes and stuff So far with some of their limited Dates and the way they decided to kind of spread the calendar Out give a little more uh, time before Between meets seems like Racing has been really strong um, so Far the first couple uh, weeks of the the Summer meets I I agree 100% I think the racing has Been pretty good Uh, You you know I'd say the quality of the cards at Saratoga is a little below what I'm used to seeing up there and like to see up there. Uh, but they've, they've, they've extended the meet so long now that I guess that just has to happen. It weathered down so, a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, there, you're there this, this weekend, I think on Saturday, we've got a couple of uh, fun races to talk about. There were, I agree at the last, uh, there were a couple of kind of sleepy middle of the week cards, um, here and there that, that were, uh, definitely looked like they kind of, uh, loaded up on some claimers and a few, uh, a few here and there, but we will have some quality. If you want to follow along with me and John, we'll talk about, uh, Saratoga Saturday, July the 31st. We're going to take a look at races eight, nine, and 10, the three graded stakes races on the card and we kick it off John with that eighth race on Saturday with the grade one Alfred G Vanderbilt, the six for a long sprint on the dirt. This is a really, really 
contentious race It's a good betting race too And it's a, a sprint that's a full field You got the Breeders' Cup Sprint winner From 2020, Whitmore In this field You've got Mischievous Alex Who was in excellent form And then took a shot going a little bit longer And now is going to cut back You've got uh, a really sharp horse to the outside Like Special Reserve Forensic Fire feels like he's been around forever He just, he just every year it's like He's still running and he's still running pretty well um, and those are just, you know, the the major horses that are going to take support on the betting, uh, you know, as far as the, the betting is concerned. But there are others in here that are in good form, that are really fast, or that aren't too far behind those top ones. Um, how did you uh, see this uh, Vanderbilt stacking up? You know, Gino, we've been doing this together for years, and 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 kind of convening over races for years, and 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 a lot of times we see things very similar, and th- this is definitely one of those times. I thought this race was was super competitive and is going to come down to really two things. How the track is playing, which we're not going to know until till 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 into Saturday's card and who gets the right kind of trip. Uh, And, and, you know, I land on a horse with some, you know, you you know, reservations because we're so far out. What is it? You know, it's Thursday night. So uh, so much can happen between now and then. Um, as far as how the track is playing and whether there are any scratches and, 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 and things like that. But, uh, you, you know, it's it's just such a tough race. I'm afraid – well, fear is the wrong word. I respect mischievous Alex, mischievous, mischievous Alex cutting back. Uh, I don't land there, but I, I, I definitely respect him. I think I feel the same with you. I, I would prefer if he was drawn towards the outside a little more too. Um, I agree with that you, as well. You know, like cutting back, drawn down towards the inside in a big field that you feel there are going to be a couple others quicker than him. Um, he might get the shuffle, and, and then he could very, very easily just sit a nice trip behind and, and be really good. But I, I think I kind of feel similar with you. I, I respect him, but I, I'm not going to land on him on top. Right. Um, I agree 100. percent I'm a little against Forense Fire because one of the things I like to do is I like betting against horses. Uh, when they're going to take a lot of money, and I think he's going to take a lot of money, when they've thrown in three or four really good races in a row and are coming off a hard race, I'm, I'm the contrarian. I'm always looking and waiting for that, that clunker or dud or regression. And at a short price, I'm, I'll let Forenze Fire beat me if he's got another one like that in him. Because I think in order for him to win this race, which I think is a little shorter than his best distance, even though he's seven for 13 at three quarters of a mile. I think he likes seven better. I agree. Uh, I'm going to make him run. I think he's going to have to run his a race to beat me in here. And I'm, 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 I'm willing to gamble that he's not going to do it. And, you know, I land hesitantly um, on, on, on the horse on the outside coming in, just feeling great. Uh, Looks a little cheap. Uh, I know Pimlico and Prairie Meadows don't exactly equal wins in, in grade ones at Saratoga, but Mike Maker has been doing this with these claimers for years. He just takes them and they pop up and win. Uh, I know this horse will get a nice trip on the outside with, with Rosario. I know he's feeling as good as he can be feeling coming in off those two nice wins. And I land there. With, with with concern about a couple of other horses, but I land there and and believe it or not, you know the two that I was 
I was torn between our Whitmore, who I respect the heck out of and I think is a bull. If you remember a couple of years ago, yep. he won that race at Saratoga where he just bulled his way through the field and split horses and drew off. So, you know, he's capable of a very big performance up there, but he's getting a little old. So I'm like, OK, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to land there, even though he's been there and done that. The other horse I looked at long and hard and I just can't get there, but I'm, I'm, I'm a little leery of him, was three technique, Bill, Bill Parcells' horse uh, for Jeremy Engelhardt. I'm a little afraid of him. I think he's probably sitting on a good race and probably going to go forward, and he likes it up there at Saratoga. He puts blinkers on. But I'm going to still land on the outside horse because I, I just like him coming in from Maka with all that confidence. It's funny, folks. Uh, mm. So John and I, um, you know, I, I I text John and or we'll talk and I'll say, hey, you know, can you want to come on uh, later this week or we'll we'll kind of pre talk about what, what we're going to set up. But I, I n- never like a rundown or never more than just, hey, we're going to talk about these couple races or anything else that's on your mind and never, never knowing who John likes or who I like. We don't ever talk about the races before we come on. I prefer it that way, actually, because you get a better back and forth, you know, when it's kind of like the first time. And I've got this race nine, five, five, nine, two. <laughs> which, is right. really, so which is really, we're, we're, which we're is really, which is really funny. Page, which know? is really I mean, funny. Like, and uh, listen, you gotta, you gotta admit, over the years when we've landed on the same horse, a lot of them win. We've done very yes. well when that happens. Yes, yeah, it's, and it's for some of the like the I respect Frenzy Fire. I just, I, I'm with you. He's a little bit better at Belmont too. You know, he's run a couple of big ones in a row. He's been extended. You know, last time was kind of all out extended. I think he. I'm not sure what kind of a trip he's going to work out. Is he going to be able to get that perfect one? Um, I don't want to completely toss mischievous Alex. So if you're playing Exactus tries or whatever, I would use mischievous Alex in the mix there too because I do think he might just be the best at this at this trip. But three technique, I think. You know, this is a horse who they've always liked, and he always had this big reputation, and he's he's just not really been able to put it together. And that race to start 2021, going six and a half, it was one of those, wow, he was slow inside. He made this five, six wide move up to take the lead. He swooped the field. It was a very well-timed kind of ride, and then he's a little bit geared down there late. And I think that's who he is. He would hang a little bit. He would kind of loom up and get in, put himself in a really good spot, and then not have a lot of punch. And I think horses like this sometimes they're they're a little they have talent, but they might be a little quirky to where now they add the blinkers. They they have him in a spot where they're gonna just take him back, and then they're gonna try to press the button for the last quarter and go. And I think that. Could actually work out really well for him Where he gets in a spot where maybe he's not Just kind of looming up and sitting there and then he starts Thinking around thinking and like looking around And waiting a little bit Um, To me I'm going to use him all over and then Special reserve is just he's so good Right now I mean that race At at, at Prairie Meadows that was A really quick field in fact The the horse who's the runner up quick tempo Is going to be running at Del Mar this weekend The horse who was fourth in that race And was like fourth Early in the in the uh, the pace of the field is a horse named Empire of Gold, who was like second pressing fast. the pace in the Breeders' Cup last year. So if that oh, horse is fourth, horse. you know that that's a really really fast race. And Special Reserve is just quick and drawn so well to the outside. And like you said, this is like this is a perfect maker kind of game. He takes a horse that's got some ability, it's a, it claims them, and then just starts to step them up the ladder one at a time. I'm using five nine everywhere. I've got twos in a lot of my exotics and. Uh, 
Yeah, we saw this race very similar. I, I couldn't even count. Do you know if you if you ask me to count how many times over the past ten years Mike Maker has beaten me with horses like this, I couldn't even add them up. Yeah, and and he just it it so it gets to the point where you just start. You know, what do they say about being a fool once or twice? You know, right? Yeah. <laughs> After no, a while, I, you gotta... I, I, I pay attention. You know, yeah. I pay attention to him when it, when when he does it. And in particular, when they just when they get good, you know, he gets they get in good form, and then sometimes if they go off form, then not quite as much. But when they get good, he'll just keep stepping them up, and it doesn't, you know, he raises like another class level, and it doesn't seem to matter all that much. Uh, a very uh, some of the years, it felt like this. This race would draw like one of the bigger batter sprinters and it would end up being a shorter field. Um, this is a really good uh, renewal of the Vanderbilt. Agree. Let's get to the Jim Dandy. So we got the Travers prep here. Uh, we got the three year olds going a mile and an eighth, $600,000 the purse in this one. And the obvious heavy favorite here will be Essential Quality. Essential Quality, who is six for seven. Essential Quality, who won his career debut going six furlongs and then just won uh, the last time that we saw him going a mile and a half. He is uh, just, it's really hard to knock. Anything he's done, his only loss was in that the, the derby when he was fourth. He was beaten a length, and he just didn't have quite the oomph late in that race. But um, he just keeps doing it. Um, and and John, he's been just so impressive over the last yeah you know, almost two years now, or almost. almost I, I, I I I agree. I think he's a a, a a worthy horse. I think he's 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 very tough. He's probably as good as he's ever been. I think right now. And, uh, you know, no, no question. He's, he's, you know, the odds on favorite and the horse to beat. I just, and, and I don't, I don't think I could get too cute in here. Um, I, I really do respect what mask parade is doing. Uh, I think this is a good, and it's a good spot for him to kind of take an acid test and see, you know, where, where he stacks up. Cause you know, no, no better measuring stick than the, uh, the horse who's been atop uh, of the division for the, this age group for uh, a full year now. Um, so you know he, I thought his race was was good because he sat a little wide. They kind of they kind of rode him like they thought he was the best horse. Just kept him in the clear. He moved to the front. He did have to dig in, and he got a challenge from the outside um, after putting some of the uh, the early rivals away. Um, but but he's still I think figuring things out. He's on the improve. I don't I don't know if I could get really cute with anybody else in here. Um, to me. If for some reason essential quality were to be upset, I think it would be mass parade. Does anybody else in here, um, you know, catch your eye at all? I, I, actually, they do, and and nice. and and, and here, this, is here, this is a race I'll embarrass myself in because I'm not afraid to do that. Horses, love- horses at some point in, it humble everybody. Everyone. You know? So I I, I kind of go with my gut, and and there's two horses that I'm looking at in here that I think can be the upsetters. And both of them, they, they happen to be the two biggest prices in the race. Maybe I'm crazy, but I look at Dr. Jack who, who Pletcher kind of left behind in April at Gulfstream. So he couldn't have been on the, you know, top of the radar screen, but he wins a nice race going six and a half at Gulfstream. They run him back at Pimlico. He wins again. They try him in that, that, the other Pegasus race at Monmouth where he runs okay to Mandaloon. They don't use the whip over there at Monmouth. Um, you know, the track wasn't playing all that great that day. It was a, a little on the heavy side, I thought. Uh, and he was a lightly raced, inexperienced horse that wound up, you know, facing Mandaloon. I find it interesting that Todd runs him back here, knowing he's going to face essential quality. 
puts Jose up, and you know I'm looking at it where who can surprise and jump up and run a race that we haven't seen yet, and Pletcher does that at Saratoga. You know he 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 spots his horses well, as does Chad Brown. And if you look at the bottom horse, risk taking. The horse run a complete dud off the big win in the Withers in the Wood Memorial. Okay, uh, comes back, runs him in the Preakness. I had Chad on my show before the Preakness, and we talked a lot about this horse and and and, and why he was looking for a turnaround. And it turns out he doesn't run a step, gets beat twenty three lengths. Okay, freshens him up, regroups, and there's a lot of spots he could have went with this horse. Okay, this is not a horse that well. You know, I got to run into Curlin because I can't find a race room. Um, you, you know, he didn't back off and, and, and runs this horse in this race working, working well. So, yeah, is essential quality probably going to win it at three to five or maybe even one to two? Yes. Uh, but if somebody jumps up that does something we haven't seen yet, I think it could be the top or the bottom horse. And, and, and maybe I'm crazy. Uh, and, and, you know, I'll be the first to say so after the race, if, if they both run, you know, 10 lengths off of essential quality and don't hit the board, it won't surprise me. But by that same token, if one of them jumps up and runs a big race or even surprises and beats that horse, uh, that won't surprise me either. So I would be remiss if I didn't mention that on the show, because they're both going to be they're going to be the two longest prices Absolutely. on the board. And how many times do we wind up saying, look at this? How the heck did you ever get 18 to one on Chad Brown? Or how did you ever get the, the 17 to one on, on, on Todd Pletcher and the stake at Saratoga? That's how. Uh, so, it, you know, it can happen. It has happened. And if I'm going to take a shot to beat him, it's going to be with one of those two or maybe both of those two. And if the Absolutely. track is playing funny or the results are playing funny on Saturday, I'll probably lean that way. Absolutely, that's that's what it is all about here. It's so much better that you have that opinion than us just saying eh, and moving along. So, this you know what? If coming off of the Belmont and the bigger target down the line too is the Travers, and they you know come into this race and think yeah, on paper we're probably the best horse in here. Maybe you end up getting a little too far behind, or somebody gets that a little too brave out front, or the trip you end up getting caught a little behind horses. You you end up thinking you're just gonna kind of be able to to that, that's when you when horses get caught. You know? Right. Um this is what what I mean you're you're a big sports guy. You know a lot about sports and sports betting and just sports in general. This is what in football we would call a trap game, really. hundred percent. Hundred percent. You're looking ahead. You got a bigger opponent coming down the line, and you look around and go, "Oh yeah, this is probably a layup for us." So we're not going to worry about. Uh, we're not going to be too uh, too focused. But we'll see. Essential quality has been a star. John feels like there are a couple big shots to take a, a shot against him. And you know what? Like I agree with John's sentiment on this race. I didn't feel as as confident coming in, but this is a, a good spot to try to play against this horse, and because you're going to get very well rewarded with anyone if you do, especially uh, the two that John mentioned. So, the Jim Dandy this weekend um, will either see. One of the bigger stars in racing right now in essential quality get another victory and, and move forward heading to the Travers, or we'll see a, a likely big payout in this race and a big payout in some of the exotics. So yeah, kind of a win-win, right, John? <laughs> I, I, I think so. I think so. So stay and tuned. The, uh, the best win would be obviously uh, the big win at a uh, fifteen to twenty to one in John's pocket. So let's uh, let's get let's get that home. As uh, we move to the Bowling Green, we're going to go long on the turf course here. The Grade Two Bowling Green, mile and three eighths, 
on the turf course Channel Cat will take some support Cross Border will take some money Channel Maker is going to take some money Moon Over Miami has been getting real good um, uh, Rock Emperor Got back uh, on track with the victory He had a kind of a strong early Part of, uh, of 2020 um, Last year so a lot of different directions You can go Chad with another one with Breakpoint Who threw in a little bit of a clunker But um, has every right to step forward Off of that in this distance Turf race John who are you looking at Oh, this, 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 this might have been the race that I had the most trouble with of the three. Uh, I, I really found it uh, just a, 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 a tough race. Uh, I wind up with a weak vote for cross-border. Weak. Uh, and the reason is that that five for six at Saratoga kind of jumps out at me. And, you know, Mega City was a cheap horse that beat him, you know, a cheaper horse that beat him last time, got out to a big lead, just kind of took advantage of a, one of those paceless New York races. He couldn't get up. I think, and we say this all the time in these New York turf marathons, I think there should be more pace in this race with Channel Cat and Channel Maker, the two channel horses, um, at some point have to, have to entertain each other, I would think, although... I, I can't say how many times I've thought that, and then it just doesn't happen. But I, I think they should, and I think that should help Cross Border, uh, who who just loves it up at Saratoga. You know, horses tend to, you know, freak up there. You remember that horse a couple of years ago, Voodoo Lily, I think it was mm-hmm. uh, for, for mm-hmm. Linda Rice. Just just loved it up there, and and would beat horses that that he couldn't beat anywhere else. He'd beat them at Saratoga, and you know, Cross Border might be one of those kind of horses. Uh, I'm not sure. The other horse that I look at is the horse that you mentioned that just seems to be improving, getting better at the right time, even though he hasn't won yet this year. But Moon Over Miami, kind of like a newcomer to these, even a a, Mm -hmm. a little bit, you know, he's a little bit younger, uh, a a, a little bit more upside. Yeah, he just he hasn't been getting beat or in these races over and over. Right. We haven't seen him against the same field over and over. I think we talked about him before one time, you and I, um, because I, I like him in this spot too. He just feels like he's got the most upside, and he's, yeah, I'm, no, I, I'm I the agree. most excited. I think he's definitely got the most upside. I think Junior Alvarado, although he's only got three wins at the meet and is riding eight percent, he's a very strong finisher. You know, I think he'll he'll he, he rides this horse well. He fits good. I think this horse will be running late, and uh, I, I think he's a must use on my in my book. Yeah, and then you were mentioning Cross Border is just uh, an absolute horse for course that loves um, loves it at Saratoga. I'm I'm okay in in this spot. Um, tons of respect for Bill Mott, but I prefer Moon over Miami. Um, I think the Channel Maker here. Um, I I don't think I'm as high on Channel Cat quite either. Um, I I I you know I'll probably lean on uh, on Moon over Miami and maybe. You know, I, I, and 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 I'll throw in cross border in particular. I may get one or two others in some exotics underneath, but it feels like, like you said, with Moon with Moon over Miami too. I think we can look at his race and just say, oh, you know, they've always liked this guy, and they just kind of took a little while to figure out that going long on the turf is is where he's best. And if they're not going, if you look at the last couple races, they went pretty quick. To the half miles for like distance turf races and, and that's why he was that far back If they're going like 49, 50 or, and, and not that fast in here He doesn't have to be dead last 
He can sit much closer when they're going a little bit slower And there might be, you know, three horses in here that are faster than him Or maybe three or four that'll position in front of him And so, you know, if they're just kind of loping along And he's not too far out of it He he can keep himself out of a little more trouble Um, Yeah, I'll, I'll probably end up there um, in um, in a race where kind of like with, with these races, I you know I respect you know the channel cad and I respect um, channel maker, but I'm always kind of looking for what you said. You kind of like a new face or some someone with a little more upside than the rest of the these horses that we kind of know and we see. And sure they can win, but they really kind of need their own kind of the right kind of trip. Sometime I'm I'm always looking for someone a little more exciting. Yeah, I agree. You know who intrigued me in here? I, I mean, I can't get to him because I I won't. I won't handicap based on this, but I thought it was very odd that Chad Brown, Brown ran, ran breakpoint back in this spot off that last race at six to five. Uh, I don't know. I, 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 I found that odd. I think it's it, it, it's curious. He didn't look for a, a softer type of spot for this horse, but I, I still can't get to him. He's going to have to show it to me on the racetrack. But I, I, I that did get my attention a little. Mm-hmm. Bit. No, I agree. It was like he. He got he got pretty good and then he tailed off and that was like a wake up one and it just but it, it didn't score well enough in figures and numbers to think you'd want to necessarily jump I th- I thought there'd be another maybe one more gradual spot before getting back in I kind of agree um yeah I I I, th- I thought Moon over Miami was uh you know hopefully the the kind of the new face with a little upside here in the Grade Two Bowling Green the third of three graded stakes races over at Saratoga. On Saturday, a big thank you to John Stetton for helping us out, navigating us through these uh, with uh, some strong opinions from the both of us. Uh, one where we land together, another where John's going to take a couple big swings against the uh, favorite. And then uh, again in the tenth, we kind of come together with pretty similar opinions here. John, uh, it's always such a, a pleasure uh, to uh, to have you join us here. We're very lucky. I always get such great. Responses from the the folks that are listening out there Everybody respects you so much And respects all the work that you put in As a handicapper and as a gambler Always the gambling part uh, Most important Handicapping is a big, big, huge part But got to make sure you put the time and effort in To see how you're going to formulate the tickets Put them all together Thank, thank, thank you so much for having me, Gino And uh, anybody that's following Saratoga Check out, you know, Pass the Wire TV on YouTube Um we do the show every morning, Saratoga today. It's only a 10 or 15 minute show where we run down a couple of races, a couple of angles, uh, a couple of things I look for. It's been a lot of fun so far. And coming on board now would be a good idea because we're going to get rid of this seconditis. <laughs> no more seconditis. You want to jump on board when it turns, especially this weekend when we get a couple big ones home. Pass the wire there. And then uh, you, per- um, your individual, uh, give us your individual uh, social media on Twitter too. Where do we follow you? Oh, it's there's there's at past the wire is the website, um, and on Twitter it's at Jonathan Stetton. King pick six, King. Thank you so much, John. Really appreciate it. Good luck this weekend. I'll be going back and forth with you again. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me, Gino. Ciao. And make sure to give John a follow there on all the social media channels and platforms. They do some of the best work that you will find in all of horse racing there at Pass the Wire. And uh, and John is always such a a great guy to have on the show. So thanks, John, so much. And uh, don't go anywhere, folks. We'll be right back on that's what she said. Great stuff as always from John Stetton The Pick 6 King Make sure to give him a follow there on social media And check out PassTheWire.com So just to recap for me In those stakes races on Saturday at Saratoga In race number 8 I'm going to be playing around the 5-3 technique And the 9 special reserve They'll be on all my tickets along with the 2 Mischievous Alex If we can get anything around 8-1 to I'll probably play a win wager on 3 technique 
and uh, those will be the two that I, uh, the, the three that I, I use in, in most of the exotics there. Um, in the ninth race at Saratoga, I probably not one that I'm going to be getting involved in all that much from a wagering standpoint. I, uh, unlike John, wasn't quite as uh, confident in just having a strong opinion here, but best of luck to John and and hope I'll be rooting for him that he can take down essential quality here. Um, this is probably more of just a, a watch race for me, but I did like the seven in race number 10, the Bowling Green. If we can get anything around three to one or so, I think that's a very fair price on Moon over Miami. So the three graded stakes for Saturday at Saratoga. Uh, a couple of them look to be good betting opportunities. One of them maybe just a watch race for me, but John feels like it could be a great one for him. So best of luck to John, and a big thank you one more time for uh, for John joining us for the uh, Saturday Saratoga. I know... Some folks who love Saratoga, and that's our friends over at OldSmokeClothing.com. OldSmokeClothing.com is a website, and the promo code GINO will get you free shipping on your order. We're talking high-quality products rooted in the iconic symbols of horse racing. Old Smoke Clothing, named after Old Smoke John Morrissey, saw a race named after him at Saratoga, the founding father of Saratoga. Um, hats, t-shirts, hoodies. Zip-ups, you name it, they've got it there It is a horse racing mecca If you're a fan, this is a great spot for you Not a lot of stores that you can just walk in and and have wall-to-wall horse racing stuff Anything you need at OldSmokeClothing.com They will have show the horse racing fan in you Promo code G-I-N-O gets you free shipping on your order we head to Saturday, Del Mar. Scott Shapiro, longtime friend of the show, joins me to talk about races 2, 3, 9, and 10 on the Saturday card at Del Mar. A couple maiden races early on the card that are very intriguing. And then we got the grade 1 Bing Crosby in the 10th and a fun turf route race right before that. So uh, we get into some of the best races on the Saturday card at Del Mar with Scott Shapiro. We are up to week three now of the Del Mar meet, and I'm recording this on uh, early Thursday, actually before uh, Thursday racing has uh, has gone for Del Mar. So that'll be the first day uh, that they actually have raced on Thursday so far, and it'll be the first time there's a four-day race week for Del Mar. Uh, someone who knows Del Mar very well, I remember uh, heading down to Del Mar, doing a seminar with him down there, someone who used to do the... Uh, I think every every weekend uh, seminars for uh, a few years. Someone who knows the SoCal racing circuit very well and a very good friend of our show too. You've heard him many times. Scott Shapiro from Twin Spires joins us to talk a little Del Mar Saturday. Shappy, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing good, buddy. Good to chat. I think that uh, seminar when I had you uh, on the Sunday one was the first time we ever worked together. I, I think so too. Yeah, yeah, we had we had talked on uh, social media a bunch back and forth and and gone back and forth, but that was the first time we ever uh, actually had uh, had hung out, and that uh, it was the start of a beautiful friendship. I feel like since then we've had many hours of conversations on on your podcast before and on different variations of mine, or just back and forth uh, uh, here and there talking races or uh, talking anything. So uh, yeah, that that it's fun to it's fun to look back at, and as we were reminiscing a little bit before we uh, we clicked record. Man, we're getting old. Feel feeling old now, right? How how things have changed. You've moved out there, and you've been doing great work for Twin Spires. I've trickled around a few times. I got a podcast with two hundred plus episodes out. A t- almost a two year old son on the way, and it's just uh, it's funny how it flies, right? Yeah, well, you're never gonna catch me at least until I'm under the <laughs> You're not even close. But I remember you as the young young intern uh, 
at TVG, of course, and uh, it's been great getting to know you. Only a few times in person, but yeah, several. I at this point, several hundred correspondents in one way or another. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, but you know, it's always nice to have uh, like-minded people to chat with. We we love the racing as much as anything, but also love uh, love our sports. And uh, you know, other than Yasiel Puig, we tend to get along pretty. He's well. gonna say we, very few times where we've really been uh, <laughs> we've, we've adamantly disagreed on something. And you know what? You he's gonna say he's not even in the league anymore right now. So I think uh, when, it, when it was all that's how far no, I was gonna say he 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 has not done well at all since leaving the Dodgers, and he's had some personal issues so you uh you ended up on the right side of that one uh, as time as time yeah time told you ended up on the right side of that argument so uh there's a plus for uh for shappy on that one um so let's uh let's talk a little bit about delmar uh, actually before we get into the specifics tell everybody real quick what uh what you have right now on your schedule you're doing daily delmar or or what exactly are you covering right now for twin spires uh, most days at Del Mar, I am doing the expert picks now that we're on a four-day work schedule. I'm doing Thursday, Friday, and Sunday on there. Uh, Jonathan Kinchin, who did them all last year, is doing Saturdays, so we're splitting up the duties there. Obviously, he's quite busy with his uh, Naira work and, you know, doing Naira um, Fox work, so uh, kind of splitting that up and then doing some Saratoga stuff. Mostly on my own, if you will. Nothing that I have to do other than the stakes races, but I'll do, I am doing uh, grade one stakes previews on social media uh, with Joe Christofek, both at Saratoga and at Del Mar, wherever they might pop up otherwise uh, the rest of the summer. And then um, doing a little bit of golf still, but really getting into uh, some, some NFL work and then uh, getting excited for the fall meet at uh, Churchill. So, but mostly Del Mar and a little bit of Saratoga for me, Gino. And I got to say, um, you know, this is just uh, no no plug necessary. I don't work with Twin Spires or anything, but I've brought for pretty much your entire crew over there on my show multiple times. I mean, between you, I've had Joe on, Ed on, Emily's on my show all the time. Darren's on every week. He just had a big score and he's been doing yeah. more. And you guys have done, I think, really when um, when it was hard to get to the racetracks in particular, it feels like over the last 16, 18 months or so, your video and online presence at Twin Spires has just gone through the roof. And like the quality video, quality production, quality content you guys are putting out there, to me, it's just been really, really noticeable. Well, I appreciate that. I, we take a lot of pride. We brought on uh, an independent company from Australia that came over here betting on content. Um, one of the guy, their guys used to work with you, uh, I believe, Blaze Bowman. He might have just been getting started. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, Blaze. Yeah, we work with Blaze a lot. They've done a lot of good stuff in getting the content in terms of the appearance and, and whatnot. And I think we got a real strong team both uh, at Churchill Downs and at Twin Spire. So really appreciate the kind words. Okay, let's get into the good stuff. Um, so when Scott is uh, talking with me now on uh, on sat on about Saturday, we're talking Thursday morning. The morning lines are not quite out yet for Del Mar. We we have a good idea of what what you know horses will probably be and where they'll stack up. And we'll, we're going to talk about four races on the card. There are two good maiden special weight races early. We're going to talk about races two, three, and then we're going to flip to the later part of the card. We're going to talk about the ninth race, which is a, a pretty fun uh, turf route. Uh, it's a second level allowance. And then we'll get to the Bing Crosby, which is the 10th. So um, we get some quality. I actually thought Delmar's done a pretty good job so far. And I think this will really be the week. And, and from here moving forward, where we'll see because uh, Southern California had that real elongated break before the start of this Delmar meet. 
And then the first two weeks was just Friday, Saturday, Sunday And wow, those fields were really big And the racing quality was really, really good And so now, you add another day on there um, With the way the horse population in Southern California has been This is where it's going to start to, you know This is the test time now, right? Acid test time from here moving forward No doubt about it And uh, just a tip of the cap to uh, David Jerkins in the racing office there Last year, the same predicament was at play without the fans there and um, you know, no, no rip on anybody else specifically there, but they're not dealt the best hand at Del Mar and they do so many things to tra- attract different sorts of horses to yep. keep it from not being monotonous. The ship and win program, one of the best things going in the game. And they just continue to, uh, with, like I said, not a great hand dealt to them, uh, do the best that they can. And it was a great start to the meet and hopefully we can keep things going out there in uh, San Diego County. So the second race feels like one of these uh, races that could be nice down the line. Um, there might be a couple horses out of here that could be good. It's a two-year-old filly uh, maiden special weight race. So we're looking at race two for July the 31st. They're going to go five furlongs in here. And I think, um, you know, I, I'd imagine that to the outside, uh, the Baffert is really going to take a lot of money. It, what's what's cool now about, um, you know, how things have changed in the last 10 years is for a lot of these horses and, and many of them that work out at Del Mar or Santa Anita or sometimes uh, different places on the, uh, you know, over in Florida, um, you can watch these works for a lot of these horses and, and get a good look at them. Um, and Grace Adler, I, I watched the work and I thought was was pretty impressive um, and just kind of checks a lot of the boxes, right? You, it's Baffer, you get Pratt jumping aboard, the work I thought was very nice. The damn one, three of four, uh, the three of the first four, won the debut by nine, was a grade three winner. Um, five siblings to race, a couple winners, one of them graded stakes placed. Baffert, um, uh, 103 for the last 313 with first time starters, uh, <laughs> as, of, as of late. Yeah. Um, and five for 26 in 2021. So I, there might be a couple other good ones. I just, I don't know. I, I I think you probably got to start there, unfortunately, and she'll probably be a very short price. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I don't know if there's a, a lot that to to love at least at, at first asking in this field. Um, this one definitely makes a lot of sense. You know, if you look at the pedigree, you could probably make the case this horse is bred for two turns, especially the Curlin. But Baffert, who got off to the slow start to the meet. Really got things going on Sunday. Murray was an extremely impressive mm-hmm. first-time starter. Then Risk and Reward was a second-time starter. So he won two maiden races. You mentioned Pratt. You mentioned the bullet drill that was good. And that outside post is just so huge, yeah. especially the way this racetrack has played over the years and over the first part of the meet. So I, I definitely think Grace Atler is the one to beat. If I'm going to throw in a horse that maybe will be a, a much better price. I think the pedigree is interesting on Valentina Gada, the four. Michael McCarthy, definitely not known for being a first-time starter type guy, but uh, capable of do, pulling off a win if he's got the right animal. And Practical Joke is off to a uh, good start as a first a freshman sire, five for 14 so far. Um, it's produced a couple first-time winners. And the dam. Um, herself is a full to Bayard who uh, earned $663,000, finished third on debut to the awesome competitive edge and was three for five at two years old. So there is some win early pedigree on both sides and it is sprint pedigree. There is that gap in the works on July, between July 10th and July 24th, maybe just shipping down to Cal, um, from, from Arcadia down, who knows. But I just thought that was the one that came up a little bit interesting if you're looking for an alternative. Yeah, 
some other things to mention uh, about uh, others in here. So Peter Miller has a couple, um, and you, you know, you think of Peter Miller, he's always been very solid, sixteen percent with first time starters over the last five years, but uh, just four for thirty um, recently, um, and just one for the last twenty nine. And so that you know, just something to keep an eye on with yeah. both Sugar Sugar and Travel Smart. So not necessarily. Uh, uh, swinging all that well right now with the first time starters, which is definitely something you think of as like kind of bread and butter for him. He's always really good with firsters, even maiden claiming levels and stuff. Uh, just not afraid to put him where they should run. So, well, uh, yeah, and I was just going to piggyback that one thing I've noticed over the years, he's had better numbers with the maiden special weights. But what I think he actually excels at is like those higher level maiden claiming first time starters. Absolutely. He's really maiden got 50s and above. Like, yeah, 50s, 80s. 50s, 80s. Yeah, he seems to be really good at that. I guess he's maybe that points to the fact that he doesn't get the upper echelon in high quality two-year-olds. He gets some, don't get me wrong, but he, he's also not willing to put him in there knowing he doesn't have to face Baffert and probably has a much better chance. It's a great point. You're absolutely right. I've always thought that about him too. It's the, the maiden claiming, the high level maiden claiming ones where you know that you seem to take notice. So um, yeah, I wouldn't be shocked if, if, you know, the one or the two Hout Lady or Ice Maiden <laughs> end up being good down the line. I think what concerned me about Hout Lady I didn't think the work was as good as it looked on paper. And and what concerns me is she was actually a step slow out of the gate and she's going to draw the rail here. I actually prefer the workmate quite a bit. She was okay. Um, it was a fast time. Um, and the dam won her first three starts was actually put up via DQ in the gray two Adirondack uh, designer legs. Um, but she didn't hit the board then in her next nine starts, the lone um, sibling to race for how lady is a two time winner, two for nine. And O'Neill is, Always been like capable always in that Like 10% ish range I think If you go back to five years you get like 11% six for his last 66 so just like right on on That par um, in that you know Eight to 12% always so very Capable but if she was drawn towards The outside maybe I'd give her More of a shot I'm just a little worried about her in the Rail um Other things with ice made in the dam Was 0 for 10 but she did produce four fulls That all won Cassie's been 16% with firsters, you know, going back five years, smaller sample. He's four for his last 11. And what's, what's kind of cool is he's had recent winners just to show you like how spread out Cassie is. And, and like, I think sometimes how people forget what a good barn and how underrated he is because, you know, he came down and now he's all over the place. He's had recent winners in his last 11 first time starter winners at Ellis Gulfstream and Woodbine and a possibility to have one at Del Mar in in a 12 horse sample like that's pretty cool Yeah he definitely uh, Has done a, a great job uh, at, at winning at multiple places this was a horse That it looks to me like maybe One to keep an eye out on maybe we'll run on yeah. Late um, the most Notable sibling is Bodie's maker Who's earned $252,000 But that success most of it Has come routing and later in the career Right now was really good at like Lower level type starter allowance races At Oakland Park this uh, past year For trainer Norman McKnight so Probably a horse to keep an eye on um, In more in my opinion um, As we move to further distances We're going to get to race number three now We've got a maiden special weight uh, for two Year olds this one's going to be a mile On the turf course and uh, Yeah I thought I thought this race was was Kind of intriguing you have a couple horses with some Some dirt experience you have a Lookout point who was good going long Finishing second and uh, a couple uh, An intriguing maybe a couple Intriguing first time starters where are you going to Start in this one Scott 
Well, I thought there looked to be, um, you know, it's always hard to be fully sure of how the pace will play out in a race with first time and second time starters because it's easy to change up some tactics and try new things, especially as you're stretching out. But I did think there would be an honest pace in this one. The rails are out at 18 feet after being out 30 feet on Thursday and Friday. But that should that's not a major thing, but definitely will play a little more towards the inside and speed horses. So I thought, you know, using horses that we expect to come from off the pace would be advantageous. And it looks to me like this is a two-horse race, which isn't that exciting based on what I expect the price to be. You've got Lookout Point, who will take a ton of money off that runner-up finish um, for Peter Miller and Flavian Pratt. Was a two-to-one favorite at Santa Anita. I thought got a pretty good trip in that race and was one pace. So might need to take a step forward if number one astronomer is as good as his pedigree suggests. This one is a half to Harvest Moon, who was a dirt horse, but earned $376,000 winning the Zenyatta and Tory Pines. So two turns, certainly the game there. And a half also to California Rush, who was a turf horse, was three for five, earned over 300000 and was one for one as a two-year-old. So Simon Callahan definitely capable at winning first time out with the right horse. I think I lean astronomer who I expect to come from off the pace under Umberto Rispoli. How about you? You can you watch, watch her, uh, his, his race, race too. too. It was pretty nice, nice on, on July the 24th. I really thought um, he kind of broke out. It was in a set of three, but it, and I like that too, that it was in a set of three, but it was just visually excellent. You mentioned the, the strong pedigree, a barn that's super capable. I think like 16 of their last 99 with firsters. They're on a little bit of a, a tail with first time starters, but that doesn't really, when, when, you know, and even with Miller, um, it doesn't concern me all that much because a lot of these barns that we know will kind of really prime their horses and kind of save some of their better ones for this meet. So maybe they go a little cold with some firsters for a while heading into Del Mar. You know, someone like Callahan probably saves a couple of the better ones for this meet. So that that's you know he's over his last fourteen, I think, and two for the last seventeen. I, I know you win three at this meet, and then those numbers just even right back out. Um, he's got to be on all my tickets, astronomer. Um, absolutely. Uh, you mentioned lookout point for the, the positives there. Um, some things to mention about some of the horses that are going to be either trying. Tour for the first time um, Fowler Blue Not sure how good uh, he is But the dam did win three times going long On the turf even take it to the bank Who I think might be a fun Horse to use underneath because it Will be a big big price um, They had the, the blinkers the dam is three for Ten on the grass and three sibs tried Turf and all of them won on it so He's probably not good enough to beat This field but if he just improves Because he's got a lot you know of a lot of Reason to on the grass then if he hits the board, he could really spice things up for you underneath. Might be a fun horse to toss under. I did think McKinnon was a bit interesting. He was um he was second and he was pressing the favorite bet on Mookie towards the outside uh, from the outside and he was just second best um in, in that turf debut. I do agree with you though. On paper, it does look like we're expecting this race to have some speed because you have a horse like McKinnon who's stretching out. You have a couple others who are stretching out. You have a horse like Il Capitano who already showed really good speed in his debut. So they're probably going to be quick. That does concern me about the kind of trip that McKinnon gets. But as far as a horse is concerned, I did think that that race was fine. And I think Ben on Mookie's actually an okay, uh, an okay horse who beat him. So, um, yeah, I'll be very intrigued with astronomer and just kind of the action that he gets in here. Um, cause to me, I, I'm not as worried about you know the rate like if this was six five or six furlongs I'd be a little concerned with the rail draw not not as much going a mile. 
No, I think it's actually the post you won for this horse. Very so much. Yeah. Be running on late. And you do make a good point about McKinnon. You know, this horse, it's not as if this horse made the lead in those races. So definitely could be the kind of horse that can relax. Then the question becomes, can Juan Hernandez avoid getting caught a little bit wide with the rails out, which would definitely be detrimental. Is this not Danzig Candies? I haven't seen, is he, I, I remember the horse, obviously. And I think this is his first crop, but I haven't seen any of them. Is this, uh, he's, a, he's, he's in California or? It, yeah, I mean, I think I, I'm, I, Actually, I'm not positive, I've seen a few of them But okay. they, yeah. yeah, they haven't been That great, <laughs> the ones <laughs> that I've seen That's where we we're going, yeah, yeah, the ones I, that I've seen know, And, um, numbers, yeah, th- yeah This one This one is, in, is an interesting Under horse, just because for a horse that's Shown really little, like a little bit of speed There's actually a pretty good amount of turf Like the dam, and then all three sibs won On the You're turf, so, price too, yeah, so Three, maybe key in three and four spots, you know, and under exotics if you're playing tries and supers or two, three, four spots, and you can maybe catch this horse um, underneath. Uh, if if we think, you know, astronomer and lookout point um, are probably going to be, you know, ones that take a lot of action, a lot of support. I, I'll I'll give McKinnon a little bit of a look in here too. I just I don't think I could get to, you know, Qu- Quincy. What the dam was five for twenty two, never turfed, a winning sib. Corner's very capable first time out, but when I think of him first time out, I think a lot more, and I think the numbers would sort of suggest that you just don't you don't see him going, starting horses going long yeah. and going long on the grass really first that time tells out. Me he thinks this horse is a little slow in my yeah, opinion. Completely agree. If they were quick, because he's so good at getting horses out of the gate quick, early, ready to fire, ready to go five, five and a half, six. I think you're completely right. I think if this horse had a little more speed, they'd be in a spot like that because that's where he kind of has advantages over a lot of other barns that don't crank their horses up. No doubt about it. No doubt about it. So that's race three. A um, couple interesting maiden special weight races early on the card there on your Saturday card at Del Mar. We're going to flip to uh, the later part of the card now, as I thought the ninth race was a fun one. Uh, it comes up right before the grade one Bing Crosby. And this is a second level allowance, optional 62. They're going to go a mile and an eighth on the turf course in here. Um, yeah, you, you have horses coming from all over here, Scott. Uh, you've got, uh, I mean, Many that you can make a case for I'm kind of intrigued at what the pace is going to look like You got a grade one winner on the outside Get her number who has not had a very good um, 2021 But has been facing tougher You got a horse like KP All Systems Go Who's dropping in class after You know facing graded stakes company Gets the inside draw but we haven't seen since October Then you've got some Like a me and Mr. C who comes in for Maker you got a horse like Ready Soul Who was super impressive for the D'Amato Barn last time out I I wanted So much more from Ocean Atlantique And a couple starts at Keeneland and was a little Disappointed there I, I There are a lot Rip City is in Excellent form right now just Rock solid I thought this was a, a Really cool race yeah, definitely very challenging. I wish I had a super strong opinion in here, but I think I'm more against horses than I am for them. So when that's the case, and after we see the morning lines, it'll probably be somewhat of a spread race for me in the horizontals. A couple of the horses coming in from Kentucky, I thought were going to be worth a chance against if they took money. Media blitz to me, once longer than a mile and an eighth. I don't yep. think he beat much in that race in the first level allowance event. Here at Churchill on May 20th and put in a clunker in the next start proverb. It looks a little stabby to me going this far on the turf. I feel like they've been frustrated with a horse they thought was a little better. I'm not very much interested in him. I thought getter number was a horse that I had very little interest in. Completely agree. 
Yeah. You know, and I, I don't know how much it's known, and I think Florent Giroux is an excellent jockey in many situations, but on a horse like this, unless they are all outright expecting to send and go to the front, I really worry. The fact they're taking the blinkers off with Giroux, who's just not as good off the pace for no. in turf race as he is in other situations. Um, no knock on him. He excels at other parts of the game. But but this is not the kind of horse I want him on unless, like I said, he's going to be loose on the lead somehow. I thought KP All Systems Go was a horse that might will probably take money that I was going to be willing to let beat me over three at Del Mar despite the strong three-year-old campaign and probably going to need a start for a barn that has had some contenders, uh, Gino, in Jeff Mullins and really yes. has not fired yet. So I don't know. Did you have a stronger opinion than me? No, I mean, I think uh, Rip City will be on my ticket. Tickets for sure. Um, he's just become so, so solid. I mean, if you look at some of the horses he's been facing too, um, uh, in some of the races he comes out of, just the last few, he's March the sixth. There were four next out winners that day. Whisper Knots, a Grade Three winner. Tripoli came back to finish second in the Grade Two San Diego. Uh, also beat a horse named Coast of Roan. On April the 3rd, who came back to win a first level allowance Order in Law, who just beat Rip City Has won, th- uh, that was the third in a row At the optional 62, sort of non-two level um, I-, I think he's a must use yep. uh, One that's going to be on my my late exotic tickets No doubt about it I'm Ready cold. Soul you're going to use? I'm, that's the other one I think yep. I would have Yes, to Ready now. Soul for sure Just the fact that he was so impressive in his first start for D'Amato The yep. way he won visually was excellent um, And you know what this is a horse who I'd always Kind of I'd followed him a little bit Yeah he's had some ability He was just kind of in some spots where He maybe didn't get the, the right kind of trip He wasn't they went quick And he wasn't way out of it either Which I liked you know he showed a little bit more Maybe it wasn't like tactical Positional speed but remember this is a horse Who did sprint early on so He didn't have to be a stone cold closer and way out of it like he was in, in those Gulfstream and Keeneland races that That's what I liked the most with him You know, he, I don't want horses having to be dead last every time And having to pass them all You get stuck in trouble Ready Soul's on all my tickets Rip City's on all my tickets Pending on price KP All Systems Go I might give give an opportunity to It's not like a horse I'd bet to win But if I was playing late you know, pick fours or pick fives. I'd probably throw in just based on some of the company he's been facing and how they've come back smooth like straight, grade one winner, field yep. pass is a multiple graded stakes winner, hit the road is a grade one winner, pixelate has been running well. Um, even in that October 18th race, the fourth place finisher was Kiss Today Goodbye. He came out and won the grade two Sandy uh San Antonio, I think a couple starts out of that one. So um just from a class standpoint, he would probably get some inclusion from me with the uh, uh bully from the inside who hadn't really started the meet off all that well uh, himself uh, himself either. Yeah. Um yeah, so Brad, you know he you were upset on Saturday. Man, I mean he cost me a you know, it wasn't wasn't gonna be a big hit, but that uh the the result in the Eddie Reed was uh did not that race did not play out as I expected. Me hundred percent and I got not got into it, but there were a couple of people who were like arguing with me because they were like, Man, you don't think highly of United and I said, this has zero to do with United. I I think United is a very nice horse, but the way that I'm projecting the race is that smooth like straight is always in like the forty seven ish range. For when he goes to the half mile and that's done very well for him he does he's got this like really fast cruising speed where it just kind of puts other horses away and it doesn't really give the closers you know he, he gets that separation what he did he in this race in my opinion was going that slow for united it was just like united going in a mile and a half race 
You know, he didn't yeah, have to go. It kept him in the race. It took the closers out of the race because they were going too slow. Yep. And it kept United in the race. And it just was not what I expected. I was three deep in the race. Was really hoping they would go at it a little bit early. And one of the two, D'Amato's, who we like in this race, and I thought it was worth noting, and I didn't even realize it because he's had horses run their race and hit the board, but he's over the meat right now? Yeah. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. yeah. yeah he, so a uh, little, little head scratching there. Um, yeah, he'll this, He'll heat up. He will. He will. And and this is yeah. This is fun. This is a race where um in in big fields like this too. This is a real race where I know it's in the ninth and you're gonna be locked into you know your pick fours and pick fives. But make sure that you play this race as an individual race because in fields like this, there's always a horse or two that gets forgotten about, and somebody's gonna get some money and one or two are gonna float up and there's just gonna be a massive overlay and that's how I love playing a race like this because. Yeah, you know what? If some for some reason some of these horses that we were against get ice or sort of against because we think they're going to take some money or ice cold on the board and they float up, well then maybe you're throwing them into a late pick three here or you're playing them in some of your exotics. I know I'm just not I'm not that high on on get her number and I think I just I'm I'm def, I'm definitely not. I, and it makes a lot of sense for him to come back to this spot. This is where he performed well. Um, I just. I don't like the, the fact I don't like horses like that that are really good at two and then we just don't see much at all from them at three. Yeah, I think I I'm a big I'm a big uh big supporter of the theory that two year olds are a lot oftentimes horses that just develop quicker than their when then they're um you know than the rest of their crop and the rest catch up with them. It's not very often it takes a special horse to be a stakes caliber horse at two and continue to get better as they get older. Yep. And it's the same kind of thing. We talk about Peter McKiller, Peter, I was gonna say, Peter <laughs> McKiller. I was about to say precocious and I was, I was combining Miller and precocious and I was going McAllister. I was given to give you a home alone reference here. Um, Peter, <laughs> Peter Miller, you think of as someone who's better with first timers too, and just a good, a good conditioner first, like early on. And so that's an advantage. You know, you think about that with some trainers, you know, that are good first time out and they get their horses a little bit more of an advantage. Ready to go first time out Maybe they don't develop as much And maybe they're just not as good Who knows um, We could be wrong with get her number I just I'm not going to be uh, using uh, I don't know why I keep wanting to say Keep wanting to call him her to Get her number Maybe it's just because there's the her in there But uh, get her number Not for me in here In what's a really good Late pick four Late pick five kind of race Because it feels like one Where uh, there are many directions to go as we head to the Bing Crosby, the grade one Bing Crosby, six furlongs, $300,000. And this race, I thought, I mean, on paper at first glance, you, you've got Brickyard Ride. who you, So you know they're going to be going fast because that's a really fast cow bread. And then you look at a couple other horses in here, like Quick Tempo is really, really fast. Yep. He's so fast. They were at Prairie Meadows in, in a, the Iowa Sprint that – the horse who was fourth early in that race is named Empire of Gold. He was like pressing the pace in the Breeders' Cup Sprint last year. You know what? And I was rooting him in because uh-huh. I had him. <laughs> uh-huh. And he was fourth in that race in the in the race at Prairie Meadows because that's how fast they were going on. Special Reserve has won four of five and is in excellent form. Uh, Mojo Man came out of that race to win. So he is super quick too. And then there's a a, a few others that you have to imagine. Uh, vertical threats not exactly slow um the, the and then the real question about uh, this race is CZ rocket with the no lasix going to be no lasix for the first time 
He's going to be in his entire career This is going to be like a test run Because they're they're going to be seeing If this is a horse who can run without Lasix Later on in the year in the Breeders' Cup at Del Mar And so CZ Rocket Who, I mean on paper His last nine races He's got seven wins and two losses His two losses were going a mile And in the Breeders' Cup when he was second <laughs> You just cannot really knock anything he's done But he's done all of that with Lasix he sure has, and what a claim it's been. I thought this horse, uh, who I knew well when Al Stahl had, him, had hit a wall in his career, but uh, Miller somehow was able to resurrect him, and he's been awesome since. He should get the setup, as we mentioned in here, for his off-the-pace style. But not only do you mention the Lasix, but I also, again, I hate to kind of pick on a guy that I have a lot of respect for, but I don't know if this trip is going to be the kind that Florent Giroux was the best at navigating, especially when he's got to outride a guy like Flavian Pratt on Dr. Chevelle, who uh, is, is, a, is a horse that I'm very much interested in. But yes. back to CZ Rocket, should be saving ground early. Is he going to get caught in a tough spot over a track that plays towards the outside? A lot of these races, you know, it's not like Belmont and a lot of these tracks where you want to save ground along the inside. I think you want to be outside and avoid traffic trouble and be on the better part of the racetrack. So to me... CZ Rocket, a lot of respect, used offensively if you like prices and other legs in the uh, horizontals, or used with prices if you like them vertically in the Bing Crosby, but I thought an opportunity to take a chance against with a couple of other horses that I think should get the right trip off of these pace setters. I mentioned Dr. Chevelle, who is my top pick, Flavian Pratt. Uh, takes the call on this one, had several options here, must have really liked what he's seen. Obviously, the horse won the Del Mar Futurity, so the horse is at Bright Future. Is a three-year-old taking on Olders, but did so last time out, did so impressively, did so with Lasix for the first time, but already had proven he can run without Lasix as a two-year-old. And I just think he gets the perfect trip. He's two for two at Del Mar. And then Mark Glatt's other horse is three for three at Del Mar, Gino, and that's Collusion yeah. Illusion. Hasn't been seen this year. Might have been better towards the middle part of 2020 as opposed to the late part. Maybe just danced a lot of dances and was tired. Gets Tyler Bays up. Obviously, he'd rather have Flavian Pratt, but he's capable with this kind of horse, even though he's had a little bit of a tough meet so far. Those were the two for me, with Dr. Chevelle being the more uh, likely to me. I assume Collusion Illusion will be the better price, although they are my racehorse. So who knows? How about you? But yeah, uh, I, Dr. Chevelle for me is... is we you know we talked about get her number in the last race, and Doctor Chevelle in just his one start as a three year old has shown the exact opposite. Right, he was good at two, and then just on numbers and speed figures in his first start, he really stepped forward at three, and not the other way. Not a horse who was good at two, and we're kind of waiting, waiting, waiting. Is he going to come back to that form again? Um, so I, I love that he took a big step forward, and he ran a big race. He's had plenty of time to recover. He earned a big figure, and it was it was a a nice trip. He sat patiently inside. He waited behind horses. He got a split. He angled out. He ran down Canadian Pride right on the wire. Now the one thing that I don't love is that Canadian Pride came back and was I think beaten uh, fifth, beaten nine, next out. Yeah, okay, that I don't love that, but that that's a knock you can have. Sure, Pratt sticks. It's going to be the making the second make the second start for Glatt. Um, I think there are it's it's pretty hard for me not to use Dr. Chevelle and I'm just against a couple others like you said I'm probably not very high on CZ Rocket although I'm probably more inclined and okay to use CZ Rocket than I am with either Brickyard Ride or Eight Rings um, I, I don't like either one of them in this spot I think Brickyard Ride is good in spots where he can really clear 
I, I, this is by far the toughest group nice. he's ever going to have faced, not yep. even close. And he's going to be dealing with a lot of pressure down to his inside. I, you know, he's if he wins and he beats me and he earns it, like power to him. Um, but, but I just, I, I don't think I can't envision him clearing this field with with some of the speed to his inside. And I just, I mean, I was really. I've never really been that impressed with eight rings You know he's just not really the type of horse for me He's not consistent enough Like that that last start He had a he got right to the lead And he sat about a half length off in second That's like the trip that he wants And I don't know why It's going to be all that different in here If he's not quite as quick As a couple others And I don't think he wants to sit three or four lengths off of it So he got he, He feels like he might get caught in between to me yeah, I think he's up against it. His best effort was as a two-year-old when I think Baffert told Sports Illustrated or some major publication he was his derby horse that year. And, uh, <laughs> downhill since then, he had the awful experience in the futurity and then did win the, the American Pharaoh. But ever since then, he's ne- he's failed to hit the board. I remember the Bachelor last year at Oaklawn at four yeah. to five. He was supposed to win that race and was awful. I just think he's up against it. I did want to throw one long shot, or I expected long shot, and maybe I'm maybe I'm wrong. Actually, maybe won't be as big of a price. I don't think he's good enough to win, and I hate the rail. But if the race that's exactly out, where I was going right now, yeah, yep. The race Go ahead. Plays out like we expect, shooter shoot is going to have to be off the pace. He's kind of speed at a route. So I think he might get the right trip um, and uh, might pass a lot of tiring horses. I'd need the right price even to include him underneath. But I do think he's going to be forced kind of – he showed that kind of new dimension in his last couple of races. I know they kind of thought for a little while this horse might be a derby-type horse and then didn't run well in the Santa Anita Derby with the speed and fade effort. But maybe the new dimension sprinting from off the pace shooter shoot can outrun his odds if they're uh, – Favorable in terms of problems. Completely agree. I just if he was drawn in the three hole and out, I would be a lot better with him. The, the I'm just so worried about the kind of trip he gets at six too. And if this was six and yeah. a half or seven, um, yep. so those are my concerns. Is I I would not be shocked to see him on late. I, he's always showed ability, and he he's like he's starting to figure things out. It feels like because as you said, remember he was he was like all speed. Early in his career He was you know ch- he was actually right there Chasing charlatan yeah. six furlongs And then he stretched out and he Was really fast a couple times in one One race at San Anita and then one over at Oaklawn um, They went and took a shot in the San Anita Derby and he was right on the lead there um, Actually I think he even in front Of authentic kind of funny to think about And <laughs> and then You know he he comes back in January And to start the year He throws in three straight Clunkers just I mean, nothing and not even a whole lot of trouble in those. I mean, he's showing some speed and he's getting, he's in some, t- but he's just not, like, not like legitimate excuses. Then on April the 24th, um, they just decide we're going to take this horse back. And he, he's completely woke up in his last two starts. He's run really well in both of them. What I like too is that we know he's got a little bit of like positional speed in him. So overall, as a horse, I think he's going to be good. I just, if this was six and a half and he was drawn a little toward the outside, I'd like him a lot better. Yep, no doubt yep. about it. But yep. uh, but uh, he hopefully can relax and, and take advantage of the uh, early pace and maybe get himself into the mix. Yeah, and then you mentioned Inclusion Illusion too. Last year's winner of this, he, he won this race as a three-year-old last year. I do think this is a tougher group, but wow. um, 
collapse that day, huh? That was, yeah, wasn't a great group. Yeah, that wasn't a great <laughs> group. Was best that day. I he think. was, yeah. yeah. Um, and that fell apart. Uh, but yeah, collusion illusion just wouldn't shock me. He's he's gonna have to be ready to rock. But it does look like in some of his works, they're they're trying to tighten him up and and get him really really you know fit for this. So uh, the Bing Crosby. And on uh, your Saturday card at Del Mar, the Saturday feature on what looks like a, you know, a couple of the races that we talked about. Maybe in the earlier maiden special weight races, we don't get the biggest prices in the world, but there might be a nice uh, horse or two to keep an eye on there. I think in the ninth race is a race that you could really sort of look for and demand a price. And and this tenth race is a race where it does feel like horses that are going to take money, you can absolutely take stands against. No, definitely. I think the back end looks very playable. Got some more work to do on the rest of the pick five, pick six, pick four sequence, but uh, encouraging races and uh, just keeping uh, the fingers crossed. Uh, you know, I've got a very big soft spot for Del Mar. It was the first place I got, you know, a real good public gig that we talked about and uh, always rooting for them, even though uh, I'm not fully invested into the uh, Cal- Southern California circuit anymore. Scott Shapiro, Scott, give us your uh, your plugs one more time. Uh, all of your work, uh, where can we find it? And then uh, give us your Twitter. Yeah, the Twitter is at ScottChap34. You can always find everything I do there. That's pretty much where I use as a landing spot. But also, uh, you can find my expert, quote unquote, expert selections expert. Uh, on TwinSpires.com and the TwinSpires app for Del Mar's Thursdays, Fridays, and Sundays. And then as we round into the fall, you'll be able to find me on the Churchill Down simulcast feed, as well as my work up on Twitter and on TwinSpires.com. Thank you so much, buddy. We'll uh, we'll try to get you on maybe one more time towards the end of the meet. Check in with you for an, another big Del Mar weekend. Tell uh, tell Ed and uh, and Joe over there and everybody uh, we send our love. So uh, have a great weekend and good luck. Thanks, buddy. Good luck. Appreciate all the kind words and as always having me on. Always enjoyable to chat. Scott Shapiro there. Make sure to give him a follow. Always excellent uh, content and great analysis from the crew over there at Twin Spires. Don't go anywhere, folks. Still plenty more here on That's What G Said. Thank you, Shappy, for helping us out with Del Mar. Uh, we were recording right before the morning line uh, had come out for Saturday, but it wasn't like there was anything too crazy uh, or different from what we had said when I, I've seen the odds since. Um, in race number two, Grace Adler is going to be really tough for me. Uh, she, she's nine to five on the morning line. Uh, not not anything too cute there. I just I wasn't really excited about the others uh, first time out of the box, and I did think Grace Adler looked very good from what I saw in the mornings. In the third race, um, I would uh, lean towards Astronomer uh, and McKinnon if I'm trying to beat Lookout Point, who will you know probably be the the favorite there and the one that takes a lot of money. If you're looking to go uh, maybe in a, a deeper direction, I would use Take It to the Bank underneath in some spots. I think he will show some improvement, but I just don't know if he's good enough to win. So I'll try to play uh, inside outside here a little more with Astronomer and McKinnon in that third race on Saturday at Del Mar. Moving to the ninth race, um, that was the optional 62 non two, the mile and an eighth on the turf. Um, I like the nine Rip City, who I will use in uh, most exotics, and then KP All Systems Go. Scott had mentioned uh, the D'Amato runner, who was so good uh, for the new barn. Uh, Ready Soul as also a, a player there too, and we're both not too high on get her number. So uh, a ninth race that should be a, a pretty wide open betting board there. All lean uh, KP systems go and Rip City as sort of my top two with uh, with a couple of unders under, underneath. 
And then in the Bing Crosby, little little lukewarm on on some of the straight speed kind of horses. I think it might be won by a presser or someone from off the pace. So I'm looking at Dr. Chevelle here as a, as a horse who I might even single in some late exotics or Dr. Chevelle in Collusion Illusion, some combinations of them. Uh, Dr. Chevelle, Collusion Illusion, and then maybe uh, in some underneath spots, Quick Tempo, Shooter Shoot, and CZ Rocket, who, I mean, obviously CZ Rocket is going to be the one to beat. We'll see what happens with the Lasix. We'll see what kind of trip he gets here. So that is... Del Mar for Saturday Best of luck on Saturday This weekend And uh, we're going to get on to talk a little wrestling In just a minute with Chad Cooper But first we want to let you know about SarahCandles.com C-E-R-A Candles.com All natural soy wax candles Free from toxins, carcinogens, and pollutants When you use the promo code G-I-N-O It'll get you 10% off your order Wrestling with Chad Cooper I gotta say, this week I was a little curmudgeon I didn't love Raw and I didn't love AEW, but I did like SmackDown and I did like NXT. A lot of people liked AEW. I mean, I did not like what they did with... We'll get into it. A little bit of a tease there. I didn't like what they did at the beginning. Didn't like what they did at the end. The energy, the crowds, the buzz for them is awesome. But the actual product, what we saw on on Wednesday, I, I wasn't in love with. Um, some funny stuff on NXT and I thought SmackDown had some, some really good things on there too. Raw, a lot to... Lots to complain about. Chad Cooper joins for all of the major news, TV show recaps, everything happening in the world of wrestling this week in wrestling with Chad Cooper. The greatest feud in all of professional wrestling uh, pours on Gino versus the Gardeners. And uh, (laughs) it has become just a a battle, you know, as we get ready for this week in wrestling with Chad Cooper. Um, I've joked about it before. I just, I try to find out when they're coming to do the lawn and when the, the neighboring lawn, I just try to ask, just to try to communicate. That's all. And then when they tell me, you know, you're coming at 10, then I don't schedule anything then. And I schedule stuff for like an hour, an hour and a half, two hours after that. And then you end up showing an hour, uh, hour and a half, two hours late. And so right when I'm, you know, got my stuff. <laughs> Anyways, I'm sitting here like L.A. night yelling at people <laughs> you know, and just like so um, we've got uh, another fun edition of this week in wrestling with Chad Cooper here to discuss. The rumors are a flying. The wrestling world is a buzz. The fans are back. We've got. Uh, AEW Dynamite, WWE Raw, SmackDown, and NXT to talk about And I do think we will have a, a little bit of news to begin before we we jump in uh, It looks like uh, Randy Orton is going to be coming back I think he is uh, advertised to return to WWE action this week And they sort of really seem like they were teasing it on Monday Night Raw With the, with the way that the uh, AJ and Omos kind of left Riddle laid out there uh, it's about time, right? right. Um, I mean, he look, Riddle has held his on, but he kind of floated a little bit, kind of got goofy. Um, you know, from this past Monday night, I mean, he took a loss. I see why. Uh, we'll get into some good Raw stuff. I, there, there's a lot of interesting things that, that's happening on Raw. And uh, it, it one of those is, you know, when you have AJ and Omos, you know, for two state straight weeks now, those guys have yet to have an entrance, I think, on TV because AJ was going it was was getting a pop and going so over. So I think they've started cutting their entrance 
Yeah. And uh, it looks like now we're getting a feud, so maybe Riddle and Orton can kind of turn the tables a little bit and, and get some, some pop back, and it probably will. But, um, man, it's an interesting time in professional wrestling, isn't it? I There's a lot of buzz on with AEW with the rumors. The fans are back in WWE. We Goldberg and Cena just showed up. Uh, we've got Lesnar out making some comments now And there's rumors about him Who knows what's going to happen with him Daniel Bryan, Punk, we've been talking about There, it, it, There's a lot happening right now in wrestling And I thought that SmackDown from last week Was a really good show And in my opinion, last week's shows I did not love Raw There were a couple things I thought were were fine I did not I know a lot of people thought AEW Dynamite Was like this Incredible show The energy and the fans, awesome And there were a couple things that I, I really liked throughout the show There were a few things that I, I didn't think made sense whatsoever uh, And we'll get to that uh, NXT, I thought was pretty good There were some some really good things in there And for the most part I didn't have a whole lot of complaints with it So um, we'll get to Smackdown first And this was the post Money in the Bank Smackdown Cena opens up uh, with the crowd And he, you know, just doing the the John Cena thing, getting everybody pumped up. Talks about Reigns, and then Paul Heyman comes out, interrupts him. We get a back and forth between two guys that are just excellent on the mic. Heyman's kind of mocking him. This was great, a lot of energy, and it's funny, you know. As much as people have always wanted to crap on Cena, I was just doing a a, a rewatch of the 2014 Royal Rumble. Remember that was the one where everybody booed Batista when he won. Oh yeah. Yeah. Earlier in the card, Cena was in a match with Randy Orton for the World Heavyweight title And those two guys had a fine match It wasn't like great, it wasn't bad, they've had better, they've had worse But they were just getting like booed out of the building And it's so funny to see now that Cena is, again, just, you know, people got bored with him then And now, he's, <laughs> as you said, he hasn't been around for a while He shows up and... He does feel like a huge, huge star uh, anytime he's on the TV. And so Cena opening up the show was a big deal. And, and Pay- uh, Heyman seemed like he was really excited to go back and forth with him, too. A massive, massive reaction for John Cena. Um, that, that, uh, and Cena has always been the one that, that feeds off the crowd. You know, if they're booing him, he feeds into that and, and kind of encourages it. But since his return, he's been 100% over, and the crowd loves him, and he even joked about what, do you want Cena with the jorts? Do you want Cena with the cargo pants? What do you like more? And then what Heyman was able to do with the you can't see me, just really, that was, again, just a, a, a fantastic segment to kick off SmackDown. And it kind of, you know, it set the tone, because then you lead into, uh, you know, a hell of a match between Finn Balor and Sammy. That was a really good match in a really hot crowd, so it was a great start to Friday Night SmackDown. The fans are very uh, excited to see Balor back, and he he looked good in the ring. Sammy was a great opponent for him because these guys know each other, and you know Sammy's going to give you a good match. And so Finn gets the win, and hey, isn't it amazing how somebody shows back up and you give them a win? And they feel like a big deal. We can, you know, and we'll talk about it later. As, as yeah, we get, yeah, it's not hard, right? It's whoa. We, we see on Raw guys that we show up for the first time or we haven't seen in a while. They show back up and they lose, and it doesn't make sense. They keep losing, yeah, it doesn't make it, it sense. Doesn't. It, it, 
it's just the little things. And as we'll get to the main, you see why those things happen. I mean, and it's, it's so thankful that he came back to SmackDown despite this being the same company. And I'm not talking about an NXT brand. It's a, this is the same roster. These guys were all a part of Raw at one, at one point in time. But the, the, the same company, the same roster, and it just seems like Raw and SmackDown, we continue to say this over and over again. It seems like we're on two different planets. And it just, it was yes. so good to see Finn come back and just uh, get that big ovation after running NXT and him going over Sami Zayn. Good match, hot crowd, just the little things, man. I mean, we look, we can't get everything we ask for, and we don't know what's going on behind closed doors. But dang, it really feels good to see the little things and them actually work. So Finn... Is in, and we'll talk a little more about Finn in just a moment. As the, these guys are literally just doing their best to piss me off right now. That's Cameron Grimes out there, man, pissing off. Right, LA these night. guys are literally <laughs> just like they're doing their best to just get under my skin right now. Like with like, this, hey, hey, Gino, if, look, as good as a human being you are, okay, <laughs> you need to tell everyone about this gated community oh over God. there. Yeah. I don't know if it's the outskirts of Brentwood. Um, it, it I, is. I'm I'm actually up on a hill all by my uh, myself. There, there it I'm is. Like, get... I live in basically like uh, Bruce Wayne Enterprises, you know, like that's where I and I've got my little bat cave down there. But uh, um, like we were begging for Finn for a while, and this is great. And and so you know you look at SmackDown versus Raw, and you go, okay, fun opening segment with Cena and Heyman going back and forth. Good match with Finn, and this has purpose. It's building. It's building Finn up. And then the next segment that we get is just okay. The the thing with this is one of my favorite running things going on SmackDown. Corbin, Corbin is Corbin's broke. Corbin lost the crown. He's like he doesn't you know he's emotionally devastated now. And Baron Corbin is going to be a babyface soon. If I would have got to be, he's going to be. I would have. I would have said he he's like a Miz in that you can't really have him be a baby face. Like you can maybe have him be like a sort of have a moment or two, but they tried it with the Miz and it just doesn't work. People really don't want it. But bet Baron Corbin is going to, and it's going to work for a while. The, the pairing of Kevin Owens with him feels really good. I mean, he's backstage and now what's great is he's explaining little things. He's saying, this is what happened. You know, I basically started buying more than I had and I started investing more than I had. And that just makes sense, right? People do that. They get a job, they start realizing that they're getting big paychecks every week. This is what athletes do all the time in all sports, and then all of a sudden they get cut or something happens, one of the investments go wrong, and now you're like really living on your week to week paycheck. It was it was like some depth for a character who's had very little depth. These videos, they he, he posts videos, a lot of them that are like online exclusives too. And I, I just, this is funny. I like this a lot. I like the pairing with KO with him and they could be a fun yes. tag team together. I could see these guys winning the tag team titles together and crowd getting behind them. And then inevitably Baron Corbin will turn on him or maybe you go the other way and you have KO turn on him, you know, at some point. But I'm I'm very interested in Baron Corbin right now, and 
it it does it makes me interested in Kevin Owens, which I'm always I always am, but he felt like he didn't have a whole lot going on. So I think this is good for both of them. I've always been invested in Baron Corbin. I, I just like the guy. Um, I know a lot of people didn't, especially he was, you know, working the same guys on and off of SmackDown for a while. Then he crossed over on Raw and worked a little bit. But what he's been able to do, man, with with this storyline and not shaving. And the exclusives is, you know, whether it's WWE uh, YouTube, whether you have to go to the Peacock Network, whether you go to WWE Twitter or what have you. These little exclusives are are even better than what we see. His little interview with Kayla Braxton and, and the stain on his T-shirt and she's playing into it. Do you need help with that stain off? And he goes, now you're making fun of me. You know, it's just, and then the rude and, and then the other, the dirty dogs take the, the Morty from him. That was pretty funny. Yeah. Too. Yeah. yeah. You know, and then Shotzi, um, she hits uh, him in the they, nuts with the, <laughs> they hits him in the nuts with the tank and it. And it's just, I, you know, it, it's, this is, this is the, look, I, this is the entertainment part of WWE Absolutely. that I really, really like. I really, really hate the entertainment part when we're dealing with Monday Night Raw with like puppets, which we'll get into again. We're, we're totally back agree. to Lily, Lily Lucian or whatever we're getting. That that's doesn't do it for me. But to see a character like this evolve, this guy was the king. He was on top of the world. His crown was stolen for him, and now he's just like. He's he's turning into a busker like you see in Vegas, uh, you know, just you know, pandering for money. It's 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 fantastic. It's really fun. It is good stuff there. Um, the Biggie's got the money in the bank. Um, it looks like they're just kind of setting up like a six man tag maybe for next week or something. I think right they had what was it Biggie Cesaro here? Um, yeah, I, I they, thought originally. That Biggie was supposed to work Apollo. I thought so too. And yeah, in the Miami, you know, we had we had a, a like a Florida concert here. And that's, that's where they messed up a little bit here. Um, now yeah, I will. This, I, this I is say, what I didn't like. I give them credit for doing this. Sure. Absolutely, and I give AEW credit for like the like any kind of promotion that's outside of the box like this. This is a great idea because hey. Maybe five people from that whatever you know that that audience went. Oh, I like Bianca, or I like whoever you know, and and they look it up, and that's fine. You get any followers or any attention from somewhere that you wouldn't have got it. That's great. I I just think they could have promoted this a little bit better. Um, they could have set it up a little bit better. They could have done something like at festivals a lot of times instead of having a show on the main stage like this. They could have had a show. On a separate stage, they right. still could have made it look really good, and they could have had the audience. The crowd a lot more of whether they were papered people or just people that were invested in the match and what was going on because the look of that um so so after this little like schmoz we had a it's kind of like big e apollo we got um rude and ziggler they came out then nakamura and boogs came out then cesaro came out and everybody was brawling in the ring um and so we'll, we'll i'm sure we'll get a big tag team match uh, uh coming up um Again with these and just combinations of these guys In different in different feuds here But we then got to the Hard Rock Stadium And that was where they had uh, The Rolling Loud Rap Festival Which visually This looked amazing right? Incredible. It 
looked being on that stage. I think Wale introduces uh, Hard Rock Stadium, um, and the crowd's chanting, "We want the smoke!" Here come the Street Profits. It's Angelo Dawkins versus Gable. I just think maybe, maybe picking a match or two that would have been a little bit better or a little bit hotter. Or just the way they set this up I like the idea very much I just thought the execution wasn't great No, I mean, it looked fantastic And and even if you do not uh, Are not big music fan Or hip-hop fan You probably, if you're a wrestling fan You know that Wale loves professional wrestling I mean, he's had, what, Wale Mania Every weekend um, When they were, when when WrestleMania WrestleMania. Was a thing So, So I'm with you the look, the setup, the the look was 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 pretty darn good. I, you know, they could have done the execution a little bit better with the ring, but that match really didn't do a lot for me. What's even worse is Bianca Carmella did even worse than yes. uh, than Dawkins and, and Chad, Gable. and you had two good looking women in a ring. Um, and you only ha- you had a real short match. It was less than five minutes. They had a really good match the week before on SmackDown. Look, we know they're probably weren't going to have a long, drawn-out match in front of a festival crowd because you definitely don't want them taking over because you'll have stuff being thrown in the ring like they were throwing things at Matt Cardona at GCW on Saturday night. But I, <laughs> I, I just I, – I don't know. The, the, it just didn't do a lot for me. And that women's match, it seemed like the crowd wasn't interested at all. I felt no. a little bit more um, during uh, Dawkins, Dawkins and Gable, but this women's match that followed it, there was some disconnect there. Well, I, don't, I don't think and, people were interested. I kind of I understand what they were where they were going. Like they thought maybe because like the Street Profits Bianca would be more playing sure. to the to the. The, no, they're the, urban. The, it's an urban crowd. Exactly. Absolutely. Like more the the right. I may, but if if I don't know if Montez is hurt, but Montez would have been such a better choice because he's yeah. really yes. exciting in the ring, right? Yes. Like in, in a in a dude. in a situation like this where nobody in that audience, and this would be the same ca- play, case if they were playing at any concert, any festival, if they were playing at you know any of these big music festivals all over the place. The people that are there for are there for that music, for that right. So if you want to show them something, it's fine because there always need to be breaks and intermissions and stuff. But it's got to be visually really exciting. It's it. This would have been a really good spot to have lots of flips. You know, somebody yes. a ricochet yeah. type. Spot you match. know what I'm saying? Yes. Just a spot yes. fest because that would have gotten the crowd going. Oh, oh, or. Oh. Or you just uh, that and or you get Wale involved. You let Bad yep. Bunny do it. I would have let him do a spot, do something. It just there was there was a disconnect for both. Promo, of those matches. a, a better were, promo even yes. might have been like yes. a. I don't think they wanted to do that, but like Roman Reigns cutting a promo would have been badass. That probably would have gotten well, maybe would have gotten well received there. Maybe would have gotten heat. I um good idea. I think if they want to do this thing moving forward, I I bet you they were watching this. Thinking the very same thing Thinking sure, sure. there's no reason why they can't Have Wale stand up on that stage And go Ladies and gentlemen We've got Smackdown coming to you live And then right. everybody cheers And then boom you flash to like right next door To that and that's where the ring is Or something right? Just Yeah because how many times have you been to a concert Gino live music or a DJ At a wedding and, and 
this line, which I hate from everyone, from DJs to, you know, everybody makes some noise. It always works, unfortunately. I, I hate it. it that, that even felt like it, it, it probably would have done better than, than actually was. I love the idea because I am a music guy. I, I love the idea. Me I too. just thought it, it was – I understand the length of the matches. I wouldn't have put on a 10- or 15-minute match either. Me neither. Nope. But, you know, it probably could have been done better, and, you know, you live and learn. Maybe, you know, maybe next time they, they go with a, a, a different route with this. And this was kind of weird because – they Bianca just beat Carmella clean And then they quickly announced That this was going to be like a rematch Which was like why you know there was nothing we- She just beat her clean So yeah there were some weird things to it but again um, I don't I like the idea Just let's see if they clean it up if they do something Like this uh, again afterwards um, We talked about some of the, uh, the The stuff with Corbin with Shotzi And, and, and uh, this is where he got hit And they stole the 40 bucks from him It looks like KO is going to be his buddy That was all really fun and then um Edge comes out What I love recently And I've noticed this on Smackdown And maybe even a little bit on Raw They seem like they're Referencing older things More than they used to You know sometimes it's like These two people have a big past Why aren't we talking about it more You know it doesn't make any sense I love what they're doing with the Edge stuff And Rollins and talking about How Rollins could have you know Could have really put Edge away Seven years ago and he could he should have done it then And in 2014 he should have pulled the trigger He Edge says He's learned from evil minds like the brood And the ministry of darkness And uh That was and fantastic then, That was a fantastic thought, line by the great way Great stuff And then um You know Raw, um, Edge says uh, Rollins comes out And this Rollins right now This is a lot better Rollins to me Than the, the Messiah guy last year he he's playing like a character. That he's like this funny evil guy, and so you could tell he's having a little bit more fun with it. The Messiah thing, I was not for at all. They've I've always they've they've always had such a tough time just like finding the right character for Seth. But th- I, I don't mind where he is right now, and I'm really looking forward. I think to this feud. These guys are going to have a great match, and. I thought this was a lot of fun. Like just their interactions, their back and forth. He calls him Grandpa Edge, um, <laughs> and uh, you know they get in each other's face. And then Edge says, uh, "You know, I told you I wouldn't put my hands on you." So, and so, you know, Seth does walk down to the ring, and then Edge attacks, and and they go back and forth. Um, Edge is about to get a spear, but Rollin runs away. I thought this was perfect. It was good setup, good build. I want to see more of these two. They they just barely got their hands on each other, but we didn't see a big move or anything yet. This is like booking one hundred and one. This is good stuff. Edge just, uh, you know, we often wondered what was going to happen with him uh, at at WrestleMania with Roman. We thought he was going to get booed, so you know. I don't know if that was the thinking and putting Daniel Bryan in, but man, does that totally look like a bad mistake now? This guy is just really, really, maybe, you know, maybe it was the right move then. Now, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. We can always go back and say, well, they should have done this. But, man, this guy coming back has been money and another yeah. massive pop. And I'm with you. I, I'm a huge Seth Rollins guy. I didn't mind the Messiah at the very beginning, I did not think it worked with Buddy Murphy. I, I liked Buddy Murphy. Just something wasn't working there. But Seth alone just kind of 
doing his own thing is better than with a guy or two. I, I you know, it, it's hard to dupl- you know duplicate what happened with the Shield. And w- when sometimes Rollins is paired up with a guy, it kind of seems forced yes. to me. So that's why the kind of Messiah thing, you know, it, you know, is Jim Jonish to me. He would wear right. the white. Yeah. I, I hate to be, I hate to be that, but they put that white suit on him, and it was just like, I don't know, man. But hey, look, I, I'm a hundred percent, hundred percent with you. This is uh, this match at SummerSlam is uh, one of those matches that has no implications to it, no titles, no stipulations. It doesn't have to have a gimmick. It's going to be fantastic. They've done a great job. As much crap we give them, this is, again, a home run. What they've been able to do with these two guys and the storytelling has been really good. Now, I say this, and we've got what? we still got August. You know, August three. is next week. We've got three weeks, August 21st. So let's not get cute mm-hmm. and do anything tag matches. But I don't think they're going to go with them, too. I don't think you're going to see Seth and Edge in any tag team matches together. I wouldn't or, like or, that. Or size at all. I, I just think it's not going to work. I don't want to see them touch until no, SummerSlam no. in the ring. We could get a breakaway brawl or something like that. That's fine, right? We could get stuff like we saw the other day, but I don't want to see them in an actual match. I don't want to see six man, eight man over the next few weeks. I just, no, 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 thank you. And if we do, if for some reason we did, I want them to not get interaction whatsoever. It's Seth, like, Scared of Edge, not yes. wanting to t- hiding away from him. He does not want to get in there. Th- this is going to be fun. I like this, and you know what? I like where they go next. Tony Storm. It feels like they're building her, and and you know what? She didn't get maybe a like a huge NXT main event run in the women's title picture or anything like that. But we always thought, I thought from the very beginning. When I saw her in Japan and then she came over here She was in the Mae Young Classic and you've seen her In all the different independent stuff she's done around the world She always felt like Someone who was main roster WWE she's got a great look She's She can play both Baby face and heel she's really good In the ring um, and she can speak And and so when you can check All of those boxes and you've got She's got a look that you know Vince probably Looks at and thinks oh she's really good looking And that's is is Sad as it is for that to still be a thing in this day and age, we know that that is a thing for some of these for some of the executives to look. Do they have that right look? She's checked all the boxes. They're building her. Um, and I, you know, I don't mind. I know some people out there were like, "Oh, Zelina Vega comes back and she's just losing, losing, losing." The only reason why I don't mind all that much about th- that is because Zelina Vega was never really like a women's champ. Was never booked as like a. Um, a top a contender yeah. wrestler. She was a manager, yeah. and and I think her. She just wanted to be able to wrestle a little bit more. Her in this role is fine. She's the type of 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 wrestler where, you know, she can win matches when she cheats, and she'll get on a run some point when they want to build her. And she would be like a perfect Money in the Bank winner one year, right? Yes, carrying yes. that thing around, yeah. being all like, "Am I going to cash it in or not?" But I, it doesn't. I don't feel weird about her coming back and losing some matches because I don't know she wasn't Keith Lee in NXT, right? The uh, the one thing that I, I was really interested to see because they built Tony Storm up, they 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 told us she was coming to SmackDown one week, and then the following week we get a Tony Storm is debuting on SmackDown, and I thought, okay, here we go. Um, so she had two little quick 
weeks or quick segments of being promoted. And this is the one, this is the one time that I I really get my, I I watch it again. Um, I was concerned of the crowd reaction, right? Um, It it, it definitely came after a a massive segment with Edge and Seth Rollins, if I'm not mistaken. Yep. The, usually when you get an NXT call up, unless I, I'm telling you right now, I don't know when it's going to happen, but when Adam Cole comes on TV, you're not going to have to worry about it. So there's nope. some people we're not worried about with some of the female counterparts, you know, especially now, as opposed to the Charlotte Flairs, the Becky Lynch's, the Sasha's, you know, all of those girls and all of these guys that, you know, back then, if you went to a WWE house show, a lot of those NXT workers were on those house shows. They yep. were working matches, and they were working with the uh, the, the main roster talent. So people she, around the country were, were were getting to know these people. Yes, yes. And so and now— WWE fans. So when they would show back up in that place and come back and be on Raw, oh, I remember Tony Storm from there. Nobody—very no, few people have seen Tony Storm, and we—just like a— she hadn't even been really featured all that much recently on NXT TV. So no. while while I like this a lot, you are spot on. And I hope they don't look at her reaction and go, she's not getting a great reaction because well, they never, you know. And Gino, here was my point. It wasn't all that bad. It got yeah. a decent reaction, which I thought uh, I would have been satisfied with because, hey, I'd be the first to tell you. Um that, that it was a no pop. It wasn't a no pop. You know, she got put on. Uh, it, it, it wasn't a blow off segment because number number one, they promoted her for two weeks, but there was some reaction, and they made her look like a badass. And I think you do that with a Zelina Vega, and I thought it was fine. That is a new face on the main roster that they can build this roster by. She has. Um, she could lead that division on SmackDown. I'm telling you right now, you build her up and you put her and Bianca in, in a ring, uh, you're gonna have a good match, man. You're gonna have a it's you're gonna have a good time there. She that why I'm not worried is because more like someone like a Karrion Cross, for example, who we're gonna get to in a minute. Um, if he comes up and he's not getting a reaction and things aren't going well, he he's not. Like he's a lot of bells and whistles And so if the people aren't getting behind Him He's not going to be able to like Prove it to you in the ring or prove it to you Like Tony Storm is just someone that I think Every week when people see her They're going to get more and more behind her Because she's just good She's just got it All of the things that you have And so I think the more people see her on TV As long as she's just If she just portrayed how she was in this match she, she doesn't even have to have like a goofy gimmick. She can just be like, "Hey, you know, I'm I'm for a little while. I'm Tony Storm, and then we'll find out a little bit more about her." And don't just don't give her like don't weigh her down with anything goofy. Um, I'm very excited about her. And look, there we're, we're through SmackDown now. We got a USO Mysterio uh, match where uh, Jimmy USO beats uh, beats Dominic, and so we're going to continue with these two, uh, which should be another great match with the Mysterios and the USOs. I you got know? a quick question for you about that, Gino. Do you Please. think that Dominic needed that win, or is he yes. losing too much now? Or are you yes. okay with this? No, I do, because Dominic does feel like a tier below Ray. He does feel like a tier below as a, as an individual these others, and so 
you got to give him a little bit more of this. I agree with you. You need to give a, a, a loss to Dominic doesn't hurt any either of the Usos right now because it looks like they're no. back as a tag team, right? It doesn't sure. matter. Um, I completely agree. I think that would have done more okay. for Dominic. Absolutely. Um, and so I, yeah, uh, these guys get in the ring, and and Dominic's still a little raw, but when they were in the tag format, the Usos are just so damn good. Um, they they'll like. Be great with whoever they're working with You throw Ray in the mix with them um, Just so much Like so much solid throughout the show And then we end with Roman Reigns and <laughs> Roman Reigns Cutting just this Incredible promo um, He said uh, You know Cena acknowledged him at, uh, Tells Cleveland they need to acknowledge him He said Cena acknowledged him And he said They Said Hollywood didn't do anything. They didn't put a whole new paint job on him. He said he came out in the same thing, same music, <laughs> same outfit, same run to the ring, same everything. He says, uh, if if he wanted to search for 2005 John Cena, he could have just looked online. He said it's the same <laughs> thing over and over. It's like missionary position every single night. <laughs> Wasn't that the greatest Roman Reigns? I mean, look, we have that is. we have worshipped this guy. For a while now, you talk about guys that have carried carried companies. Say what you want to about Roman Reigns, and I was one of them. I, I thought a couple of years ago, I thought this guy, ha- of all people that come out of the Shield, this guy is, you know, other than what they were doing with with, of course, Moxley there at the end, which is they knew he was gone, they weren't going to resign him, so it was just kind of a a, a crap show. But with Roman Reigns, he was beating everybody. It, it just it just it, it felt bad it just it just was not right it, the show was not good and man all of a sudden it's just like he's a dick and this was what we were you know we roman wanted. reigns was a face we he was the john cena right and now he's so damn good I, look he could be by himself he doesn't need paul Heyman. he doesn't need you know the, the usos but put them all together this is money. This is this is why SmackDown. Look, I I love NXT as a two-hour show. I think it's the best for me. But all around, SmackDown is your best bet. It is your three to five favorite in the Kentucky Derby, Gino. It is so damn good, man. Yeah. And what Roman Reigns can do without having to wrestle every week in that look. That I I don't know who is working with him, who's coming up with it. If this is Heyman or not. But it's it's money every week, man. Money every week. And, and then and the, the, the the turning down Cena and like yeah. I ain't got time for this, dude. He says no. You know? And says, then boom, boom. Finn Balor comes out. And this is really interesting because uh, Roman looks surprised and Balor stands in the ring and the crowd is chanting, Yes, they are. This is always a big deal when you put someone in the ring with them. What's the response going to be? Crowd seemed really into this. And remember, on his first day on the roster a few years ago, Finn Balor beat Roman Reigns clean as can be on Monday Good Night Raw catch. Good in, catch. in route to uh, going on to win. That is, I hope, something they reference. I can't imagine they won't. He beat him one, two, three, and then he went on and won that title at SummerSlam against Seth, and then he got hurt. And that was, they were about to put the rocket strap on Finn and shoot him right to the moon. And great catch, man. I forgot about that. This this was this was good. Now I'm very curious where they go here and what's going to happen. Because we know Cena 
This is what I missed from WWE for a while And this is the one thing that I will give very much credit to AEW for At the end of the shows or the the things they tease from week to week more Right? Um, I'm now curious, okay, hmm, Finn's in this What's going to happen now with this? Like this is something now I'm very curious about when Friday Night Smackdown comes. This is how used to Monday Night Raw used to go off the air. Oh my gosh, what's going to happen next? Boom, and like you can't wait to find out. And AEW does a pretty good job of making a lot of their stuff feel exciting or feel like you make you got to tune in next week. I'm very interested in so many things on Smackdown right now. It is to me this the the things that I I didn't like on this show were very little and uh, like a booking decision here or there and just maybe the execution with the stuff they did at the uh, at the festival. But from a beginning segment to a really good ending segment to just a lot of things I like throughout. Yeah, and for for the for the two matches at the festival, it sure did get a lot of publicity though. I, I think they checked off a couple of boxes what they were probably going for. You know, it's hard to bring wrestling into different communities. We saw the Insane Clown Posse try to do it. We've seen different, you know, there was a UWF one time, you know, I don't know if that was in California or what, and it was kind of music related. It's really, really hard to do, but you got a lot of eyes on it, though the average wrestling fan probably thought, eh, uh, they were quick matches, but overall, from from start to finish, A plus for SmackDown, man. It was really, really good. And do we get Finn Balor and Roman next week? So the next pay per view is SummerSlam, which it's got to be Roman and Cena. Yeah, I, Cena's I in SummerSlam that, for yeah, sure. We, we we don't do it. We don't do a triple threat. So you're no. gonna have you're you're gonna have Finn and Roman give you one hell of a match that I could see that going 30, 30 minutes on a Friday night. And if I think I is somebody going to interrupt, or do we get Finn just losing clean, but in like a close loss, or do we get somebody attack Finn, and that's Finn's feud for SummerSlam? You know, yeah, somebody, uh, yeah. You know, you got to look at the players here. So if somebody's going to interfere, you think number one the Usos. Well, the problem is they're the tag team champions, right? So you don't feel that Finn is going to have somebody else with him at SummerSlam. I don't want this. I don't want to say that. I don't want to say this. I don't want to think this, but this is what I'm thinking in my head too. Ah, The fiend, he's gone. I mean, I I don't know. You know, it's I can see it, dude. I don't. I I don't. Maybe in my head, I don't want Finn to lose in this like a decisive, clean fashion here because, and I and I hope that went because he does feel like right now. You look around at the landscape and you go, okay, if if John Cena deserve John Cena is going to be in the main event of SummerSlam, and that's a good. And and he's not going to win, and he shouldn't win. Roman's going to be around. Roman's your guy, but Finn is one of the few guys right now that, in just two weeks, you look around and you go, you know what? These people think that he can actually compete and be in in the ring with Roman and and win. And there might be one or two other guys in the entire company that you can do that with, like maybe a Lashley, maybe a Drew or a Seth, if you do a little rehab with them. But I don't know if you want to waste. What you kind of looked around and saw you had with Finn By having him lose clean If he loses, maybe it's a schmoz Or I don't know where they're going But that, that's what I love, I'm, I'm really interested I got no idea That's what's great. Would, would you pop Would you pop for the Fiend to come out I, I have a feeling When does the Rampage show start? Two weeks? Two Fridays Two Fridays, yes Okay, so we got two weeks I don't think we're going to get Finn and Roman this Friday 
do you think WWE stacks that show? Because we're going to get to AEW here in a second. And, you know, with with yeah, that was Tony Khan's big announcement. You know, I, I blew that one. I thought it was going to be a women's deal. But their first Rampage show from Chicago, right, is going to be live that Friday night. What is that? August the 14th? Yep. Okay. So do you think we get Roman and Finn that night to main event that to let them follow? Now, when you have Fiend come in. So it's the 13th, the August the 13th. Okay, yeah. the 13th. So Friday the 13th, even better. Okay? Um, you don't want to make Roman look bad. You don't want you don't want uh, the Fiend to cost Finn the match because that definitely, I think, makes Roman look bad. You're right. You're right. It's a, but, it's a. But if you have the Usos come in, you have Cena come in, and then after the match, you know maybe. But then again, it kind of takes away from Roman. We don't want to do that. But we Finn's gonna have to have something. You have to put him at SummerSlam. Yes. For you, in order for Fiend and Finn to work, I think it has to be Demon versus the Fiend. Yes. Finn can Finn can't work that. Finn, no, Finn by, Balor, just Finn, you know? by just Finn. By just Finn. I'm okay with it as long as. And I don't want it. Kind of I'm just. Things. Yeah, I, in and my head, I'm up, just. You bring up a hell of a point. Well, and it, we'll, we'll see because I just I liked what I liked Finn being out there. That feels like a good, a good someone who you can really get behind as maybe people could get behind winning the Rumble next year and being a challenger for Roman Reigns. You know, or if if you if you don't get the Rock, you know, or somewhere down the line, like Finn is the guy to take it from him. Maybe he just. The the people felt really behind him there as uh, we head to Monday Night Raw. So we'll we'll kind of talk about this all all um, in one because we open up with the Nikki Ash and uh, and and we close with the uh, with uh, the women's yeah, yeah. the women's main event with uh, with, Raw, with Charlotte and Nikki and I I don't mind the the Nikki character. I think she likes the character. She wanted to do this herself. She's into it. The people. The people seem like they really like her too, uh, and and the yes. crowd's been been responding well to her. She's liked by wrestlers. She's liked by everyone. The only thing I don't love about this is that this feels very much like everything you'd be doing before you won the title, not after you won the title. Like the I'm almost there. I'm almost beating Charlotte. I'm you know this is like the buildup that Nikki would have before beating Charlotte. For the championship she even said it, Gino. She said it after the damn match. She said, "I on, almost on could night. beat you," which means I'm um, it's And so I, I showed don't... myself that I almost could have won. Well, you're the champion, Nikki. That's the problem. Is th- this is before she wins booking, and when you have your champion, and I know the 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 one sort of benefit of the doubt I can say is, okay, it was a money in the bank cash in, right? So that right, we can right. all. And so I guess we can treat some of these money in the bank reigns a little differently than we treat others. And and that's I guess a little bit of the point. But I don't to me it feels like it um it sort of brings your title down a little. You know, and, and this is the same thing that we have with the champ losing in in non title matches all the time. I I did I wouldn't have minded Nikki losing to Charlotte with Nikki having a match coming up. But now the problem is we're going to get this match again next week. These two are going to wrestle again. Are we going to have another really close match that Nikki barely loses? Uh, barely loses. Even if she wins, she's the champ. I don't like seeing her and Charlotte now having two matches 
Before they even get to SummerSlam It's the same thing they've been doing by the time they get there We're going to have seen Nikki and Charlotte In the ring a bunch And Nikki's fine in the ring And and her and Charlotte are, are good And you throw Rhea in there That's that's fine too um, Rhea like you know I, I She's gotten a little better from where she is It just the promos and stuff She cuts backstage they just feel so Like disingenuous they don't Like they haven't found her voice She's like She's playing some like someone playing someone. It kind of feels right. like. Um, Good point. I don't. I, and I and I. I think I heard somebody say this the other day and about how they felt about Raw, which I agree. It's it's like I like so many of these people on Raw, and I just don't. I just don't like a lot of the roles that they're playing. Even Nikki, I, I don't mind the superhero thing. I just wish. You know, we would have gotten this build a little bit before she was going to win the Money in the Bank, even. And then she wins the money in the bank and she feels a little bit more confident. Um, it's just kind of backwards booking that they, they, they've done. A, I don't think they used to do this all the time, right? This has been like more of like a five, ten, last five, ten year thing where it's like we're getting the same matches over and over and the 50 50 or the title, the champions losing. Like those are like the opposite of wrestling, like, like good wrestling things to do. I think we can, it's both. Easy to say that they have definitely thrown the wrestling pr- playbook from years past away, but then you know they kind of go back to a certain things and revi- revisit it. But so we're getting a triple threat match at SummerSlam per Adam Pierce and Sonya Deville, right? I think my notes are correctly at the very beginning. Mm-hmm. They come out. I, I think it's Rhea, uh, Nikki, Ash, and Charlotte. A triple threat, right? I think I think that's yep. yeah. Okay. That's that's, okay. that's where they're going. So, yay. Okay, that that does absolutely nothing for me because Nick uh, because Charlotte and Rhea have been in this title picture. It seems like for a year now, you know, over and over, and they finally have their good match. Then you have the cash in, and now the champion. It, it just Nikki seems like they're trying to do the underdog, the actual cartoon character underdog with her, and. That main event was hard to watch. Um, there was no chemistry. There was stiff. Uh, there was some. There was some. So a couple of botches. Uh, it was a twelve-minute match that just. And now we're getting a after it was. This was the main event of Raw. This as we go off, we're, we're getting them to. We're getting another rematch. We're getting another rematch after your champion said. Quote unquote, I almost won. I showed myself that I almost could have won. I showed myself that I almost could have won. She has the title. Charlotte just beat her ass for 20 Clean. minutes. Clean. It Boom. just seems like to me, look, I know Charlotte is probably the, from top to bottom, the best female wrestler package on the planet. Now, there are some great Japanese wrestlers. There's a lot of other people I like more of Charlotte, but I give credit. She's the queen. It yep. just seems like to me, Gino, that over the last year or two, she's been involved in bad booking and bad scenarios, and they haven't been good matches. Not at all. Anything that's been away from the the horsewomen um, hasn't been good. You know, it, it's really weird. And the the Rhea matches have been good, and that's about it. I, I guess Rhea and Oscar, she's fine, but even even in her like. Week to week stuff where you'd see her in matches With Natty here and there or stuff like that Like I don't know she hadn't been as sharp so Little little 
disappointed with uh, with where they are with the, this women's program because it just, yeah, I feel like it could be better, and and uh, we'll see moving forward. You know, again, like Damian Priest. Okay, why does he have to beat Sheamus in this match <laughs> to be the number one contender? I don't like. Wh- why does he have to win this match to be the new number one contender? Why can't he beat somebody else? In a in a match to be the the number one contender, or we, they just tell us that, da- you know, uh, Damian Priest has challenged Sheamus and he's got anything. But we just see them. We got mad a few weeks ago when they did this with the Young Bucks with with Kingston when they had them lose to Kingston and them to set up the title the next match the next week. I never liked this. So now on this show, Nikki Ash loses and Sheamus loses. Your your two two of your top champions are losing. Um... To people I, who I just, are going to be facing them now at SummerSlam or moving forward, it's just there's not a better way to set that up. You couldn't find any other way to set that up. And it makes uh, it makes you feel like number one that Sheamus is probably going to retain, which I, you know I think Damian Priest probably needs to have that title. But if he beats Sheamus for the title, is it's like well you already beat him on Raw. Yeah, you know, for not they don't even call it number one contenders anymore. Have you? Have you? It started with this on SmackDown. I, I don't know if Carmelo and Bianca was for the title. It could have been. So somebody's going to blast me for saying, "Oh, you're wrong again." But this match, I know for a fact, was not called the number one contenders match. Instead, it was called a championship contender match. Yeah, I don't need. I I don't like that. Me neither. They they call them what eliminators in AEW. Yeah, I don't like that, that at yeah, all. I don't like it. it Give me it just, two people fighting for the chance. That's what I want. This I, match is not going to be special at SummerSlam. Now it could be a hell of a match, but the outcome is not going to be special because Damian Priest just Priest beat wins. him. He's already he just clean. beat him. We just saw it. We. I don't know, man. You know, a, uh, AJ and almost retained the tag team titles, and this is another one where it just feels like. We've seen these guys now going at it for a long time, um, and it's a bummer because we just we all feel like the Viking Raiders are a fine tag team to have in your division. And now AJ and Omos, whatever you want to do with them, it might have worn its its welcome in the tag division. We need some more AJ in singles. I, you know, this is just getting. The, look at the difference between when we were talking about this show when we were talking about SmackDown and like the first three or four things we talk about. Where it's like, oh, that was cool, that was funny, that was enjoyable, that was good. And it's sort of the opposite here, where it's like, ah, everything feels like they could just do it a little bit better. Um, I just I don't want to see Styles and Omos against the Viking Raiders repeatedly. And now at least based on what we see later, so I guess we can kind of combine that with this. Um, Morrison and Riddle had a really good match. And Morrison has been like one of the sneaky um, MVPs over the last oh, couple of months yeah. with his ring work and some of the good stuff he's been doing. And so he picks up the win. And like you said, or um, Riddle's been floundering a little bit. I think it was a big deal that they had they had Cena uh, give him a little rub last week. But he's way better when he has Orton to to bounce off of and to play off of. And so it looks like that's where they're going. So. While I don't love Styles and Omos together, and I kind of got sick of them with the Viking Raiders, if if it's going to be Styles and Omos versus uh, Riddle and Orton heading into SummerSlam, that could be really fun. 
Uh, yeah. Um, you know, we I, I was for all the Viking Raiders uh, taking the titles off AJ and Omos because I just AJ needs to be solo. We know that. Uh, and, and I mentioned this earlier. Um, this is what second week in a row that AJ and Omos, I mean, you're your champions and you're not getting an entrance because they're getting a massive pop and it's probably because of AJ. So I kind of knew then the Viking Raiders weren't going to win these titles. It was kind of obvious, I guess. Um, I, I'm just looking for a way to get it off of AJ. I'll say this, uh, whether you like Omos or not, um, it's been somewhat entertaining, and at least the tag team titles are getting time on your show every week. It's not you awful. Know, it's no, just... it's not. It's not awful. It was in the beginning to me. I thought this almost. Got, it's gotten better. Um, I just think I there's think, a better use of AJ. That's yeah, you know. And, and look, I, I think Riddle and Orton and AJ are going to do some really good work. I don't know what you can do with Omos and Riddle and Omos and Orton. But at least Orton coming back and Riddle losing uh, uh, later in the night. Morrison and Riddle was just now ten minute match. You talk about just good wrestling for Raw. I mean, hell, that was that was definitely the star. The star of the show was that match. And as you said, man, Morrison has been sneaky, building up some wins. At least he had. Look, poor Ricochet, he's out of there. I mean, there is nothing for that. You know, this was the guy that I thought, hell, he may win money in the bank because he's getting booked going into that pay-per-view. Like, I've never seen no one get booked. And we haven't seen him since. But Morrison, that guy continues to work and wrestle and have good matches. Uh, look, I don't even know if you need the Miz rolling around in the wheelchair. Chair. It kind of distracts me from Morrison. I, I just think Morrison is so good by himself because I've seen this guy so many times by himself. Everything he's he's been a part of and he's touched has turned to gold. I know that's cliche and cheekish. It just, that, that guy, Morrison is money, man. He is really good. And he has been a sneaky, as you said, a sneaky MVP for this company. And uh, it's time to get him. He needs something. He needs to be in a program. Mm-hmm. Um, Drew is in the program with uh, with gender with with Veer, and uh, he he wins this match by DQ. This was a little funky, but I just wish they would play a little bit more onto like the Drew and Gender knowing each other. They were. Partners, they were buddies for a while. They traveled on the road. Like, I'd like to hear a little more about some of that, and then give Drew a big win at SummerSlam, which is is what he needs after some of his recent losses and 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 stuff to Lashley. Um, I understand this. It's just it's kind of a, and I I don't mind it. I think it's 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 it, but it's never going to be something that is the most exciting thing in the world. Um, you know, with, with either one of these guys right now. No, it, it's just. The, hey, look, the crowd was hot for Drew. I yeah. thought he was, I think he was, personally, I thought he was teetering on the, on the, uh, on the edge there of, of getting this range treatment where just, you know, the old range treatment from years ago, just being, eh, we've seen so much of you, you know, and I'm a big gender guy. I, I think they haven't done a good job telling this story, um, with the motorcycle, uh, the sword, I, I just don't think you need all of that stuff. This was a quick what DQ match, but it really didn't do anything for me. Um, Tamina and Natty end up winning a number one contenders match um, for the women's tag team champs. They beat 
Eva and Dewdrop And Natty got hurt in this And I gotta say I don't know when exactly The moment she got hurt But I, Dewdrop seemed really off In this match too And she's actually really good in the ring If you've watched a lot of her work before She's excellent Something was really off about this And then Natty ends up getting hurt And she has to roll out But Tamina and Natty do end up getting the win here um, So I, I, this is kind of hard to gauge I just, it wasn't great No, it, uh, man, I, I think I misspoke last week And the week before I, this, this has gotten so bad That I thought Natty and Tamina Had lost their tag team titles to somebody I don't know what I was thinking I thought they did um, too to Shotzi and them It seemed like it I, I They kept too. losing I, to I them um, Yeah it, it looked off in the beginning um, You know I watched the match again And it looks like there's a spot um, where, where she gets hurt with Dewdrop It looked like a knee Or an ankle or a uh, you know, Achilles tendon, I haven't seen or heard anything since. It definitely didn't look good, but it was definitely uh, it was definitely something that just it, it just it wasn't a good match. It wasn't a good segment. And we get the we get the puppet who interferes again. I, I mean, if we get a match with Alexa Bliss and this puppet against Dewdrop and Eva Marie at SummerSlam, I don't know, man. I, I don't know. But we got Lily Lucian now. On our yeah, screen No just, thank you Poor Alexa I, I yeah. mean, She may she love does... this And I may be speaking You know <laughs> Out of turn But Not doing anything for me At all None None And she does a Doing as best a job as she can With the With what she's been dealt but... And you know all, all the heat All the heat That Eva Marie Had built up On gone. There's I, There's nothing there In the it's arena gone. It's gone Make her piss people off She can it's... do it there's nothing there, man. There's nothing there right now. Unfortunate. Um, we get Karrion Cross versus Keith Lee, both of which are coming off of a loss Ooh. last week. These two guys had this big feud in NXT. That was a main event feud. Now the match wasn't bad or anything. Actually, Cross looked fine, and and it was it wasn't like a complete squash here. But they obviously don't like Keith Lee, and oh, they really yeah. and this doesn't make like Cross like. He looked better. Um, he, you know, he still doesn't have the presentation with him, and I don't understand anything of what they're doing here, and I don't understand why Cross is up here. And I guess we just have to completely shift what we, how we perceive Keith Lee, because they don't seem to like him. Yeah, and if you believe the the dirt sheets, which you know, I, I don't know. I, apparently, word was that Jeff Hardy, who Tested positive, for, I believe, for COVID nineteen. Um, that was taken off the show. The rumor was that Jeff Hardy was going to beat Karrion Cross again, and that would have made zero effing sense, man. But Keith Lee, for what it is, I, his, I, I don't know what we're doing here with him. Um, I, on one hand, you could say, well, at least he's on, but th- this is this is the Moxley treatment. You know, th- this is the Moxley treatment at the end. Of his contract And if Keith Lee is going to be on every week He doesn't need to be losing I'm okay this, with this match I'm okay with it It wasn't good But it wasn't bad But It didn't help either guy though No yeah. and, and it do, and it's not going to help Keith Lee Or Karrion Cross in the future at all Even when you move forward to it You can move Keith Lee back down to NXT And still I, I, I don't know man This is just bizarre booking on Raw continues 
We got Mason T-Bar <laughs> cutting promos, <laughs> cutting promos here. Which is, you know what? I don't. If you're like, if they're going to be goofy, gimmicky jobbers or whatever, <laughs> like, and at least, and they have some personality. That's that's not. I don't mind. It, it doesn't. It doesn't bother me. I don't really know. Hey, what who was who was the tag team that WWE released not too long ago? The Ascension. Uh, they, what are we doing here? This is like right? 2.0. This is exactly the ex- I thought the exact same thing. It was exact. Kovic we is- are going to go in this. This yeah. is the animal it, kingdom. Look, yeah. Look, I, I don't know much about the other guy, but Dominic was really good in Ring of Honor. He was really good in NXT. The big free agent he, signing. Look, and he was a guy that was, was, everyone was pointing to move up. And he did. And Retribution, which... We said it here multiple times, which began as a good idea, but was executed poorly. It's like you have the perfect play call for a two-point conversion to win this game in regulation, right? Football, we're not going into overtime. And and then the quarterback and and snapper, you know, muff the snap. We don't get a clean snap. It gets blown up. But I just feel like we're Ascension here. It was a quick match. At least, at least someone brought up that Mustafa Ali used to be in retribution with Mason T-Bar. So at least we got that, okay? But match-wise, eh, it is three-minute match. It's no good. And what we're coming up to next totally, totally just puzzles me. Uh, Bobby Al Ashley, Cedric Alexander, and Shelton Benjamin. Man. It doesn't. I mean, it was weird, really weird for for this to kind of just be out of nowhere. And after all this time, you got these guys come out, and Cedric says he, you know, you, they threw him away from the hurt business because he thought he was better. And then Shelton interrupts, and he said, "I I hate the sound of your voice," which was funny. And then <laughs> and, uh, it, and he said, "You know, I want to challenge." So they do a one on two handicap match where. I mean, it made Lashley look, I guess, a little tough, but maybe like if you're going to do this, have these guys pick up a couple wins over the last few weeks to yeah. make us care about them. And then you put them in here and it makes it seem more. We haven't seen these guys on our TV. We already kind of saw them like get beat down by him right after. And this is kind of coming back to it again. I don't, I just, I didn't. Know if it really served the purpose that they want. Yeah, they're trying to make Lashley look tough. Um, okay, you know there I, was a look. This 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 ball was dropped before WrestleMania with the Hurt Business and and having Cedric and Shelton kicked out of the group, then turn on each other, and then have several matches. Uh, none were really all that good, and they sh- at least one of them should have been. And now they're out here together. They don't like each other, but they're pissed off with Lashley. And I'm okay with what. Them doing that. I just thought, again, execution, it made no sense. Now, look, we got Lashley talking about, or MVP talking about Goldberg, so we know what, what's coming. We had Goldberg out last week. This could have been done better over the next week or two. Maybe have Shelton work Lashley and then have Cedric work Lashley and them two say, hey, look, we need to put our differences aside. It was just a, it, it was, what, two-minute squash type deal, man. I, I, I just... Again, puzzling. Another puzzling booked match. We spoke about Riddle Morrison earlier. That was good. And fantastic. And I gotta say, one of my highlights of Monday Night Raw was Reginald. 
I we, have no problem with this. It was this great. is exactly how the 24 7 title should be used. And it makes sense because Reginald. With he with he's so acrobatic, he's elusive. He's gonna be they're gonna be chasing him. He can jump around and try to uh, elude all of these guys. What he did entering the ring with the Sin Cara entrance was awesome, but the way he <laughs> leaped out all, over everybody and just ran out, this dude can legit go. And so now we, you know what? The way that he was introduced first with Natalia, and then you bring him into into the twenty four seven, he. He is a guy that absolutely, if they want to, could get a little more serious with him as they continue to go. And in six or eight months, this could be a guy that's on your roster and and wrestling for the U.S. title or something because he's good enough to do that. I'm, and this is a good area for him right now to have some fun. And this was the most interested I've been in the twenty four seven championship in. I mean, the Drake and and our truth stuff was fun, and at the very beginning there were a couple fun stuff with our truth, but. This I like this. This was fine. Uh 100%. Um the only part I didn't like, I'm not a big fan of of a live mic. Um, I agree. I don't like that. The, the Leo Rush. <laughs> yeah, uh, but my mean man. Lastly. it just I, I I've been at an indie show before where the announcers uh the color commentary um is live. You know, during the matches, I think it just really look. I, my, my attention span is is crazy now. I know with all you know, social media, people read headlines. We're, we're swiping left and right and up and down. It's hard to. I, I, I that was the one part I didn't like, but I was entertained. And Reginald is a star, man. You got to find. Look, I I know WWE hasn't had a lot of house shows yet. I think they've had one or two. Over the last couple of weeks, I think last Sunday, I believe they were in Louisville. What I'm hearing uh, with Reginald participating and working matches, that he is way, way over. And I like the if this is what you're going to do with the 24 ti- uh, 24-7 title, then I'm going to be interested in it. I am. Let him do some crazy acrobatic things every week. I don't like the, you know. Uh, the the same nine or ten guys kind of chasing him here and there, but you know I was I, look Reginald he, he makes that title enjoyable. Our truth was fun at the beginning. That kind of like ah, it's kind of like a ongoing rib. But man, Reginald, yeah. all in on that dude, man. That was uh Monday Night Raw as it ended with the Nikki Ash Charlotte stuff we talked about, and just um hopefully they can find a way to get a little more out of that uh, moving forward as uh, we get to Tuesday. And NXT on Sci-Fi, and they were up against the Olympics. They moved, and I saw they still got over five hundred thousand. Which, for an NXT product that hasn't been getting the the most unbelievable ratings in the world, having to move to Sci-Fi, which is a much different network than USA, I actually didn't think that was that bad of a number for no, them. No, Gino, I, I heard they were they were very pleased, and I was really concerned. I, you know, I didn't think it would get impact numbers. You know, like hundred, you know, hundred and fifty thousand on a good week. Uh, I, I think realistically, the bar, you know, of course, you, you know, oh, we want eight hundred thousand. The bar is always going to set high, but I think what I heard realistically, they were hoping to get in the four fiftieth range, and I think they were very pleased with it. it it's hard. Look, we're we're all creatures of habits. I, it, it's really tough to keep up with everything, as simple as it sounds, and just to get people to turn on sci-fi. It's something in itself because look, I mean, people weren't turning on AEW 
on what TBS on Friday nights for a couple of weeks. I mean, those ratings plummet. So I, I think 550, 540, whatever it was, I think they were happy with it. It wasn't the greatest NXT show, um, but it was entertaining. It was good. The yeah, the opening match was a uh, Champa Thatcher, Oni Lorcan, Pete Dunne. Um, Pete Dunne and Oni Lorcan win, so they may be like a new uh, tag team contender moving forward. Um, so yeah, I'm just some new faces uh, throwing them in the mix there. Um, I thought it was a good match. I thought it was a really good match. And we got the return of Ridge Holland, who will be aligned with uh, with Dunne and, and Lork uh, in there and uh, um, give them a little bit of a a, a trio. So not a yeah good match as you would expect and just we like Pete Dunn anything more we can get from Pete Dunn uh, fine by me we'll probably get them and when M- MSK I'd imagine sometime uh, sometime soon um, then we got a uh, yeah build up for some of the video packaging for uh, the breakout tournament we saw Carmelo Hayes here and then we get another look uh, later on at Josh Briggs who uh, they're going to be facing each other and and then Samoa Joe is the big uh, the big angle right now. And it's just so funny that you would bring Cross up in the middle of this feud with Joe. That will, that is good. Like people are hot for Joe. They want to see him. Everything Joe is doing is good. It just feels a little bit weird because we've seen Cross on the main roster the last few weeks. I mean, at least this week he won. But it 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 seems like such a like, weird timing for this. I wish I had a better explanation other than just weird. Um, you know, the match is signed. You know, he, he says what he, he thinks Regal. Oh, I think you're going to fire him. But no, let, let me have a match. And he does. I mean, the only option you have now is Samoa Joe take this title from him. So yep. what you're going to have to do with Cross then is he's going to have to stay on the main roster. You're going to have to. I, I don't know where. Uh, Scarlet is that? Uh, we uh, I don't think we saw Karrion Cross on NXT at all, did we? Was there any vignettes? I, I'm looking at my notes. I, do I don't think so. Him. I don't. No. I don't think so. so. That's odd. Um, for him to work on the main roster at all, all after all this is you're gonna have to you're gonna have to have Scarlet there. And I'm gonna be honest with you. I'm gonna be real honest with you, Gino. I think the damage is done with this guy. I do too. I, I, I don't think he's going to be successful, and I, I could, could completely be wrong. I'll take the L if I'm wrong, but me too. I just don't feel I, it. I, I just don't. I don't feel it. I, I, something has been off there. Not that he's been a bad champion. It just felt like, you know, in that match at that NXT t- or the, was it the Great American Bash where you had all those participants? Uh, who, who was all the five way? Cole five Gargano way. and who was the yeah? Who was the biggest star in that match? It wasn't the Cole. champion. Yeah. So I think what has to happen here and I think what is going to happen, I think Joe wins this title on Sunday night on August 22nd. And then you're going to have Adam Cole and and Samoa Joe, which is going to be phenomenal. But I have nothing against Karrion Cross. I like him. I I mean, but you're going to have to do some work here to get him back because I, I just not there, just not there anymore, man. Joe doing great work though, and and oh, absolutely, he he's hot and and doing like all the stuff. Joe, the intensity, everything about him in this uh, segment was really good. And um, oh, we got we got some of these running uh, <laughs> segments, which you know what people can say they love AEW, 
You and I love SmackDown. Um, there's a lot of good things going on in wrestling. This is by far my favorite thing, and I don't think it's close. Um, especially with now Hangman Page losing, which we're going to get to in a minute. This is <laughs> by far my favorite thing. We get the million dollar champion, LA Knight. He's at the golf course with Cameron Grimes, who is the caddy today. Um, first up, Cameron Grimes is uh, washing his balls. Yeah, the golf balls. He's using the uh, the machine there from behind. And he, Grimes, which is, he doesn't, you know, he keeps giving him the wrong clubs. Then he wants to bet. You know that he's going to hit a ball into the trees And um, You know and he's making fun of him And just getting on, on LA Knight's nerves And so they keep they keep checking back in um, I think they like Three times uh, throughout So you know we come back And Cameron Grimes is uh, later in the show He's distracting LA Knight And he hits the ball in the water um, <laughs> it, Like DiBiase shows up and then tells Grimes, you know what, you were born to be a champion They have this cool moment where he says, you know, you don't need to do this kind of stuff um, the, the, There's a point, too, where Grimes is doing the the golf announcer voice And it's really pissing off, uh, it's really pissing <laughs> off LA Knight like, And uh, we're here on the 16th green and uh, LA Knight and, and it's great, it's really funny that he's doing it And um, and then I think the last time they end up running into the uh, the grizzled young veterans who are golfing And they sort of get into it with them So it, it looks like we might even get a tag team match with these two against the grizzled young veterans That kind of continues to, I think, plant the seed for when we'll, when we'll get another uh, Grimes um, versus uh, LA Knight But both of these guys are so perfect for these kind of skits Because Grimes is... So funny and got a great personality And LA Knight like This is using the best Of LA Knight because he's fine in the ring He's he's good in the ring I have no problem with him I think he's a lot better than people give him credit for But yeah. he is best On the mic and so when you're able To put him in this situation And then you, you give Grimes The opportunity to play that like lovable Loser oh like These have been my favorite things every week Coop I am hundred uh, percent with you. This has been a home run uh, for uh, not only NXT but for uh, for professional wrestling. I, I know, you know, as you said, whether you're AEW New Japan, this is really, really, really entertaining. And wrestling needs this. I, I mean, you could put look. Raw had literally ten matches on Monday night. I mean, some of them were two minutes. Some were. I, Never seen as many matches on a Monday Night Raw. You could have had, let's say, six matches, and they all could have been six five stars. You still need something that's there. Look, AEW is supposed to be your pure wrestling. They're now having entertainment-type segments. No one is doing any type of work at any level, what Cameron Grimes and LA Knight has done in this feud. Um, I was concerned at a time or two, um, heading into a, even before the match, I thought they could get really, really not silly, but I thought, okay, it could be over the top, uh, and, and it's not going to be as good. But when you have Ted DiBiase and the million dollar pep talk, you know, it, it kind of felt like, uh, what's the movie with Adam? Was that Happy Gilmore? Uh, what was <laughs> exactly. It, uh, 
Yeah, uh, or is it Billy Matt? Yeah, Happy Gilmore. It's Happy Gilmore. And, yeah. yeah, and you have Carl Weathers, uh, whatever his character name was. It's all in the hips. Yeah. 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 You know, I got those vibes, and it, it's I, I need a tag team match with these two. Uh, Grimes probably it, it, they could win. I, I wouldn't mind seeing them win together and get on a run. I, I don't want to see them lose every time and Grimes just be the loser, even though I'd be okay with it. But you can go so many ways with this. It just showed you how good these two guys are. And from my understanding, they are uh, they are living and loving this up, man. We then see that uh, the turn we were waiting for for a while, yeah. uh, Dakota Kai. Um, they, you know, Raquel hadn't had a whole lot going on lately, um, but Dakota cut a good promo here, called her right. Big Mommy Cool as the most <laughs> dominant woman in NXT history. And then uh, they pose together, and Dakota raises her arm, in, and then Dakota nails the running kick to the back of Raquel's head, turns on her, and they stare down as uh, Dakota exits. So this is where we're going to be headed. Looks like for uh, the takeover match, and this is where we were expecting we should, and this will be fun. There's um, the built-in, you know, feud here with these two, and Dakota's really good in the ring. I think a lot of people forget. I don't think she's going to win this match or anything, but this is this is necessary. This is where you are going to have to go with Raquel to continue to tell the story, and this will kind of cement her more her as a babyface, you know, um, and with Dakota turning on her. You know, they must have been listening to us. I remember last week. Exactly. We <laughs> yeah. had the question, when does this happen? Uh, it happened, it, you know, it had to happen immediately, and it did, and it was so good. Uh, I don't, here's the question I have. Who's the face and who's the heel here? I, I, you know, the face. The, the crowd popped for, for Dakota. Yeah, they, they did. did. So I think she has to be the face, but I have a feeling they're wanting Raquel to be face here I, I i keep hearing things that you know she's she's a main roster star um I, I i just man they pop for her and then kind of the way she left the arena was a little faces facious to me this was a fantastic segment um you kind of felt it you kind of knew it was going to happen but i think it was uh execution has been the word of the day for me I, i'm jimmy smith and oh my godding today with execution <laughs> but when you execute things properly you get a good result, and this was this was phenomenal work by both of these ladies. And uh, hopefully, everything is done right. You got to make three weeks of build up, and this is going to be a great match at Takeover. I'm kind of surprised to see the uh, uh, Casey Carter, uh, Caden Carter, and Casey Cannizzaro pick up the win over Monet and just yeah, Kamea. There, yeah, yeah is- I don't think they know what they're quite doing with um, with Monet yet. You build her up, and she gets another good entrance here. Um, we haven't seen her dog who was a big star and that's frustrating to me too. Yeah. Um, and I look, if I, it's hard to explain here, I, I love Robert Stone. I got to have him on TV every week. He is so freaking phenomenal at what he does with his character. I just don't know if Monet now, now we're, it's, it's kind of, kind of like a comedy deal with Monet, but look, if you know, Taya Valkyrie, she does a lot of things. On social media, she did a lot of things on Impact, where she was she was doing uh, these skits, the Real Housewives of of or the Real Knockouts of Impact Pack Wrestling, I believe. So I don't have a problem with some of this funny things to doing, but 
boy, she feels less important now than what she did. That was a massive signing for them. And I don't think the buildup was great for her. And it's been a big letdown because she is fantastic in the ring. And I, I, it's kind of tied into the same segment where we're seeing what Mandy Rose with Gigi Dolan and Jesse Jane. And hey, I'm all for some veteran talent working with, you know, younger talent. Like, you know, of course, you know, Gigi Dolan, she was uh, Priscilla Kelly on uh, the indie circuit. So mm-hmm. this is like the second, third week in a row we've, we've kind of seen these. I have no problem with Frankie Monet working with these people, but it sure seems like a weird way for, I, look, no offense, no offense to Casey and, and Caden. They, you know, they're a good little tag team, but they shouldn't be beating Frankie Monet. No, and, no. And, and, and Jesse just, it just shouldn't, it just felt weird to me. And it just feels like you turn them into, you turn Frankie Monet into a loser and it's, that's what Robert Stone is. He's a loser. He's never won. And I love that role in him. It, it, it just. It's a weird pairing. Little X. It, it's a weird pairing. And it just seems like we don't know what we're doing with it. Zoe Stark. I gotta say, uh, she had a little thing with EO. She's got to work on her acting a little bit. She just <laughs> seemed like, she just bad. seemed like really, really bad. But, uh, and our <laughs> buddy, uh, our buddy Roderick Strong, they're, they're, this is fine. They're trying to give him a different presentation here with giving giving Bivens a Bivens getting a chance to talk a little bit too. Yes. You know, just like yeah. him showing up, that's fine. So um, they're gonna have a match next week versus Bobby Strong. Uh, that should be a great match. Hopefully, they can continue on uh, giving us a little something with this character for Roderick Strong. Um, and then they also set up. Uh, we're gonna get Dragonoff versus Walter for uh, at NXT. Yeah. Which should be a really good match. I know a lot of people like Walter, so that match is going to be at NXT here in the U.S. So some uh, some news um, and and things that they were just setting up moving forward. And we got um, Imperium versus Hit Row. Imperium gets the win, which I, I don't love, but it's more about setting up the feud with um, you know Phantasma, uh, Legado del, del Phantasma. And hit row because Mendoza, Joaquin Wild, they attack Swerve at ringside, and uh, that ends up leading to Imperium getting the win there. So, um, continuing on the, you know, I don't know if they needed to lose this match, but it's not like they're champions or tag titles or anything like that losing in this match. So it's more of a um, continuing on their, uh, their sort of like their faction warfare with Legado del Fantasma. I would have preferred them win, but I think this is a spot right here where it's okay. Um, Me too. I I don't think it really helps Imperium much at all. Um, It was a good match. You know, it was a good match. We had some outside interference, uh, some this and that. Um, You know, it's okay that they lost, but it it, it kind of knocked Hit Road down a peg. I do agree with that. got beat up, and that's the part I didn't like. Mm-hmm. This was the first time we've kind of see them show a little ass, right? Yes. What they say, like we haven't seen them on the losing <laughs> or just kind of looking like uh, beat down um, at any point yet. Um, the next segment where we saw Dexter Loomis with a drawing <laughs> that was delivered, and he's in the drawing with the way. Oh my god. <laughs> this was so funny. I thought this was hilarious. And and so they set up a match for next week. It's a love her or lose her match. Love Johnny Gargano versus Loomis. If he wins, 
he if Loomis wins, he gets the date in uh he gets the date and they get to like he's gonna join sort of the way. This is no they have to do this. They have to do this with him in there. The picture of him like drawn in the portrait. Oh my god, I, I was laughing too. There was there this in the grime stuff was like almost like laugh out loud funny stuff here. Uh it's just perfect. I mean, it's just uh <laughs> love her or lose her match is uh, just a great idea, and Loomis has to win. I, just, has to. He has to win, and Indy is so excited. She's so excited about this, and Candace it just pisses her off. And Johnny's like, "You're not dating him. You're, you're what, what are we talking about here? It's just, <laughs> you know, if you're gonna do a comedy segment, have the, you know, Cameron Grimes, L.A. Knight, and the way. It just, uh, it, it's." It's a beautiful marriage there, man. It's just good. Hey, I was upset that we haven't seen Loomis in a while. And now that he's back into this, it just, again, it makes me look forward to watching something on NXT. There's so many good storylines happening that it makes you want to watch for NXT. And, hey, the main event was fantastic. Really good. Really, really good. good. And we and shout out to Reed. Bronson Reed looked good. Adam Cole, you know, he's the biggest star on this roster, he looked great. Uh, O'Reilly interrupts after out of nowhere, so we're going to get an inevitable, uh, you know, one more match between them. Um, which again, their ring work has been fine, and I actually like their last match better than the one that they tried to do a little too much with. I think the the first time. So we'll, um, yeah, lo- lots of positives about about NXT on. Gotta Tuesday. have a Gino before you go to Wednesday nights. We gotta have a stipulation, right? Uh, have to. With, uh, Loser leaves uh, NXT. Something has to be. Right. Something has to be done at TakeOver. You can't just have a not. – we've already had, what, a non-sanctioned match or whatever it was. I can't remember what it was. I, I just – something – look, I'm okay with a, a all-time running feud, kind of like uh, what we've seen with Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn, but we can't keep going to this. No. We can't keep going There have to, to be it. times where you can separate them on brands for a little while, you know? Right. And and, right. and they, they don't have the opportunity to do that here on NXT. This has to be it for them. Like you said, it's got to be a someone's going one way, someone's going the other way type match. Um, so, yeah, that'll be uh, Sunday, August 22nd is going to be NXT TakeOver 36. That's going to be during SummerSlam weekend, which is going to be an insane weekend because um, that's going to be a, a weekend. There's going to be, uh, I think... The right a week before that, and within that week, we're gonna have Rampage on AEW kicking off, and we'll get over to AEW as they begin. And I will say, they start the show with the video package that hypes that big elimination tag match. This is the match that I have been the most excited for over the last couple of weeks on AEW, where we're going to see the Dark Order versus the Elite, and if the Dark Order wins, Page and the Dark Order will get tagged. We'll get. Shots at the title page at the world title And the dark order at the tag titles If they lose they don't get a shot At the titles so The setup of this match The video package the entrances For the dark order they're all Dressed with cowboy gear It looks great They the elite They get the basketball space jam Entrance (laughs) which they talk about the Space jam sponsorship they It's like the, the Chicago Bulls I mean it is like big deal. This is like a WrestleMania beginning, and it, and it right. feels like that. And like how it starts. Don Callis is in like a ref or like a coach, <laughs> coach get up. He, they're 
The elite are all wearing basketball jerseys With their names on the back You know the Young Bucks and Gallows and, and They have Hank. basketballs They're dribbling which They're dribbling them hor- <laughs> They're horrible they're They horrible can't play dribbling. They can't play You can tell they're dry They're And they're they, it Just a, the, the presentation of all of this Was awesome And this is a match the crowd is nuts for Everybody is expecting Adam Page Hangman Page to get the win They they set it up to where It's down to three on one It's just Hangman Page left Against uh, against Kenny and the Bucks He eliminates one of the Bucks And then all of a sudden We get a distraction Buckshot Larry is avoided Oh, Kenny hits him with the, the title in the head For a cover uh, Just misses Then a V-trigger to the back of the head um, The V-trigger to the back And one winged angel and the Dark Order and Hangman Page cannot challenge for the titles as per the stipulation. So, the match, <laughs> the presentation, everything about the first 33 minutes up until the one, two, three, I thought was great. It, they made it seem so much like a big deal, a big match. And then, oh yeah, the guy that you've been building from the very first show you ever had. The long story that they've been telling He just lost I don't I don't know What they're going to do next And I honestly I really don't care To be to be fair because <laughs> Like w- with this because to be honest If they try to come out next week And say and then and Kenny does whatever and offers Paige a title Shot that's Why the hell did we just what the hell was that match for? What the what what the hell was the purpose of all this? If he ends up getting a title shot, I'm gonna be mad now because they're gonna go back on their word. And this is actually something that AEW has not done. Cody hasn't challenged, right? Good since point. he said he wasn't going to. And so they're gonna either A look bad because they're gonna go back on a stipulation when it could have been very simple. He could have won this freaking match, right? Like that's the easy thing. He should have won this match. Boom, and yeah, and- we this was this was our big conversation after this match was announced. How we know who had to win, but when and how? I thought this was going to be like a pay per view main event because yeah, of how big a deal it was. I figured it would be, or or you know, I guess there wasn't a pay per view in between here and there, but I figured this would be. On the last hour of the show I kind of like doing it at the beginning And being like hey we don't know how long this thing is going to go So we're just going right. to start you know, start with it But it doesn't Make any Sense to me it, Not not with Kenny Omega Pinning him now you No know, I thought I thought okay Hangman has to win They need to pin Either the Good Brothers, uh, they need to pin one of the Bucks. Dark Order maybe needs to pin, and, and then you have an out, and Kenny says, "Hey, wait a minute, you know, you didn't pin me." Um, they're going to have to say, I guess they don't have to, but they're going to have to give Hangman a title shot. And what's going to be bad is if they make him earn it by winning these matches or do that's even going to be worse. Now, if they put this on the back burner. And we're getting Daniel Bryan or Punk. Or, this is bad. That's Punk bad. That's coming in and going to challenge Omega. That beat me out. Beep. Get the sensor button here. No. If they that's... do that, that is a one hundred percent shit 
on I agree. Page. And that's a low and, and that is what this company Was going to be different from the beginning I, I don't know why the last couple of weeks And maybe it's because of the rumors But I felt so much less of like You know Darby took a a reference to punk and so maybe we'll get some of that Great but like I felt less of Darby Where's Sammy been I don't I, I, I don't know um, Where like I I don't like Jungle Boy we got a little bit from him He's felt like less of the big deal Um, I'm I, I'm very worried Now because this was the hottest Storyline in wrestling two weeks ago three weeks Ago right. and right. now all of a sudden Daniel Bryan and punk are coming in so now everything's Going to change and if they're not w- w- Him losing this is a this is something WWE would have done. That's why I'm at it. Yeah, this, this is, is exa- yes, this is exactly a WWE something move. WWE would have done. They would have built somebody up. We would have. This is like what they were doing to Daniel Bryan before. Inevitably, the crowd just said, "Screw you!" Like we're gonna get so pissed off. And I, I, that's why I couldn't believe when I was watching and and seeing so many people say how incredible they thought Wednesday's show was. If this exact same thing happened on any wrestling. Anywhere that I watch, I'd be furious. On WWE, NXT, AEW, New Japan, if there had been someone that I had been getting behind that they had built up, they had already said the guy was like insecure, and we already got that moment where he was insecure, and we got the the Dark Order telling him, "We believe in you, buddy," and this is for the good guys. And what do you say now? Like, how do we? I don't. I don't know any, where you go with this. Anything you do with Paige, he's gonna look and like. Okay, sure, he lost three on one And he didn't look like a loser himself Paige, you know, like he didn't get squashed Or anything, but I don't Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't like this at all And I love the 30 Like I said, the 32, 33 minutes Up until the, the one, two, three I'm like, oh great, they're stacking the deck against him He's gonna come back and beat all these guys And eliminate them, and he's gonna look great And then he's gonna get the title match You know, Okay, we're into August now You and I are recording this on July the 31st We're into August, so Everyone's like, oh yeah, the pay-per-views in September They got plenty of time No, they don't No, you don't You're going to have that much time to completely rehab this And I don't, again, you don't have to throw them back down But this was a big deal This felt like such a big deal And yeah, I don't I, I just, if you look at the crowd's reaction After the, you could see when the uh, when the finisher What is that, the one-winged angel Is put on Hangman Page if you pause it and kind of look around and watch people's faces, they're generally mad, and they're not Undertaker losing to Brock Lesnar at WrestleMania mad. This is just like, what are they doing mad? That there was no pop at the end of that match. I would, I, I, I went back and watched it. I, I don't want to hear any excuses for that. Oh, they're. I, I don't care if it turns out to be fantastic. The Yellow Brick Road. This is going to be the greatest of all time. That was they did exactly what WWE does to their fans and their workers. And now you're either going to have to give Paige one of two things going to happen. You're going to have to give him that match or they're putting it on the back burner for something else. Either way, it's not a non-win for me because, again, it goes back to Karrion Cross and Samoa Joe. That match is not going to be special for me. Samoa, uh, uh, Sheamus and Damian Priest. That match at SummerSlam is not going to be special for me. I, I just think some of these these AEW fans are, are so they've got the blinkers on, man. They they've got the blinkers on, and they just I, I don't know, man. I don't. This, like, I this mean, it's not good. It's le- it's a way. It's a, just a, so much less special now. Um, 
Ah, uh, yeah. And it just sort of was kind of down, downhill after that to me. Me too. Uh, we checked in with Andrade um, and Chavo. They're going to be interacting with Pac. Like, this is fine. Like, all these guys together, that's fine. Penta and Phoenix will, like we said, will inevitably probably turn on him. I thought Chavo felt a little bit better, seemed a little bit better last week. He, I think he was yeah. kind of a little too little goofy. So, um, yeah, I didn't mind that. Um, we got the Taz. A FTW champ and then Ricky Starks coming out. Um, Hook. I, I don't. I just don't know what they're doing really here. I'm not sure. Cage, I guess, is the is the baby face now. Um, but he's this again. I, I don't really like dislike this, but this just kind of feels like it's not really important. No, and I love Ricky Starks. This Me too. I like him quite a bit. Talented individuals I have ever seen, not just in wrestling. But his his mind, his creativity is fantastic. I, I like the entrance. Uh, I thought it was cool. But the problem is this FTW title means absolutely nothing to me. Not when you've got the IGWP title on the line. Uh, again, uh, the TNT Championship is nowhere to be found again this week. And, and we're doing this. You know, it just meant nothing. You know. Cajun Starks just really does nothing for me because Cage is 50 times bigger than him. He we got to look at Tanahashi who who challenges the winner of this, which is cool. Like Tanahashi's a really big star, but there's a lot of new you know we like we've got a couple and and maybe this is one of the reasons why Daniel Bryan ends up showing up here because he wanted to work with some Japan uh, some of the yeah. new Japan stars, but um this is cool again Tanahashi does a lot bigger, a lot more for me than uh, Hikuleo. Like I know Tanahashi, and Tanahashi is a pretty big deal. And like, so him him being on wrestling a match or being on TV is is kind of cool. But again, I don't like. So now we're bring we're again we're bringing in all of these people from all over, and I'm worried that these homegrown talents are going to start getting shuffled. There's going to be less TV time for the the young people, the young. Talent in AEW that we really really Liked um, Santana Ortiz Versus uh, FTR Fine match FTR gets the Win um, Crowd was okay not I mean Not unbelievably hot Here um, but this is Fine like both like these tags are Teams are both really good I'm sure I'm sure both sets of these tag teams probably Feel they've been in big Programs with um, you know With their factions but I imagine they would like to be doing what they do best is like wrestling some really good tag matches. We haven't seen all that much from either one of these teams just getting out there and getting 15, 20 minute good tag matches. And I think Wheeler, um, you talk about a team that gets hurt. I think his arm, his forearm was split open. Um, if you look at the end of that match, uh, I don't know where it happened. I don't know if it was the steel steps, but Wheeler, uh, Got beat up pretty good, and there was there was a lot of blood coming from his forearm at the end of the match. So, I, I look, man. I, again, FTR comes over from WWE. They're the greatest tag team of all time. I have, you know, I'm 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 just being a little jerk right now. They come into AEW. Um, they're hot. They win the titles. They lose the titles. Now they're kind of stuck in a program where you're just dealing with. Uh, the pinnacle and I, I, I they're there. Match, Are they there. right now? They're special. you're telling me right now they they have like much more than they were doing in WWE. 
I think that's kind of where you were headed, you know, and I was yeah, that's like, exactly where I was headed. And hey, look, I, I'm nostalgic, man. I grew up. Uh, OK, I, I was born in 74. So I remember most of my wrestling stuff starting in the 80s. I remember Tully Blanchard. I, I went to these little little bitty places and saw Tully Blanchard, Ric Flair. I, I, I saw Arn Anderson. I love Tully Blanchard. He does nothing for me being being with FTR. Uh, Jake Roberts, who I think it was announced that, again, he was with uh, Lance Archer. I didn't see Jake Roberts at ringside again tonight. This just that does nothing for me. And I love these guys and they'll always be in my my wrestling memories. But as far as I'm concerned, FTR, this is an extension of WWE. I'm sorry. It is. Yeah, they just they haven't been. I don't think getting treated the way they they kind of hope they would. Um, maybe they're not doing goofy ish stuff as much, but they're not getting all that much TV time. Yeah, they're not. We okay. Oh, here we go. Okay, so the first dance is August twentieth. So we were a week early. Okay, so okay. it's three weeks. So yeah, because that's the it's everything it is, is that same weekend. Perfect. So that's it. So yeah, that yeah. that weekend is Rampage, NXT, and SummerSlam, NXT Takeover, and SummerSlam all that weekend. Yeah, um, and, and, and the WWE pay per view is a Saturday. Yeah, Saturday. That is gonna is, be nuts. That's nuts. a crazy weekend because you you know you know Punk is going to be there because they are going to grab that early buzz heading oh, into SummerSlam and say, okay, it's your turn. Yep, it's your turn. Here are my cards. It's your turn. It's called the first dance. They've teased it. All the Chicago Bull stuff. Um, you know, this was the that was the song that the Bulls had for their intro. Um, and the last dance documentary, everything it's all been teased <laughs> as, it, as we then get Darby Allen teasing and saying, There's only one place to prove that you're the greatest, even if you think you're the best in the world. So, well, punk's coming, you know, uh, it's pretty obvious. We're yeah, getting, we're getting pretty it, obvious. Oh, we're getting yeah. it now as um, Lance Archer gets a big win. To uh, you know, uh, secure his title and to get um, you know, pick up a couple of victories in in order. So he's gonna follow. Uh, he's gonna face Tanahashi. Um, he's gonna have to travel to New Japan to do so. Um, we well, what got... you think about King Haku being there? King Haku, you're right. Yeah, that, <laughs> people got to shout out that. I mean, that, that's a great. You, I'm glad you mentioned that. Haku is. And, uh, and also, also, I, I my notes sometime are in random order. What did you think? I don't know if it was the first hour or the second hour. Again, we get a backstage segment with Britt Baker. She's not. Why the not crowd. in the ring with now the crowd? We know, they we, love her. We know, we know she's got a broken wrist and she's going to be out a while. But get I, that I, energy I, out there. And she, she, and she teased about having security. You know, it was a great promo. She did fantastic. But again, backstage, I just I don't get it. So they, yeah, I think they got 1.1. I'm looking at again right uh, last night, which so three uh, pretty good weeks in a row, man. Yeah, three good weeks in a row for them, and they get they're getting a lot of this buzz with the Punk and Debray. Although again, like I'm curious as we get to the main event, um, we'll we'll get there in a sec. What what some people felt about that um, as. Uh, Cody was talking backstage. He's in production versus EVP, and here comes Malachi <laughs> Black to attack him. They battle out front, um, and so this has just all kind of been really quick. He's been, isn't it funny? He, not that like I, I'm, I like this. I like this was this was actually good, and it wasn't a lot, but 
it feels like him showing up was so damn long ago with all the rumors and buzz and news yeah. happening right now. Are you surprised that they're going that quick with a match yes, next week? I am. I am. It is quick. We haven't. I expected us to see a couple of squashes along the way for Malachi first, but he's got to beat Cody. He's oh, got to win. One hundred percent. Yeah. And Cody can't do. And then, and then this has got to be the way that Cody turns heel. You know, or if they're if they're going to go in that direction. So, it. You know, the the intensity and it's the energy is there. So if we get a big Malachi win, and then him stamp himself as a, a player in this uh, in this company moving forward, that's what we need. Um, Miro, just a little a little promo. He's uh, going to be facing. Uh, he's, he's defending his match against Lee John, uh, defending his title against Lee Johnson next week. You man, could tell he's been lost a little bit, man. Miro too, right? It's just that's yeah. what happens. You get a couple weeks of him not on the TV or not seeing, and it's just kind of out of sight, out of mind. Mm. Um, that's unfortunate. And they, you could tell they were like, "Oh crap, we tried too much." Because QT Marshall has to end up apologizing to Tony Schiavone next week instead. Which <laughs> was like, okay, because so much, so many of us were dying for that moment. You know, we're all like waiting with bated <laughs> breath here for more QT. Um, like Christian Cage, Jungle Boy, Luchasaurus. Like Christian, he's undefeated here, but he's just floating. We oh, thought yeah. he was going to come right in and get Omega. They've done the opposite. They haven't really done, done anything of substance with him really at all. Some Hardy stuff. And then Jungle Boy was in the main event match for the title a few weeks ago. And now he just feels like, you know, just another guy. I, and the and the pop uh, when uh, Tarzan's boy, the song. Uh, which is an all time. The crowd just goes crazy. And it's just like, you know, it just seems like that AEW is more, it it seemed like despite the big, the big pop for jungle boy and the crowd, it just seems like the AEW cares more about Christian cage to me. That's how this came off to me. Look, Matt Hardy, no pop. They're in North Carolina, right? That's where he's from. That felt Nothing really, and I'm a huge Matt Hardy fan. That that really just kind of felt, eh. That 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 match really just it was okay. It wasn't an AEW type match to me. We do get a uh, Thunder Rosa back, yeah. so this is probably who they they will build up for Britt. As uh, yeah, that's what it's looking like. And I tell you what, you give credit where credit's due. She got a massive pop, and you're you're always concerned because there's been a couple of times where Thunder has been on AEW television and didn't get that much that big of a pop. She did she did Wednesday night. We get a little promo from Moxley backstage. He says that uh, Tanahashi shows up. He says Tanahashi's been dodging him. Um, he says. He's going to figure out uh, what to do with the travel. He talks about how, why he wasn't able to get to Japan and back and forth. So uh, more involvement with Moxley. It, it looks like with uh, with Tanahashi, maybe more with Archer and this IWGP US title. Um, yeah, I guess this is just, this doesn't do it for me a whole lot. I, I you know, I know they, they a lot of the wrestling fans like the the crossover and the interaction stuff. I just kind of I, I like it when they show up for maybe big events and for like a big match, like a Moxley versus a Tanahashi at a pay per view. Yeah, I'm cool with. I just in the week I'm the week perfectly fine with that. You know, but like in the week to week to week, getting TV time and and stuff like that. I don't know if you want to spend. Think about how much stuff it feels like they squeeze in and they have to get they have to leave out and they spend some of their valuable seconds and minutes they have building um 
uh, like other company stars. I don't know if that's always worked all that well for AEW. No, and you know, no Orange Cassidy, you know, no Ethan Page, no Scorpio Sky, and I'm not talking about that these are big stars and people may not like them anyway, but these were recent people that were being that were in big feuds, and this again reminds me of WWE. It's kind of like what they've done with Ricochet. They have these buildups, they have these matches, and then it's gone. I, I promise you, I I'm not watching on Monday and Tuesday nights on YouTube. I'm not watching Dark. I'm not watching Dark Elevation. You're not. If you want me to go watch YouTube for Orange Cassidy, I'm going to go watch his bar wrestling shows, Orange Cassidy. I'm going to go watch his other indie shows where he had fantastic matches. Why not play off Orange Cassidy and Sting? What they did with Sting doing that stuff last week. Again, I'm going to start writing down because – you're going to bring two massive names in to AEW with Daniel Bryan, which will be Brian Danielson and CM Punk. Even three hours, I mean, there's no Chris Statlander, Jade Cargill. Did you see her last night? Nope. Okay. Nope. I, I just. Yeah. You know, they, they're, they're all, women. For all things AEW does good, especially with their fan base. You can't drink the Kool-Aid all the time. You have no. to sit back and go, you know. Okay, okay, that's not good. You're right. Like I, I like you can love like this, the show, like this, love the, like this, yeah, like this main event, Gino. Right? You can love like a show. You can event. love a company. You can love a team. I'm a Dodger fan. You're a fan of the Astros, Rockets. Like you, do you look at the team that you root for and think everything they do at all the times are great? Absolutely not. I don't know why it's that <laughs> Especially way. Especially Dusty Baker. Uh, I mean, the I, Dusty <laughs> I the same way. I'm watching Dave Roberts sometimes. He's making moves. I'm scratching my head. The Dodgers are struggling. I'm, you know, here and there. Errors. This, this, this. We do the same thing. The Lakers do this or that. I love them, but I'm going to critique what they want. Um, AEW has gotten an unbelievable benefit of the doubt from a lot of their fans early on because a lot of people think they can do no wrong. Um, I, I was, I, I'm just, I'm never a deathmatch um, kind of guy. I'm fine, like we said with uh, last week. Chairs, ladders, uh, tables, uh, some blood in a, in a big feud, you know, where it where it really fits and, and works out. War games matches, even like I would I was okay with, but I'm not as much of like a falls count or a, of like a uh, no an, an, an I quit match or as much of like a um, the you know the last man standing because they get slowed down and I'm just not a gauge guy. He's you know, he's not been the greatest guy in the world, obviously, but that's fine. We root for people or we watch people in wrestling that aren't all great humans, but there just feel like there's so many other people that could have gotten a main event match on this show, on AEW, on national TV, like this, where you're going to have a million people watching. And you get Nick Gage versus Jericho. Jericho's, you know, dressed up like the pain maker. And Cage isn't, or Gage is not like a, he's not a good in ring worker. He doesn't have no. Work. That's the problem and so he's not like a ring veteran or a ring general He's literally just give me another weapon I'm gonna use it give me another weapon I'm gonna use it and so he kind of looks lost in the ring a little bit in in spots here and there Um, And this is just brutal I mean they're just bleeding early on light bulbs a pizza cutter on Jericho's forehead You know like this <laughs> this just is not I know a lot of people like it and if you do you you know, more power to you, 
This was even like a tame version of this guy Who does a way way worse If you go see what he did with Cardona Over the weekend and take a look at Cardona's White t-shirt that was Like doused in red Red blood afterwards I just this doesn't do it for me Now at the very end And and, and even like the finish I'm like Watching the match with the glass all over the place And I'm like worried for the referee And for like people Aubrey had like these like gloves? baseball gloves on, and there was I'm blood like, spewing. I saw her wipe wipe her face. I'm like, yeah, it was. You know, whether whether you believe in COVID or not, we're in the middle of a pandemic, and there's just blood. There was blood throughout this show this everywhere. Every week. And if every you were week. Jericho, like, you trust the other dude? I don't. I don't know. I don't. That's the one thing that's a little scary about this too Is like this is the wrestling fan in Tony Khan Like oh my gosh cool Like the wrestling fans are going to love this Let's put this guy out there and create some buzz And he did you know there was some buzz around this But I don't know if I trust someone like that Going on my show With his kind of track record With what you know like do you Is he going to go along with the script Or what he was supposed to do And he did he did And Jericho picks up the win But it was like a really Bad looking sort of Judas effect Cover oh, they got a cover oh, Horrible finish horrible each other finish. In the like with the glass All over the place um, MJF was on commentary Throughout and he was you know entertaining on there And and after the match That he announces see if there Would have been like this next one Hooventude I'd like that That sure. makes that makes Like that makes more sense to me It was a, a rival of Jericho's From years back Jericho has to win by hitting a top rope maneuver Like that is That is funny and it makes sense And it and people are going to pop seeing Hooventude you know and all this but Yeah and I know a lot of people like that main event It did nothing for me I cringed I, I'm sure there were probably a lot of people Who watched even the 1.1 million at the end And said you know that's a little too much blood For like a Wednesday night on, on TNT Oh even the announcers Were talking about it they were like, I can't believe this is happening. Uh, you know that that TNT is allowing this. I, you know the death match thing is is become a hot commodity over the last couple of months. I know Cardona and Gage set the world on fire Friday or Saturday night. They were trending number one over UFC, the Olympics, and that match had a un unreal ending with with bottles and beer cans being thrown. And you got to give Matt Cardona credit. You talk about a guy that probably shouldn't have been in that match, but this guy has uh, promoted himself to. He's a. This guy's a star. He he is a mega star now. And what they did on Saturday night, what and what compared to what happened on Wednesday night, that last that on Wednesday night did absolutely nothing compared to what Gage and Cardona did. I, I don't care at all. Um, what AEW fans think Oh no Jericho this Jericho that There was so much blood Everywhere there were fans That said they got blood on them I saw a woman taking, in, the, in the front like You could see taking, people yeah. That were like looking around like like there was a piece Of glass shot out them and again like I'm not some like very prude Kind of person like oh, I, know, I, I, know. I don't mind this like, I don't mind Blood in my wrestling this just seemed Too much for me it just you know It's it like just, it, it wasn't the point and, and the finish was bad And what this what this This these five stages of MJF um, What this has done for me Is definitely thinks I, I think MJF Has come off less 
it yeah. seems less important than Jericho seeming more important because he's going through everything. He's going through and everything. And the final deal is, is if you, what you do all four, all five, you, you get to face me. Um, and I, you know, we thought about this was going to be drawn out. Apparently not. They're, they're doing this every week. Um, I, I, the Hoovy spot I'm okay with. I'm not expecting a whole lot out of that match. I don't even know how much, Oh, I don't know how old that guy is now. Yeah. At and... least something they've referenced it to it in that promo. And I'm glad mm-hmm. they showed the promo to remind people that was great, but uh, I just, Jericho uh, doesn't need to man. do this. I, I'm watching no, this going man. like, why the hell is Chris Jericho agreeing to do this shit? You know what, what I mean? Like, would have happened if something really bad happened to one of those? What does guys? he need to prove Jericho? I don't know anymore. No. Like with the, He's he's doing a great job. He's doing great work for this company. He needs to go out there and do this. I I know we sound like old curmudgeon get off my lawn guys, but I just <laughs> I it, it left a bad taste in my mouth to end to end the week and it it left the show I was I got to say I was probably the mo- one of the most excited for last night's episode of AEW just because of that one match. Because sure. of the pay, because of the elimination match with Paige, I was like Oh, this is going to be at least a 30 minutes to, to, you know, you and I were saying maybe a full hour of the show and it's going to be, you know, fun and they'll have, and it's, we're going to build up Paige and he's going to look badass in there. It's something I was even expecting there to maybe even be a schmo, maybe somebody help Paige get the win to help set him. And just, it leaves me a little flat moving forward because he was the, the biggest match that they had, I thought. Was now was was that Omega Page match, and now, yeah, maybe you want to go pay Omega Brian or Omega Punk, sure, but you really just kind of pissed on a guy that was like you built for two years. It felt like this was their company guy that they were building. Everybody was saying like WWE doesn't have a guy like this that they've built up that they like feel like they're grooming to win, and and now I don't know whatever happens with him, it's just gonna feel like it could have been done better. Yeah, that that was WWE booking, and you look at next week's show. You mentioned Cody Rhodes and Malachi Black. You have the TNT Championship. Finally, you have Miro and Lee Johnson. You have Christian Cage versus the Blade. Which, okay, um, am I understanding this correct? You have the Bunny versus Layla Hirsch in an NWA Women's Championship Eliminator match. Is that right? NWA? What? I, why is the bunny is she on I, I don't follow nwa i don't look at the results it's just too much i'm barely hanging in there with with impact um over the weekend i got to see steve macklin work in person and that guy you, you talk about somebody that wwe probably should have hang on hung on to that yeah dude is, is just really really good so i'm invested now in impact because chelsea green is on there cardona's on there i love diana and I'm starting to get more invested a little bit in Ring of Honor. You know, they've got some good things coming up. Plus, it's easy to watch on television because we have some Sinclair stations here uh, in Texas. But I don't follow NWA. And for you, it, it, I, I hope I did not write this down wrong. But the Bunny versus Layla Hirsch in an NWA Women's Championship Eliminator match next week on television. Are you kidding me? So what they do, um, and it's funny, it feels like it's opposites on both sides. So it feels like with WWE, sometimes they hit you over the head a little too much with a video package or with with you just missed this or this happened earlier on Raw. 
Um, but then at the same time, AEW will have people show up on Dynamite that we haven't seen in a month, and they'll just kind of act like we know what's happening because they were on Dark and Elevation, and they don't tell right. us or show us what's been going on. It's like, oh yeah, they've won six matches in a row on. De- Give us a little package. Give us a little something. Show us a little bit about it before they do. I think they 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 just expect that we're all watching New Japan, AEW, uh, you know, Impact, and we're watching NWA, and they don't show us. Any of those things Like if something happened on Being the Elite That's going to reference a storyline Give us the clip on TV Don't just assume that we've all watched that And then WWE kind of does the opposite Like sometimes it's like okay yeah we've seen that four times You know you don't have to show us every five minutes That this just happened But there's got to be like a middle ground there And I was uh, I was a little bummed out with with AEW this week I gotta say because I And it's a it's funny because I look at the the responses sometimes and I think like is it really that much of a disconnect for me because this isn't a like I hate AEW or I love WWE I was furious at Monday Night Raw with a lot of things they did a lot of things that were similar that we complained about the page thing is one that I just can't get over and I'm okay with even like realizing that the the main event match isn't for me right some people like that stuff I don't that's fine I don't understand how anyone can defend. The paid losing in that spot I just don't I don't, <laughs> I can't that, Yeah And and we'll do our best Every week here What a week What Positive, a Positive Negatives Complaints Gripes Things that we love This week in wrestling Every week With Chad Cooper Right here on That's What G Said Podcast Give Mr. Cooper A follow At the Chad Cooper On Twitter And on Instagram And uh, you know If you have a Venmo And you want to shoot Chad a couple bucks For the new uh, lens That he needs there So he can go (laughs) Feel free to uh, Feel free to do that too But uh I'm uh, like I'm gonna be jobbing myself out. I'm gonna be that job squad. Need you are job squad T-shirt man. You are. We're <laughs> gonna find Chad Cooper at like uh every CD strip club around America, like taking yes. pictures or like taking anywhere pictures. like yeah. this. The you know the you find anywhere that there's something weird going on. Chad's getting paid like five bucks to take pictures there for someone. I, I, I'm gonna be the Baron Corbin of photography. <laughs> <here. laughs> That's a great somebody, point. Somebody yeah. Somebody told me. Somebody told me I. I Photographer group, they said, "Well, now you're a real photographer. You you broke a, a two thousand dollar lens. So okay, yeah, I'm Baron Corbin now. <laughs> Baron Corbin Cooper here, Koopaloop, my man. Thank you so much, buddy. I really it, appreciate man. it, and uh, you have a great weekend. You got it, bud. Do not go anywhere, folks. Still much more here on That's What G Said. What a packed episode of That's What G Said. We got into everything." With with Chad, uh, AEW, WWE, Raw, SmackDown, and NXT. We got into Delmar and Saratoga for Saturday. Hit on all those big races with a couple different guests. NBA, all the major news. Reacting uh, instantly to the uh, first round of the NBA draft. Dodger stuff with Ben. All the MLB trade deadline news. Loaded. These are the kind of episodes that I absolutely love where we can just bounce all around. And we will be back next week with plenty more. That's what G said. But don't forget... Tune in um, on Friday. Uh, just follow me on social media for a couple different live streams that you'll get uh, throughout Friday. And definitely we'll hit on that stable duel one where we focus in on all of uh, how to build your stable duel lineup. So uh, be uh, be paying attention for that. Follow at It's Me, Gino B. We finish things off now. Joey, close us out.
pressure as the Dodgers bring home 